Hey, this is Eric from Long Island. You're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 109, where we're going to attempt to bring you the best damn 2017 horror movie preview on the internet. <laughs> it probably won't be, but we'll, we'll do our best. So, on Horror Movie Podcast, you get to hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philly, PA. Wolfman, Josh, and Jay, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it don't say it <laughs> you know you're gonna be saying that a lot to me tonight i have a feeling <laughs> i'm just messing i'm so excited you guys are back i really missed talking with you guys in the past couple of weeks even though we record every other week sometimes it feels like forever since we've been on here so welcome yeah, back. it does it does I agree with you. It's because it's such a traumatic experience when we're on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. It it really does. Like uh, we go like four or five hours. It's like two or three in the morning when we're finished. And then like we've survived this ordeal or something. In the last couple of weeks, Uh I understand there have been many developments. One of which is Dave has like some updates for us about DVD infatuation in 2017. Right, Dave? Uh, Yes, I do. As a matter of fact. Matter of fact, um, you know, 2016 was a bad year in many respects, but it was a bad year for me. My, uh, you know, my consecutive streak came to an end in June, um, and then some personal issues came up in, uh, you know, September, uh, late August, early September, um, and and work issues, which more this year than ever before um uh, around the holidays and as a result i have missed you know i have missed uh, posting reviews on some days so i took a quick look at the schedule as to when i was going to hit 2500 um it looks like the adjusted date is now sometime in the middle of august around the 14th or 15th um so it is going to bring it just to about seven years uh you know when all is said and done but um i've also gone through and selected all of the movies that i'm going to be watching um, because there's nothing more frustrating for me because my collection has got out of control where I think of a movie to watch and I go to look for it and I can't find it anywhere. So I took the time to just gather up all of the movies and I went through everything and I picked the ones that I want to have as part of uh, the challenge. Um, and it actually is 30 above uh, 2,500. So it's looking like sometime instead of mid-August, it'll be mid-September. <laughs> when I'm going to wrap things up. Now, I also want to continue the 31 days of October, the 31 days of Halloween. Yes. Because I do enjoy doing that. Um, so I have a good number of those movies picked out as well that I would like to review 
uh, for the upcoming Halloween. And the only reason I'm saying this is there are some of the people who had, who had um, expressed interest. You know, I am going to open it up and I'm going to bring in some other writers after the challenge is done. Had expressed interest in, um, you know, in, in being part of it. Um, and they contact me periodically just to, you know, just to make sure I don't forget, you know, that, that they have expressed interest. And I do appreciate that. Um, it looks as if the start date for that is going to be November 1, at which point I think I'm just going to, for the rest of the year anyway, just back off to maybe one a week. So I'd look for, you know, if anybody would be interested in keeping it going. Um, I don't know that it is something that we're going to have to post something, you know, review every day. Um, nice. like, like I said, I've just kind of missed that um, myself this past year. Um, and again, uh, for various reasons. Hopefully that's not going to be the case going forward. Um, I'll be able to, to, to just maintain this pace straight through. But I do want to um, you know, see this thing through, and I do want to do the 31 days of October, or, or Halloween, I should say. So we're looking at November 1 would be the date that I would start posting reviews from other writers. Well, so just as a, as a quick update. Well, Dave, I'm just going to say, you know, from a technically speaking, as far as like the, the frequency with which you post from an SEO standpoint, like in terms of like keywords and Google ranking and all that stuff, you're doing a tremendous job because your site is so rich with, with information. In fact, the other day I was doing a search for like Ikea love seat or something. And the, the number one top hit was DVD infatuation.com. <laughs> no, really? no, I'm just what was, what was, I'm, I'm just sorry, messing. Can't be right. I'm just saying you have, I mean, on, in all seriousness, I mean that my day job is working in marketing for this kind of thing. And, and honestly, your site, you, you publish so much content so frequently and it's, it's so keyword rich. I mean, I, it's gotta have some powerful SEO going on there. So anyway, I commend you and I've always oh. admired it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, and it's um, it's going well. I mean, you know, Twitter still sends the majority of the traffic, mm -hmm. but um, I get a lot. I'm getting more and more direct traffic. I, you know, I have the, the um, Google Analytics, which I know is not complete. I think I read somewhere that you can you can almost, um, you know, with with what Google's not picking up, you can uh, there, there's a lot of it out there and you, you have to increase it by a certain percentage as to what the real numbers were. But even based on just what I'm seeing on Google Analytics, I'm getting more and more direct traffic, which is great, which means people sort of bookmarking the site and then checking back periodically, mm -hmm. um, which is which is really good. And IMDB is sending me uh, more and more, um, you know, which is also pretty cool. But, I mean, Twitter is still the, the, the main driving force to the to the blog. And, um, you know, it's it's... It seems it seems to be getting better, and, and um, you know I'm still I'm still enjoying it. I hate I, it bothers me when I miss a day just because of how long I had gone, but um, sometimes it's just unavoidable. Uh, but I'm like I said, I'm planning to just sort of see it through now to the end. I'm so close. I'm I'm now nine away or ten away from twenty three hundred, so I'm getting you know closer and closer um, to the end here. Um, I'm going to still keep the same movie at 2,500, even though I'm going beyond that number a little bit now, mm -hmm. um, just because that's always been my plan to, to make that movie 2,500. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, you know, where that stands right now. Fantastic. Well, thank you for the update there. 
So yeah, everybody, make sure you, if you haven't yet, check out dvdinfatuation.com. It is a wonder. Um, now, speaking of wonders, <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed. I'm sure you did. At least last time I checked this afternoon, on our previous episode, episode 108, that's when we did our top 10 horror movies of 2016 show. Mm-hmm. It, at, at, the last time I checked, it had 415 comments on it. I was like yeah, 418 as I'm looking at oh, it right now. 418 right now. That is insane. Wow. So and I've and I've wow. been I've been I've been you know trying to participate a little more on the comment board and and you know I put some here and there but I I lost track. I mean you know a couple couple days of of, of working extra hours and I check back and it's it's like 70 more. <laughs> I can't even tell where they are. You know where where these these 70s are are embedded <laughs> in the string. So. I'm just completely, I've completely lost track of it by this point. I know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you, everyone who participates. And I know Josh does a great job helping to keep it going and so forth. So we really appreciate There's been that. like 200 comments since yeah. last time I was on there. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> I was I was posting a lot. I usually post a lot at the beginning because I have all these extra thoughts that I think of after we record and mm-hmm. right. help to get kind of the conversation going. But man, it's just taken off. And that's great. And, and actually... You know, the episode a couple ago where we reviewed all the other 2016 films, episode 106, that has 200 comments as I'm looking at it right now. So yes. That's great. People that's are great. really uh, into seeing all the movies at the end of the year and figuring out what their lists are. And, that's and I, th- I think if you I think if you take out Dino's, it's probably about 72. <laughs> Dino yeah, right? did a great job. I, I know it's all over. Dino's all over the place. It looked like I looked like he was commenting while listening for a while there. You know, he was sort of, yes. it was almost sort of reacting as he was listening to the show, which, which, was, all, which was awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like it too. And by the way, I, I was reading down through Dino's and, and their quality comments too. It's not like he's just getting on there and saying, yeah, oh, no. your whole oh, family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, I mean, he, no, he's, he leaves he's, like legitimate. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all it's all quality. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Thank you guys for contributing. And speaking of the 2016 show, Josh, I understand there were some things that we at least overlooked or left out of there that we wanted to at least mention. Well, man, yeah, there of course there were movies that I hadn't even heard of that weren't on Jody's list that slipped through the cracks. But I think other people were wondering, well, why didn't you guys talk about horror TV? And of course, it's primarily a, a movie podcast, but there was a lot of great horror television this year uh, that's probably worth noting, I think. Um Man, so much. I don't even know if we want to get into it, but there were, uh, you know, all of the the shows that were continuing, like American Horror Story and, uh, you know, The Walking Dead and all of that. But there was, you know, Ash versus Evil Dead was still going. And there was The Exorcist show that people were excited about and Scream. People seemed a little hot or cold on. And, um, I mean, too many to even mention. There was one called, uh, what was it called that I was watching on Netflix that I was just talking to you about it? Crazy Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it was. Crazy Head, sorry. Yeah. That was a fun one. That was kind of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer-esque, I think, people who liked that TV show, which I'm not personally a huge fan of, but um, I think it's definitely watchable. It's kind of like Supernatural meets uh, Buffy. Stranger Things, of course, was this year, which we did cover um, on one of the episodes. But, man, it was just a, it was a great year for horror TV and, and Netflix, you know, these original series, Channel Zero. Um, just a lot of it. So uh, that that was an oft-discussed topic. 
the other thing that was brought up was, man, you guys forgot so many people who died this year. And it's just like, man, there were there were so many to remember. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there were a couple of huge names that I left off the list that I was just rattling off. And, it, you know, I was just kind of like throwing them out there quickly. But these are significant people. Even in my own personal life, Leonard Cohen is one that we heard a lot of people were oh, like, yeah. how did you forget Leonard Cohen? Well, Leonard <laughs> Cohen is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen for me is just uh, one of my one of my all-time favorites. So it's one of mine too. A shame that I forgot him. And of course, we did talk about this when he passed away, but Herschel Gordon Lewis passed away this year. And That's I did right. not mention that. That was a popular one people told me how did you forget herschel gordon lewis right yeah um but we, we did talk about it the week that, that he left us but of course mm-hmm. he's a horror icon and one that will be missed yeah he was just starting to work again he was just getting back into yeah. uh yeah, like his new anthology again. was out and stuff yeah right very interesting right. yeah well and and speaking of tv i mean you were talking about tv but it kind of shifting gears a little bit um I, for whatever reason, I can't explain why, I actually watched the uh, 74th Golden Globes here recently that was on. Okay. And, and uh, just for the record, um, I'm tying this to horror, trust me, but number one, I don't really respect the Golden Globes as an award show. <laughs> just want to say that, just put that out there. I was Hollywood like, foreign press can be bought. Yeah, well, you don't, yeah. you don't say, but, but I will say I was just trying to support Jimmy Fallon and... Um, the the award show that I do respect most, at least not a hundred percent, but is of course the Academy Awards, which Doctor Shock and I are big fans of watching. I, that. I, I am a, I am a big fan of it, do you, but do you think it's 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 more legitimate than the no, Golden no. Globes? I mean, Way, the, the, the Oscar. Yes. Well, it's more legitimate, but the Oscar vote, but the but the Academy voters can be bought just as much. I mean, I go back to two thousand two with. Catherine Zeta Jones in Chicago. Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones hosted a party every weekend, inviting <laughs> only Academy voters yeah. and working the room. And Catherine Zeta Jones wins the award that year. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not perfect, but it is the most prestigious award show. It's the one oh, yeah, that, that Hollywood no themselves they care about it the most, and it has thousands of voters versus you know the Hollywood there's, foreign there's press. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah there, I mean, there's no doubt that it is the biggest. I mean, it's the one that everybody focuses on and. Right. And all eyes turn to the Academy Awards. There's no, you know, absolutely true. I uh, do like. I, I like watching the show. I hate the I hate the red carpet, but I like watching the show. I do like that the Golden Globes has a comedy musical section, and I wish they had a horror section. I think that's nice, actually, to separate those from mm. the rest of the awards. Funny. And mm-hmm. I think Ricky Gervais is amazing. I've <laughs> I usually yeah, go back and just watch his highlight clips. <laughs> yes, because he just. <laughs> tears into hollywood in such a beautiful way (laughs) he does well and and funny you should mention that actually because one reason that i watch the golden globes because sometimes the results there can be indicative of what's coming for the academy awards and i watched specifically for horror related coverage and there was no mention whatsoever of the witch a new england folktale and so i have a a sad sinking feeling that it's going to be totally (laughs) snubbed at the Oscars. There's no doubt. There's no doubt it's going to be snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah. There's no doubt it will be snubbed. Should and, it be? No, but it will be. It's criminal. It is an absolute crime. At least it, it should be like in, in a costume or a production design or something like that, you know? I do think that, you know, the Golden Globes are more about celebrities. And so mm-hmm. even though I don't think that that's necessarily a sign 
that the Golden Globes didn't have it because, you know, there's nobody famous in it that they could rub elbows with. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're probably going to get snubbed anyway, which is a shame. Yeah, it is. It is a shame. <laughs> it absolutely is a shame. But there was there was something. Well, <laughs> actually, there were multiple scary things that happened during the Golden Globes. But but that was a different sense of the word scary. But there was something genuinely creepy that happened. <laughs> okay. So during the Golden Globes, I don't know if anybody out there saw this, but there is, uh, you should YouTube it. There is a TurboTax commercial with Kathy Bates in it. This is genuinely a pretty freaky little commercial. Did like, they go back? Did they do a misery uh, sort of uh, spoof or something? No, there are all these uh, creepy, like, like they appear to be kids. I mean, I was trying to, like, cover my kids' eyes because I knew that if my kids were seeing that, they were going to be up all night. But anyway, everybody, seriously, <laughs> go YouTube that. It is worth your time. It's actually pretty freaky for regular TV. Just saying. Anyway, um, real quick, before we get into things, we get a, a brief little teaser here we wanted to mention to you. So people may or may not be aware that we have um, kind of this collective group of podcasts where we're all friends and and co-hosts and we've been calling it the movie podcast network loosely that's what we've been calling it and so really josh i mean you probably agree with this we haven't been much of you know a network more than just like well we associate with each other we kind of plug each other's shows and then we'll show up on each other's shows as guests and stuff like for example yeah, yeah i mean we have a lot of shared cast members and things like that yeah and and some crossover listeners which is wonderful but actually this year we just want to give a little quick teaser that we're going to start really um bringing that to fruition and taking it to the next level and i really think that the uh the listeners will be excited with some of the things that are coming forth and uh that's the the excitement and the action is going to start on march 1st so be watching for that we're just going to leave them with that teaser anything else you want to do to tease about it josh i think you did a great job okay thank you <laughs> All right. I'm, I know I'm excited because I don't know what you're talking about. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I know this is brand new stuff. We haven't actually had um, a chance to let, you know, everybody on the network, everybody associated with it, hear all the, the updates yet. So that's going to be really fun. Sorry, Dave. I'm, I was going to tell you before we started that's, recording. That's okay. I, I have no problem being surprised. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'll tell you what's a surprise. So this is. I hope people don't skip past this part. So, like, here's I, I got to do a little rabble rousing. I got to call out my dear friends that I love. I got to call out the horror movie podcast community on something, okay? And um, what? yeah, I'm gonna call them out lovingly, but I just gotta say now, uh, it doesn't. I mean, it probably doesn't include everybody, but I can tell you for sure that it excludes Juan. So Juan is saved from this there may be others but i specifically remember him you are immune one this does not apply to you but let's review something so i was thinking about our our previous episode the top 10 horror films of 2016 and my number one horror film of 2016 was a survival horror flick called green room and um, as i go down through here so i look at the horror movie podcast listeners top 10 list in green room was number three on their list. I looked down at Dr. Shock's top 10 list and Green Room was number two on his list. And I look at Wolfman Josh Legary's 
top 10 list and Green Room was number one and it was also number one on my list. So all of us, we all had it. Let me describe this premise to you and stop me if any of this is wrong. You've got this group of people and these people are in the wrong place at the wrong oh, time. brother. <laughs> and wait, hang on, Josh. You've got a murder and this is the inciting incident that stirs up trouble and violence. This leads to violence and chaos where the group of people becomes trapped in this place and they're trying to escape because the multitude is trying to kill them. Meanwhile, people die gruesomely and violently. The group of people tries to escape because their escape could mean the difference between life or death, survival horror. But enough about my number one horror movie of 2015, No Escape. Let's talk more about Green Room. Boom goes the dynamite. So... What a surprise. I didn't know you were going. Uh, all you people who ripped on me about uh, No Escape not being a horror movie. It has the exact same plot and story beats as the movie that made all our top 10 lists. Broadly. Green Room. Very broadly. And Josh, honestly. <laughs> now, now, see, this is what I want to tell listeners and you guys, too. You can't, you can't do one of those things like when I proved that the Terminator was a slasher flick by saying... Yeah, but it's not a slasher. That's like, that was like Greg Amortis's answer. It, but, but the thing is, it, I just laid it out. It, it's it's the same survival horror tale. Jay, you could <laughs> you could vaguely describe many movies from many genres and and say the same thing and make them sound like <laughs> another film that is not necessarily all that related to. It. I just don't. Totally, they're totally different. Like one has major no. action beats, while the other one is like this enclosed, claustrophobic siege narrative. They they both have major action beats, actually. And um, and, and and yeah, I mean, uh, like no escape is siege narrative after siege, siege narrative. People jumping off roofs and stuff. And one's got <laughs> dogs and trucks and you know rednecks. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> the trucks are standing still, but yes. You've got a, a, a group of people and both, you know, the family or the band there. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time, somewhere they probably shouldn't be. you got a murder that happens. The murder stirs up this, this whole thing. It erupts the whole thing. There's an assassination and no escape. There's an assassination in green room. And then it leads to just this group of people in peril. It's the same I story. I don't know about it. If I would classify the death in green, room. I, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with no escape. I still haven't seen it, but I don't know that I would classify the death in, in green room as an assassination. Well, it's a murder. It's a murder. Okay. Yeah. And, well, um, and being in the wrong place at the wrong time, you said where they shouldn't be. The thing is that was a place where they just were. And the, the guy's just going back to get something, you know, it, it's not as so much that, Definitely wrong place at the wrong time. I, you know, I'll absolutely give you that, but he's not exactly in a place where he shouldn't be. It was a place they had just been, and he had no fear going back in there. Well, I, I was referring to the, the whole skinhead thing, just performing well, yeah, there. Yeah, okay, that's, that's true. Just, a place just they shouldn't going, be. To that, going to that place, I see what you're saying with that. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Was, that in and of itself is, is, is a frightening reality, absolutely. 
But the re- in, in that sense, both films are heavily laced with racism. So that's that's, that's something they have. That's coming. true. Yes, it's the <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, Juan, I will. So I will excuse Juan, and probably there may be others in this category. But Juan specifically <laughs> said he did not believe that Green Room was a horror movie. Incorrect. But anyways, like. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just so you're messing. excusing Juan, but saying he's wrong. That's right. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let us know what you think in the comments there, and and don't don't pull one of those. Yeah, but it's not a horror movie. <laughs> like, come on, give me some evidence because I laid it out there pretty well. I think so. Just saying. So people who listen to slash filmcast like Dino, boom goes the dynamite. Anyways, all right, Josh, that was one of my highlights. The other highlight that I've been dying. Boy. That I would have been dying for more? is I'm looking forward to hearing Wolfman Josh's feature review of the Bye Bye Man. He's real. If you say his name or even think it, he'll come for you. Don't say it, don't think it. What happened? You're going to tell me you know that? Please don't make me say it. Don't say it, don't think it. If I tell you about him, you and your kids, you're all dead. Well, house off campus with John Henry and a living girlfriend. Should we do it? <laughs> yeah. You ready for this? I'm going to try to say this entire film without saying a specific name <laughs> are you trying not to Go say the bye-bye man yes is it because you're don't af- think it don't is, say it is it because you're don't afraid of it? it don't say it so <laughs> so what it was that effective where you don't want to think it or say it correct oh okay <laughs> what are you thinking of <laughs> i'm just kidding the bye-bye man the bye-bye man i'm not scared at all. <laughs> bring it on bring it on <laughs> Okay, this film is directed by Stacey Title and written by her husband, Jonathan Penner. I'm a big fan of both of those folks, I'm just kind of in their personal lives. And we've given away actually one of Jonathan Penner's books on this show before, the Horror Cinema Coffee Table book. I believe Shannon was the recipient of that book when we did the giveaway. I'm a big fan of those two. And so I was really excited to see their movie and, and just had my fingers crossed that it would be good. The film stars Douglas Smith. And Douglas Smith is a young actor who I know from the HBO show Big Love. He's done a ton of television, and people may have seen him in like Terminator Genesis or he was in the Percy Jackson films. But uh, horror fans would know him from like Stage Fright. He's the brother who works in the kitchen. In Stage Fright, the musical version of Stage Fright, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also an antiviral, which is a movie that's interesting that people should check out from Cronenberg's Offspring. Um, has Doug Jones in a important role where you don't necessarily see. Yeah, what part does he Doug- play, Josh? <laughs> Just, uh, I don't want to give it anything away. <laughs> right, so right. I'm not, <laughs> not going to mention his name. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, this is based on kind of a book series. You know, those stories, like we'll say like local spooky stories. I always see them at the airport. Like whenever I travel somewhere, I'll buy like spooky stories in Alaska or spooky stories in Hawaii. And I'll have local legends and they'll be just a collection of scary things that happened there. Yes. Are you familiar with those books? Okay. So there's one called the bridge to body Island uh, oh. by Robert Damon Schneck. 
who uh, he wrote this story and it contained the story that this film was adapted from in it. And so this is supposedly based on a true story, which I think makes it all the spookier. And, and, um, and where is the, um, sorry, where's the like geographical location we're talking about? That is a good idea. A uh, good question. This is in Madison, Wisconsin is where the film is set. I'm not positive that that's where the original story took place though. Mm, okay. Uh, the film was filmed in Cleveland, Ohio. So I'd be curious to talk to like our listener, Dina, who's in Cleveland and see how closely, uh, well, I guess I'd need to talk to someone from Madison to see how, how closely uh, Cleveland passed <laughs> from Madison. Although from the little bit I've been in Madison, this did not look much like it, but, um, this also has Lee one L who I'm sure you guys remember oh, as yeah. one of the creators of saw and he's in the first saw film and mm-hmm. has uh-huh. popped up in a lot of other horror films. Um, uh, his role is incredible and he's in the first scene of the film and kind of peppered salt and peppered <laughs> throughout and um man i wanted more of the lee one character he the movie starts off with a bang and he's the opening scene of the film it takes you know it's in the small american town and i don't even want to give too much away but essentially there are a series of awful things that happen you know as we've talked about in our slasher episodes a, a prior evil and then we jump forward to our time and we see our younger, you know, kind of like college age cast dealing with a mystery that connects back to this prior evil. And the movie is very atmospheric. It's well written. It's pretty well acted. Some of the actors really bugged me. Like um, the main lead female, I don't know what it was about her, but she just didn't work too well for me. And Douglas Smith. I don't know. He's an interesting actor. I, I actually really like him. I find him extremely sympathetic. Mm-hmm. He's a little, always a little offbeat though. He has a really quirky kind of charisma and um, I'm kind of used to him now, but I think he is a little strange. Like, I don't know if everyone would, um, if he'd work for everybody. Carrie Ann Moss has a small role in this film. Mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway has a very small role in this film. Faye. Wow. Well, Bonnie song. and Clyde. There's Bonnie. She's not, looking too hot i gotta say i mean i don't mean that in a derogatory oh, sense but she she's uh she just doesn't look well to me you know wow. and, I, and i'm not saying that but um mm. you know obviously an iconic actress and i just love i mean she's in some of my all-time favorite movies chinatown network three days of the condor yeah. mm-hmm. uh-huh. Bonnie and Clyde. i mean geez she just Classic. she's one of the all-time greats but she's uh she just didn't look healthy to me, and I, you know, I feel bad even saying that. But but this is an impressive cast for this yeah. film. That's it's not... a pretty, it's a pretty decent cast. It has this thing though. The, the three main characters are just kind of very typical horror movie, you know, college age kids. They don't follow all of the tropes of like today's horror movies, but it has the look of today's horror movie. So it's an interesting combination because you know if you talk to or you know I read kind of an interview with Stacy title t- talking about the films that inspired her. And she's talking about films like the exorcist and Rosemary's baby and silent scream, but it has the look and feel of kind of a modern glossy, like nineties and early two thousands horror movie. So th- it's kind of the weird combination in that sense, but um, very enjoyable for me. It felt, I don't know. There was something to the pacing not everything landed perfectly for me. Like, I think the film has some problems. Um, I think I, the, first of all, the film's been 
very popular. Like it's done very well. It won its you know opening weekend for new release films. It was number one, and for overall, it came in like fourth behind a lot of the Oscar contenders that are in the theaters right now, like La La Land and Sing and stuff. I got a question for you about that, though. So uh, one thing I was really curious about, I noticed on IMDb out of like 1,322 voters, it only has a 3.8 out of 10. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty low. I don't know. It's been been doing really well. So it's getting word of mouth. And I don't know why um, the ratings are so low. The audience that I saw it with was packed and just, off the walls like it's a very it seems to me to be a very kind of mainstream horror film like the one you go this is the movie you go to like on a friday night and all the teenage girls are there and they're all screaming their heads off and it's very scary and effective in that sense but i think hardcore horror fans might be a little more disappointed with it the weird thing about it is i think if you dig deeper there's actually a lot more to it at its core Mm -hmm. but like i said something about like the kind of glossy modern horror movie aesthetic i don't know i think it looks simpler than it actually is i guess is what i would say and i think what it does that might be frustrating to some people is that it doesn't really explain much about its monster it leaves a lot of it to your imagination and doesn't really get into the mythology too deeply but that's great right well that's what i was gonna say like that's something that you know we always want yeah like when we talk about lights out we're complaining that it gives us all this exposition and then this movie you watch and you're kind of like i wish there was a little more exposition (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) but i think uh i think i don't know it's interesting it's just it it was a really weird experience for me now i saw this at 10 30 at night on a sunday night and it was still a packed theater in provo utah so like it's a um, you know, it's it's been very popular, but but my experience was pretty um, abnormal for me, I guess, as a viewing experience. I wow. don't normally see movies in those circumstances. Um, and I was just trying to take it all in. But I think if this is an easy film for me to recommend people see in the theaters. And again, I think go on a Friday night and you'll have a blast. I think it's going to take a second viewing for me to really dissect my true f- feelings about the film and really see what is there that's deeper it's it's got more emotional depth to it than a lot of modern films of its kind mm-hmm. but again like it, it it's not obvious i don't know i don't know how how to articulate that well i think just because of the way it looks and feels and like if you watch the trailer it doesn't it just feels like kind of generic yeah like one note Exactly. I, that's one thing I was going to ask you, and I'm so glad to hear your review because just sorry, I'm excited about this. I am grateful that you said that it's actually scary. Apparently, it's affected you because you don't even want to say the bye bye man. You don't want to say that, and um, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm, I'm glad that there's like more more to it than that because it does look like ju- just another supernatural movie, and that's why I didn't see it this past weekend because like there were just. There were other things that were a higher priority. And Josh, the other reason I'm glad to hear what you're saying is because you know, on Stupid Rotten Tomatoes, which I'd, I don't really love that site either, but the the tomato meter, it's got a 27% yeah. there from critics. And even audiences are 33%. And Ouch. Yeah, so it's low on there. And Metacritic, it's only got a 37 So it seems like... A lot of people didn't like it, but you did. And I'll tell you what, Josh, I'm being serious. I trust what you're saying. I mean, it's a strange movie. It's really not like anything else. And I can see why there are a lot of reasons on the surface to just say, well, that was pretty generic and 
and paint by numbers. And I can, I can sense why people would say that. On the other hand, I think it's doing things we don't see very much. I really appreciate the, the idea that this is based on a supposed true story. And so I give it a lot of leeway there where it's like, well, you know, if it doesn't, you know, do all of the things we expect a, a film to do, that's kind of okay with me because it supposedly really happened, you know? So that kind of changes my orientation toward the film. Um, I would say if it, if I could compare it to anything, it almost reminds me a little bit, and, and the, this film will suffer by comparison to what I'm about to say, but it kind of reminds me of the original Nightmare on Elm Street in the way that oh. um, it plays with the protagonist's um, perceptions of what's happening around them, you know, like their mental state. And, and I don't, the film doesn't work perfectly, but it feels like it suffers from cuts like it feels like there were scenes deleted or 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 things didn't you know quite come together in post-production it feels like there were reshoots or something you know and i can't quite put my finger on it that i think keeps it from you know being a real classic but i am surprised that people are rating it so low and i anticipate that this will be one of those like your review of boy where this is you know just most people are just gonna hate on this and there are going to be a few people who really, really appreciate it. And, you know, and I guess I'm that guy this year. But, um, well, it, it definitely suffers from some CGI and it didn't, didn't bother me as much as it has bothered some of the people I've talked to. I think um, there's characters in the film as CGI, and that's never something that I appreciate. And so um, I understand why that would bother people. Uh, it, it didn't completely suck me out of it. And there's, there's one little moment in the film. That again did not bother me when I watched it, but listener brought this up to me is like, well, what about that stupid scene? And it is the kind of thing that I feel like you might be nitpicky about where it's like, okay, I could see this coming up in the next scary movie movie. You know, like this is an easy thing to make fun of, kind of. You oh, know? okay. But even the little don't say it, don't think it thing, which actually really bugged me when I watched the trailer. I'm like, that's a lot of saying that. You should cut some of those out of the trailer. For some reason, it's way more effective in the film. And the the movie just does a lot of things that I like. And again, just knowing that this was intended to be based on a true story, it's like, well, okay, this that makes it a trillion times creepier. Just off the bat, it makes me not want to mess around with <laughs> uh, You know, like when you see the ring and like the first time the phone rings, you're like, oh, no, don't answer. Oh, yes. Like, oh, uh, yes. That's kind of, I don't know, that was kind of the feeling I had when I was coming out of the theater with regard to this movie. So, um, so I, I really appreciated it. I, you know, uh, I, I don't know why I seem to be in the minority. I'm curious to hear what the listeners say, Whoa. but everyone that I talked <laughs> to of our listeners said that they enjoyed it. They all just had, you know, some problems with it as well. I, I really like this one. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I say, see in the theater. And then I probably call it a rental after that for most people. Um, I am going to buy it because I want to know, especially if they're good special features, because I want to know more about uh, the original legend and where this all came from and, you know, kind of dig into the special features of it all. I can imagine a franchise being based on this, though. There's so much more to go with the monster. And when I compared it to Nightmare on Elm Street, it's it's the same as that. You know, like, they don't really explore Freddy in that first film. Um, that I would say that the way that they handle Freddy in the first movie is very similar to how they handle this character in this film, they don't really explore it and it kind of leaves you wanting more. And so, uh, you know, if they were to make more, it's been 
it's overperformed at the box office, I think, from what they had anticipated. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing another one, and I, and I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of this character's mythology hmm. and learning more about it. But um, the other thing it reminded me of a little bit is is it Nightmare on Elm Street two, where uh, you've got the male protagonist there, the final boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that is a little bit of a problem here, and I, I've been trying to think about that all week. Why it is as horror fans. We want to see this final girl, and I know we talked about that a lot when we did our slasher episodes. And I don't know if it's just straight up sexism, but for some reason, like Douglas Smith is the lead. It just it's it's a different experience to root for him than it is to root for a final girl. And I don't know if it's just I've been completely conditioned by watching you know the hundreds of slasher movies we watched in October, <laughs> but it really is a different <laughs> experience to kind of have this final boy and. Um, I don't know. That was kind of weird, I guess. Well, okay. So you're saying 7.5. I'm excited that this actually gives me hope because you remember we've been anticipating this for a long time and excited about it. And then the more I saw the trailers, I was like, I don't know. So this restores my faith. Now, we did get an email on Friday the 13th. We got an email from Slashly G. Josh, would you like to hear her assessment of it and tell me if you agree or disagree? Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Here we go. She says, happy Friday the 13th. Just got back from seeing The Bye Bye Man and thought I'd email over a rough review. First of all, horrendous title for a film, but the repetition. No, hold on. I've heard that so much. Yeah, I was was a a person who said that. Mm -hmm. You you said that? I've been saying that for a while. I hate that title. I don't see why people hate it. I think it's so good. Well, here's why. I think it's a great name for a film. Here, here. If you're curious, my two cents on that is because we we usually okay the the phrase bye bye we associate that with either kids like little kids like going bye bye the bye bye man or we associate it with someone who is like one of those people who's a little bit annoying and it's like bye bye you know like so so like the saturday night live skit oh, bye bye well yeah so I, I, the, I, the saturday night live skit aside <laughs> but looking at it from a kid standpoint i think that makes it a little creepier don't you i think? agree no for i mean <laughs> talk about the babadook for instance mm-hmm. you know awful title um, as well or, what's that that's another awful title it's a great title. What the I mean, hell is it's Baba Duke. My, my feeling about these titles is that they depend on the movie being good, right? Like it's kind of like band names. Most band names are horrendous, but if the band is good, you're like, okay, this rocks. Yeah, this great. This is the best. This, this is the best. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? You got you got a point there. I like Absolutely. you know, like the Baba is the perfect name for that movie. Um, I don't know what else you know you would call it, but you know, and I kind of feel like that way about the Bye Bye Man. I think that's. Oh crap! I said it. Oh, you're doomed. Um, <laughs> you are doomed. Don't think you'll say. It, don't think you'll say. It. Um, no, I, I kind of think that's how I feel about it. I just think it's a great title for the film. It fits the film. I want to know more about this character because we don't learn enough about what that actually means. I think that is a failing because I think with the Babadook, we just get a, a titch more insight into that name, and I think I would like a little bit more on this um, as okay. well. Well. You'll be happy to hear it. So Ash, Slashly G was turning it around there. She's like, after she said it was a horrendous title for the film, she said, but the repre- the repetition of the name and mantra, don't think it, don't say it, was surprisingly effective, she says. It's so effective. It's weird because like I said in the trailer, it's too much for the two-minute trailer <laughs> even 
But with within the context of the film, it really worked for me a lot. Okay. Well, she says the movie definitely has some major faults. Character development didn't happen. I truly didn't care if any of them lived or died. Some of the camera angles were awkwardly shaky. And the Bye Bye Man looks like a Star Wars villain. Um, the CGI. <laughs> the CGI. She's doing a little Snoke reference there, but okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. The, the CGI dog was another cause of my displeasure. I miss practical effects. These CGI abominations need to stop. There are also little hints about who the Bye Bye Man is sprinkled throughout the movie without any payoff. I found this a little confusing. One thing I will give them credit for is the use of only a few jump scares. Movies lately seem to be far too reliant on these cheap types of scares. Not a movie to write home about, but if you enjoy low-budget horror, it's a low-priority rental, despite the fact that my review is mainly negative. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. HMP is a lifesaver. Thank you, Slashly. What do you, so do you, uh, I take it you disagree with what she said then, Josh? Uh, I, I mean, I, I get what she's saying. I don't see it as low budget horror. I, did, I felt like it did a lot with, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not big, you know, like it's not, the ta- the film takes place in kind of enclosed small areas. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have big sweeping shots of, of vistas or anything, but I, I didn't feel like I, saw the budget of this film at any point. I guess maybe the CGI is the, the point. But you know what? I, I think that all CGI. So it's hard for me to mm-hmm. differentiate this from any other movie that's CGI in it. Right. Often, yeah. any, anytime I see a CGI dog, it's always going to look crappy to me, no matter right. what the budget of the film is. <laughs> that's true. Right. So, that's true. Well, um, speaking, like, if this helps, Josh, like speaking of budget, like um, according to Box Office Mojo, it actually had a production budget of seven point four million, which is quite huge for a horror film. It's quite huge, but way too small to be used in CGI in any in any sort of capacity. Well said. You just I don't agree. have the money to throw into it. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't really, I don't really get why they used it. And again, that must just be one of those things. Like that's that wasn't the real story. And so I think the movie suffers a little bit from not getting just a little bit more of what was this all about? You know. I mean, it's interesting. It's mysterious. And maybe, you know, maybe I should just be appreciating it for being a mystery still. Um, I didn't get why that was the, that beast was even in the film. I will say the first appearance of the beast, I almost threw up and wet myself at the same time. Like, wow. like what the crap was that? And I wanted to see more <laughs> in that vein. And there's not, there's not a ton of that kind of stuff in the movie, but that particular shot, I was just like, that was incredible. I want to see a whole movie with moments <laughs> like that in it. Well, here's a question for you. How how about this, Wolfman? I see that it is a PG-13 horror film, and we still we got to have that themed episode about PG-13 horror. But um, does this deliver the goods enough? Is it scary enough, even though it's only PG-13? Yeah, I don't think that it suffered from that too much. Although I think now that you say that, I remember I think it was Red Cap Jack or Jody who had seen this on Twitter were saying that maybe that's why the film felt choppy as though like it was shot as an R and then cut down to a PG 13. Do, so, do you think, do you think Josh, this is something that maybe there'll be a director's cut when it's released on? Geez, I on hope DVD? so. I would like to see, I would like to see that. I would like to see a lot more of this. And I think intrepid, I don't know why this is PG 13. Cause I think intrepid is, you know, they've done like hush and was we origin of evil PG 13. Jay? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so was, they did yeah. that too. So they have done, I guess, PG 13 films cause they did Oculus and stuff too. But, um, all right. Well, interesting. 
I, I really like them. They work with great filmmakers, you know, particularly Mike Flanagan. And I'm really glad that they have Stacy title with them now. And I, she, you know, she has not had a chance to do a lot of stuff. She's talked about sexism in the industry and how it's been hard as a woman to get horror directing jobs. And I think the stuff that she's done, that's been bigger budget is stuff like she did the hood of horror that Snoop Dogg's in. Mm-hmm, yes. And like, that's not something, you know, that I think fans get too excited about, although it's not bad. Uh, No, it's not bad. (laughs) It's it's got its moments. (laughs) But the stuff that she developed herself and wrote with her husband, like let the devil wear black, which is streaming on uh, Amazon prime right now, or um, the film I really like is called the last supper. It's this really dark comedy about um, these liberal um, like graduate students that live together in this house and they have uh, this really annoying guy drop in during their dinner party, played by Bill Paxton, who is like, for them, an intolerable because he's like a super ultra conservative right wing guy, and he, he he rubs them all the wrong way with their liberal, you know, collegiate sensibilities, and so they decide let's just knock him off and poison him during dinner. And uh, they wow. do, and it's like a we've got a body now. Do we do with the movie for a minute? But then it turns it. into then it turns into, hey, uh, what if we just knock off everybody in this town that who we don't agree with their politics? <laughs> and it goes down that road. <laughs> I was and gonna it, say it sounded like rope at first, but yeah, yeah, it goes further. It's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun dark comedy that um, Jonathan Penner's in and Stacy Title directed that I, that I really like a lot. It's just an underseen film. Probably should have saved that for our uh, upcoming MPN show that we have been talking about in secret. But um, yes, yeah, I, I really like Stacy Title. <laughs> I had a chance to do you know anything huge yet, and so I was glad to see her get the Bye Bye Man, and I, I'm glad it's at least successful monetarily for her. I, I'm I feel bad that it didn't do better with the critics because I think it's worth more than uh, whatever you said a three point five or whatever it got <laughs> so yeah but i did appreciate much of the ambiguity throughout the film and i liked that it allowed the viewer to kind of interpret what they would and one of the things the interpretations that really struck me was this idea of fear or paranoia spreading and this uh, attempt to stop it and once the paranoia began once the fear began how difficult it was to put a cap on it, so to speak. And, um, you know, we talked about with Lights Out, the big idea there being that, you know, it was a movie that made us afraid of the dark again. I think the idea that this film explores that old idea that the only thing to fear is fear itself really interested me. Josh is giving it a 7.5. He says, see it in the theater. And you think your recommendation for most people is rental, but you're personally going to buy it yourself, right? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I really would say see this in the theater. If you like not everybody likes this and i don't do it that often but you know i I would say about once a year i'm in the mood to just go out on a friday night with a packed theater full of people screaming and yelling at the screen and it's a lot of high school kids and stuff i I can understand (laughs) that experience i like that about once twice a year and this is a great movie to do that with i think nice that happens to me all the time in the summer (laughs) because You know, that's, uh, well, that's cool. Because, that's cool because 2016 was a strong year, and the first one of 2017 seems like it's a decent one too. So, 
Good. It's a decent. I think this might be like the boy where it kind of it probably if people don't keep talking about it, it'll be forgotten. You know, it's yeah. the early release that, you know, and, you know, typically January is a time of the year where they dump films that they're not sure about. And so sure. I understand that this is a film people aren't sure about, but um, I liked it. But yeah, it's fine. January, February that way. But it seems as if we got quite a few that we're going to be talking about tonight coming out in February. Oh yeah, momentarily. Um, and I know, I know. Next year, Marvel is releasing a movie in February. Their their Black Panther film is coming out in February. Mm-hmm. Serious business. That's great. Yeah, I mean that's something that a, a lot of I guess film critics or at least movie podcasts have been talking about lately is how the blockbuster seasons are expanding and and just like reaching yeah. out and to I think the whole year. Cloverfield. Cloverfield might have been the start of that. I think Cloverfield came out in January, if I'm not mistaken. It was January 18th, 2008. Exactly today. It was, um, what, nine years ago today to the yes, date as we right. record yes, this. Yes, you're right. It was not. And, and and you know what? It was a very successful movie. Um, the, the ad campaign was was extremely enticing. Oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're like, you see the trailer for that. And you're like, I got to see this. I got to know what's going on in this movie. Um. And it was it, it proved that there are audiences out there in January. Normally, you're right. I mean, January, February is a dumping ground where studios just throw out the films that they think, OK, well, here, we'll just put this out there just to release something or, or whatever, you know, that, that we don't have that much confidence in or or faith in it with the box office. But the, there are movies that have proved that there are audiences year round. And they'll if you put out a, a good movie, they'll go to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cloverfield was also one of the films that really proved the found footage, you know, genre. True, and, true. But yeah, I mean the that it's great. Method, yeah, that, that it can be viable as a business option. You know, I mean, I think Blair Witch came around and it was huge, but then there was backlash and it kind of disappeared. And then you know, it took films like Paranormal Activity and um, Cloverfield for people to be like, okay, like this is a business model. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, that's the bye bye man. Thanks for reviewing it for us, Wolfman. I wish I could have gotten to it. I will catch up with it, though. Definitely, especially on the strength of your review there. I gave it a good review. My review was not necessarily very strong. I apologize. I was a little... Yeah, I'm interested. I want to see it now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm excited for you to see The Boy still, Josh, by the way. And one other thing you mentioned, The Last Supper, that movie, I think from what the way you described it, I think that's a... Almost a particularly dangerous film now in the political climate that we're living in. I know. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I give people ideas with that. Anyways, scary. Right. Good things going on. Good people doing good things. That's right, baby. <laughs> so let's move into our 2017 horror movie preview. Now, um, because I'm kind of a little bit OCD or something, I'm very particular um, I definitely want to start with the first Friday, <laughs> even though it's past now. But January 6th, we had Underworld Blood Wars. Did anybody see that Underworld movie by any chance? Yeah, No, no I've, I've heard I've, really I've... good things about it, to be honest. Um, kind of like, you know, this is a ridiculous campy movie, but enjoyable for what it is way. Uh, uh-huh. I, I'm, I mean, for people that I respect, like... The ladies who do Faculty of Horror, I think it was Alex over there. She said, "Yeah, this was this was really good." <laughs> I said, "Well, I love Kate well, Beckinsale." Said, well, you know, it's it's campy and dumb, but you know, yeah, Kate Beckinsale does nothing for me. 
Oh, really? She's <laughs> been in like five Underworld movies now or whatever. I mean, that's not a selling point for me to come to see these movies anymore. Wasn't she in, wasn't she in Van Helsing? Yes, she was. Mm-hmm. Another awful vampire <laughs> acting comedy that she was in. I would still argue that's not as bad as everyone says, but anyways. So yeah, this one, I guess this is about a vampire death dealer. Uh, she fights to the end to try to end the eternal war between the Lycan clan and the vampire faction that betrayed her. So, Are you sure that's not the premise for the first film? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get the sense you're making fun of Underworld Blood Wars, Josh. That's what I get. I'm not a fan of action in my horror, as we've Same. mentioned many times before. And Me too. Me I too. think this film is, or this series of films, is one of the most egregious in terms of just like not letting this die, letting making people think that this is still viable because they put a movie star in it continually. And it's just like, stop. I, I did. I did enjoy the first one. I got to say, I did enjoy the first. Um, first Me too. Movie, but, Me too. You know. And they are vampires after all. So I'm not dying. Yeah, well, this, they're, they're more, they are more, they are more, they are more action than horror. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And that, that really bugs me too. Okay, so this one is already available. You could actually, as you're listening to this podcast, you could hit pause and you could stream this on Amazon right this minute. It is called The Snare. And it's about three friends who head to the seafront for a drunken weekend, as three friends often do, only to be imprisoned on the top floor of their holiday apartment by a malevolent paranormal force. There's a big surprise, guys. Another paranormal movie. Sorry. You guys going to watch that one? The snare? Hmm? Mm, it sounds yeah. so I like the setting. sounds Maybe. interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And then January 13th, which was this, this past weekend, that's the Bye Bye Man, which Josh just reviewed. Don't say it. Don't think it. Okay. And then this upcoming. That was my uh, most anticipated movie of 2017. I just saw it. Yeah. So <laughs> the year's over for you, basically. Yeah, I'm done. See you later. Well, that, that's, so that's something interesting. Let's just throw that in here. I meant to say this at the beginning, but um, number one. It's really weird to research. I mean, I always research what movies are coming up the next year, especially for a movie podcast weekly. We do that a lot. But when you do that with horror movies, it's interesting. I mean, the information out on the films are usually somewhat limited or usually it's just like you have a lot of information in the first half of the year or the first four months of the year. But this year, you could actually find titles all through the year. But still, I mean, there are so many horror films that will come out during the year that, that I mean, probably the filmmakers don't even know <laughs> right now what month it'll be or, or yeah. you know, when the release date is. But there's a lot more coming. True. Well, Sundance is starting this week as we're recording, you know, uh, Thursday, I guess, the week we're recording. And so... You know, there's going to be 15 new horror films. That's where The Witch came out of. That's where Green oh, that's, Room screened there. Yeah, like, that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. I got to get out there. I got to get out there some year. I'd love to go to the Sundance Festival. Let us Come know. Because we yeah. live out here, Dave. So Yeah, I know. I know. So okay. I could, maybe next year. That, I'm going to try and shoot for next year because I'd love to get out there for that. And you can meet Kagan because he goes too. So. Oh, awesome. Anyways, um, yeah, and the other, just a little disclaimer, I was going to say, obviously these dates and the information we're giving here are all suspect, okay? They're subject to change, so don't hold us to any of this crap, because it might not be true. (laughs) But this upcoming Friday, and I'm talking in like two days from now, um, is M. Night Shyamalan's Split. 
tell me yes. are you guys excited um, about this I, I am i i you know what I'd, I'd like to the visit has gotten me excited again about m night Shyamalan, and i did like devil as well mm-hmm. um although the visit i think i liked a little bit more uh and the trailer you know at least is interesting enough that i will definitely want to check it out mm-hmm. well obviously you got james mcavoy in there and he's He's bringing it with, um, you know, a, a scenery chewing type of performance. I mean, this is the kind of dream role that all actors love, right, Josh? I mean, this is this is something he could really sink his teeth into. And it's got Anya Taylor Joy is in it from The Witch, and um, I'm I am excited about this. But I'll tell you what, because of the visit, like you guys have said. But one thing that makes me nervous about it is I, I've been studying M Night Shyamalan for so long now that I'm starting to really see his moves and what he's doing. And I mentioned this on MPW, but like there's a line in the trailer and, and this isn't spoiler or anything. Cause I haven't even seen the movie, but there's a line where, where one of the girls says he left flowers on her pillow. Like we're special or something. And it's like, I know that is an M night seed. That's a setup. That's going to pay off later about them being special because <laughs> yeah, of the dumb flowers yeah. on the pillow. True. And I, it, that's, it, that's it just true. annoyed me or something. I can't even explain it, but I think this will be decent. Dialogue has never been one of, I don't think, Shyamalan's strengths anyway. I mean, if you look at some of the, the lines, even from his, his good, you know, even from moves like Science and so forth, it's just, it, it's never one of his strengths. I, I, you know, like yeah. if you just look on IMDb and you read the, the, the quotes, you're thinking, wow, that's like hokey as hell. But... Somehow it works in his earlier movies. It doesn't work in some of his other movies. I mean, you know, the happening is is almost like a comedy. Um, but uh, and, and you're right, Josh. You, I mean, Jay, you could see that where where he's setting things up. And you're right. You know, it's going to somehow figure into it. But, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But still, it, I think there's enough there to to make it interesting. Sorry about the tangent. You know, my favorite quote from Signs is when. <laughs> is when she says um little abigail breslin says why can't they get girlfriends <laughs> like that's so funny <laughs> anyways <laughs> and then at the end of the month january 27th we've got like the 47th installment of resident evil the final chapter yeah right this is not the final chapter i'm certain <laughs> but uh have you guys been watching the resident evil movies all along i i don't know which ones i've seen and which ones i haven't at this point to be honest with you um i know i've covered the first three on the blog and and i know there were some animated ones that i don't know if they fit into the series or or how they fit into the series but uh, i've lost track yeah i mean again not a fan of action horror i hate the way they do zombies in this world i mean they're just so annoying how they have these like super zombie dogs and like overly like mutants. Like I hate all that stuff. Um, I really dislike the look and the feel of the first film. I think the third film was the one where I saw it and I was like, Ooh, I like this aesthetic. I think that's the it's, one where they're, they're in Las Vegas. Yes. 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 yes exactly. I like that it's one too. How, from what I understand, this series gets better as it goes. Usually it's the other way <laughs> right. around where they start to weaken this thing seems to get better as as it goes as it progresses, and well, I it was agree tied with you. I to like the I, uh, video games, of course. And so, right, um, we have to ask Adam Michaels, you know, our listener. He he did a song for uh, 
the Resident Evil Extinction soundtrack, one of our listeners. Oh, nice. And um, and I know that they pursued that as a band because they were all big fans of the video game. So I'm curious what he thinks of these movies. But if he's excited about this one, not high on my priority list. But again, I did like – I really liked the aesthetics of that one. I liked the setting of the film. I liked her wardrobe was rad. I liked the way those zombies looked. Those are some of my favorite movie zombies. They're just like these dried up corpses out in the desert. They look really cool. Um, right. But ultimately, yeah, they become these action CGI fests that I just don't have that much interest in. <laughs> yeah, well, and and uh, Mila Jovovich, I like her a lot. She's great. Yeah, she's excellent. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> especially in the Fifth Element. Yeah, she she's <laughs> she's always good. But yeah. I, I mean, almost always, pretty much, like from what I recall. But I'll tell you what I'm who I'm not fond of overly is Paul W S Anderson, who's directed a few of these, and he's directing this one. And so I don't have high hopes for this particular. But one. didn't he, but didn't he do Event Horizon, which I thought was pretty good? Did he? I don't think so. I don't know. He He's up there with Stephen Summers. He for did. Me. He did. He did direct he Event did? Horizon, but he also directed Alien versus Predator and Mortal Kombat yeah, and Pompeii. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree. I'm not. I'm not. But, you know, I'm not high on the guy, but I did like Event Horizon. Yeah, I'm with you. Me too. Okay, so that's the 27th, and then. We got February 3rd, guys, Rings, which is the uh, the Paramount threequel, they're calling it. I hate when they right. say things like that. Don't say yeah. threequel. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you got The Ring from 2002. You got The Ring 2 from 2005. And now we have the next installment. And this is about um, this mysterious cursed videotape, once again, that threatens to take viewers' lives. Uh, now, hey, that was a great write-up I found on this. And like you said before, that sounds like the first movie. <laughs> so, so we don't know a ton well, about yeah, this. But, uh, but I've seen, I mean, I, I don't know that I've seen the second one. I know the first one was an extremely memorable viewing experience for me. I I, I was not as familiar with, with J.R. at the time when that came out. And I went to the theater and I knew it was a horror movie, but I didn't know it was a supernatural movie which really freaked me out. And I was sitting about 13 rows behind everybody else. Um, <laughs> and I just remember it got to the point in the movie that, you know, where, where this is, you know, I don't want to spoil it. Something happens in a well. And I felt very comfortable that, okay, fine. Everything's done. And then the little boy says, Oh, you weren't supposed to help her. And <laughs> I started looking up and down the aisle. And I said, if I see anything crawling towards me, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to start jumping over aisles here. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very traumatic experience for me in the theater, but but as a result, it became one of my favorite. It's it's one of my favorite horror movies of it's of the two thousands of that first decade of the two thousands. It's incredible. Yes, I agree, and I believe that is a PG thirteen horror film as well. Yes, it is, and it's freaking scary. Um, yeah, The Ring two, and then we got this one. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is in this one. Is that exciting to you, Josh? Love Vincent D'Onofrio. I like Johnny Galecki is in this too. Big Johnny Galecki fan. So I I like the cast at least. Okay. All right. So that's Rings. And then we have on February 17th is the next week. I have a lot of buzz for this. It's called A Cure for Wellness. And by the way, it's 146 minutes, the runtime I have here. I got to tell you, there are people that I work with who are not horror fans who have seen the trailer for this movie and have told me that it really got to them. Like, yeah. it, and I, I've seen the trailer, maybe as a horror fan, 
I like the trailer, and I'm interested to see the movie. I mean, this is one I'm really kind of interested to check out. Um, but it didn't get to me, I think, like it got to other people. I mean, they're not horror fans, and they've straight out told me that. But they said that this, there's something about this trailer that has enticed them, that they're interested to see the movie. Well, speaking of The Ring, this is Gore Verbinski's first horror film since The Ring. So oh. that, that uh, could be good. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I know. I think I got some flack before for like kind of, I think over on MPW for griping about Gore Verbinski a little bit because of, you know, he is also responsible for the Pirates movies sequels, <laughs> which were quite, yeah, that's true. quite rough. Well, and the first one, which was good. The first one was great. First one was awesome. Yeah, and and he did, he did Rango, which is excellent. I love Rango. Right. Yes. And he did the Lone Ranger. And so he also did the Mexican. But the thing is, so he's had a few that were great. So I, I can hold out hope for this. Now, uh, it looks, the poster to this is tremendous. It was one of the first things I noticed in 2017 was the poster at the theater, which is cool. And it's about this employee who's sent to rescue his boss from a European wellness spa, but realizes it has a sinister purpose. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of Dane DeHaan. Um, you probably like him from Chronicle, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawless, if you guys saw that, he was so good in that. But the thing that really oh, yes. caught my attention was the um, Place Beyond the Pines. I thought he was so awesome in that movie. Oh, oh yeah. I really want to see that. I actually have that, and I really want to see that movie. Yeah, he's good in that. Nothing but good about Dave. That. It's Zombie incredible. comedy, Life After Beth. He's pretty funny in that. I mean, he's 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 good in that. Okay. Nice. So yeah, that that one's got a lot of good buzz. A cure for wellness. I think it'll definitely be interesting. Then we have one called Patient Zero, which at first I was really excited about. Except then you learn that it's not really as much about a Patient Zero as it is about a zombie flick where you can start communicating with the zombies. It's almost like um, what's that? I am Legend. And then taking that to the next step where we're yeah. evolving into the next phase of life. Well, doesn't have to be I Am Legend. Think about it as a Day of the Dead or something instead. Yeah. Or Colin or Colin where, where right. we actually see from a zombie's perspective, you know. And, and you know what? I, I saw the trailer for this and I don't know if I guess maybe the trailer kind of constitutes maybe the beginning of the movie. That's kind of the feeling I get where the trailer kind of is jam packed with scenes from the beginning of the film, you know, when that went building up to what becomes the outbreak. Let's hope so. Um, you know, and I thought that I, I the trailer was interesting. Um, and of course it has Natalie Dormer in it. I mean, last year I had said that I want to see the forest because of Natalie Dormer in it. And I know the forest wasn't a great movie, but, um, you know, this one stars Natalie Dormer. And if it was still in vogue, I would build an altar to her and sacrifice a ram. <laughs> Wow. I like the concept that Matt Smith is tracking down this patient zero to find out, see if he can find a cure because the patient zero played by Stanley Tucci doesn't exhibit the symptoms of the zombie plague. And so that to me, that's cool. The communicating aside, which does not sound that interesting. I like this idea of tracking down patient zero and figuring out what started this whole thing. That's all right. Almost like, like an outbreak type of thing where they're looking for that little monkey. Right. That's kind of started the whole thing. Right. I just, I hope that it's mostly about the tracking down patient zero 
and very little about communicating with zombies. But anyways, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So February 24th, there's one that I think we're all excited about. We've mentioned this before. It's a film called Get Out. It seems to be an African-American horror movie, maybe. And um, I, I just want to say I, I hope oh. there's like just one white guy in the film and I hope he's killed first. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jordan Jordan Peele uh, wrote and directed this, which I'm ex- super excited for because yes. as Dave and I were talking about on the Universal Monsters cast, oh. the idea of uh, Key and Peele meet the monsters is something I'm really excited about ever since. <laughs> you, know, you know, Michael Keegan key in a in a hell baby i thought man he can he can do this and so i i really like the idea of these guys doing horror more and more and um yeah this looks interesting it, you know i don't know if this is a spoiler i just saw this on twitter today um so m- possible spoiler alerts i guess but i don't think they would anyone would have actually spoiled the film but it just says uh, the only monsters in this movie are white people so right <laughs> <laughs> i i gathered that from it i think that's ex- really interesting actually saying that as a white guy but like it also has it almost has like a blend of um you know guess who's coming to dinner to it cuz this young black man goes to his white girlfriend's cursed family estate and i I think that's interesting so i love that they're going to take a horror film where they're actually dealing with racial issues within the horror film itself that's i love it fascinating talking about this like when will the current political climate come to a head in horror movies i think this is interesting that they're rather than using you know vampires to like mask what they're really talking about they're just going for it and talking about the racism or whatever it is it's, it's talking, right. this is racially charged and, and stuff. So that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I'm predicting it's going to be one of the more intelligent um, or, or like cerebral type horror films of the year for people who okay. are. I hope it's scary too. Yeah, me too. Always. <laughs> we always hope that. So here's what I'm really excited about. On March 10th, little film, it's one of my most anticipated so far. <laughs> it's called Raw. And I kind of guessed that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I love I love the ironic premise. Okay, you got this. Um, basically, it's about a vegetarian who uh, slowly becomes a cannibal. <laughs> right? I mean, that's great. And of course, as we hear it, many of these, you know, there's the lore or whatever that people were passing out at screenings or yeah. throwing up. You always get that. That's what they used to, they said a bite from last year. There was, right. you know, the director said that somebody had, 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 had thrown up and then somebody else passed out at the movie. And, you know, that's just kind of, uh, you always wonder if that is that marketing or is, is that reality? Right. I think it's marketing. Honestly, I think probably 99% of the time it's marketing. Yeah. Yes. Now this is, I guess this, film is in french it's a french language coming of age film as well so i'm looking forward to it oh wow i hope we can see it soon and then what about this one it's called personal shopper it stars uh kristen stewart i'm not a huge fan of her but she plays a young i'm not a fan of her at all yeah right (laughs) she plays a a young american in paris who makes her living as a personal shopper for a celebrity so far so good 
but she may have the psychic ability to communicate with spirits. Ooh. This has been such a buzzed about film. This is a lot of people's most anticipated movie of the year. And some people were putting it on their 2016 lists, people who had seen it at like festivals and stuff. So, I mean, although the description doesn't do much for me uh, and the casting doesn't do much for me, I've just heard just endless good things about this movie. So I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So that's personal shopper. And then also on March 10th. Now I just, I'm just throwing this in here. I know it's probably not really a horror film, but it is technically a monster movie. And that is Kong skull Island, right? Oh yeah. I want to see that. I mean, it, it's Kong for God's sake. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> exactly. Any monsters, man, any monsters. It's a monster movie. Yeah. So, and this is, yeah. this is about a team of explorers and soldiers who travel to an unchartered island in the Pacific, and they're unaware that they're going to cross into the domain of monsters. And uh, in this, Kong is like 5,000 feet tall or something, <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, that's fine with that. Super- he, he, he changes all the time. Right, he does. <laughs> even, even within the same film sometimes, depending on the yes, film. Yes, exactly. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, I think it looks very much like The Mummy, which is to say very uh, Hollywoodized and overproduced and kind of artificial, but I'm hoping for the best. Okay. And then we get into uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. By the way, side note here, I am planning a little surprise for all of you that day, including Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh for St. Patrick's oh, Day. Oh, on St. Patrick's Day. Very nice. Wow. Yeah, just a little surprise. It's little. You're not going to review the Leprechaun movies, aren't you? It's, it's a little surprise, and um, you're going to probably be like, oh, well, uh, thanks, like when people give you fruitcake for uh, Christmas or something. But on that day, Dave, <laughs> yes, the Belco experiment. Have you heard about this one? I've heard about it, but I don't know. I can't say I know a lot about it. This one's got some buzz going on thus far. And so you got, let's see, these people who are trapped in a high-rise corporate office in Columbia. They're part of a social experiment. And then you got 83 Americans who are asked to kill three of their coworkers or those running the experiment will kill six of them, right? It sounds very... Lots of math. You got to carry the one. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, but this is uh, director James Gunn, who also directed Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, James Gunn is awesome. There's, uh, Wait, you know what I mean? McLean did that one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Greg James McLean. Gunn wrote it. Yeah, James he Gunn wrote is it. the writer of this one. Yeah. And James Gunn is great. I mean, he also did uh, uh, one of my Slither. favorite trauma, my favorite trauma film, Tromeo mm-hmm. and Juliet. Yeah, I appreciate a slither, obviously, but Greg McLean is the director of the Wolf Creek. Right. And and Rogue. Yeah, that's a good combo, those two. That could be very interesting. Yeah. And if you get get a chance, uh, watch um, James Gunn did a movie. It's not a horror movie, but he did the specials in 2000. It's a superhero film. Um, No, he did Super. Well, he did Super, but he also did um, the specials about a a a group of superheroes who are like the fifth most popular. You, know, you, have the, you have the Avengers and whatnot, but this is a world of superheroes and they get all the jobs that the other, that the top four don't want. Um, and it's kind of funny. It has, uh, it has a good cast as Rob Lowe and Jamie Kennedy in it. And um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a fun movie. It's a superhero movie with 
absolutely no special effects, but it's a lot of fun. I was confused because I knew I knew uh, Craig Mazin directed that film, and Craig Mazin is best known as a screenwriter. So that's funny. He directed a James Gunn script for that film. That is weird. Okay, so so that's the Belco experiment. I know that some of our audience members are really looking forward to that one. That's March seventeenth, and then March twenty fourth, guys. Keep watching. Okay, and so you get this uh, a very familiar premise family becomes imprisoned in their home by intruders who force them to play a life and death game. Now, um, I, now I don't love game horror movies. Do you guys, are you into that? Yeah. I mean, I think saw kind of, yeah, killed that a bit for me, but I traditionally, historically, I love games, you know, from the, the original, what is it? The most dangerous game. Yeah. Yeah, The most dangerous game. Right. I, I, Ever since then, I've yeah, I've been all in for that kind of stuff. Whether it's um, the Running Man or you know Death Race or what have you, right? Yeah, the the Running the Running Man is all. I actually just watched the Running Man not too long ago, and that that is such a fun movie. I love that movie. Are you not entertained? Um, but no, the game <laughs> the, the game horror movie the recent one that I loved was Would You Rather. I think that was actually pretty good. But mm-hmm. but anyway, this is keep watching. It's kind of like um home invasion type game movie. So that could be interesting. And then also on March 24th, I got down, well, not on March 24th, but sometime in March, they didn't disclose the exact date, but you got the dark tapes, which is, and I don't know, I don't know how much I love this, but, but it's a genre defying mixture of horror, sci-fi myth, mystery, and thrills. Okay. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) When you when you throw tapes in there, I almost think found footage. Is that? I wonder if that's what it. I don't know anything about. You're this. very close. It's four interlocking tales in one intelligent anthology. So, horror anthology. Here you okay. got ghosts, creatures, demons, paranormal, all of the collides. So nice. April seventh, guys. I believe this is pronounced slight. Although I guess it could be slight, but I think it's slight. Yeah, it's like sleight of hand. Yes, exactly. Right. You got a young street magician, as Josh said, magicians do sleight of hand, who's left to care for his little sister after his mother dies, and he turns to illegal activities in Los Angeles in order to make a living for them. So what do you guys That's think a about hor- this? I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like a horror premise, I got to be honest with you, but I, know. I haven't seen the trailer. I don't know anything about it, so I, I can't say for sure but it doesn't that premise itself doesn't sound very horror-esque i agree but it was it was on um a lot of like horror like 2017 lists and it's a bh a bh tilt release so all right well no i I mean you know again i know nothing about it i'm just talking about basically on what you've said so yes i'm with you okay and then one of the most anticipated of the year for i think everybody is may 19th Alien Covenant, whose tagline is one word, guys. Run. <laughs> I love it. You know what, Ed? I am, I am very anxious to see this movie. I, unlike a lot of people, I'm a, I was a big fan of Prometheus. I liked Prometheus. I really did. Me too. And I'm interested to see Alien Covenant, but the trailer did not excite me. I got to say that I was not impressed with the trailer for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know that they, they use the, what is that? The David Bowie song. I know they use it in Moulin Rouge as well. 
from 2000. I can't remember what it's called now. There was a boy, a very... I, I, <laughs> what? You, you don't want me singing. Now I want anyway, you singing. <laughs> no, you don't want me singing, trust me. But uh, I don't know what the song... I don't even know if it's a David Bowie song. I think Bowie sung it in Moulin Rouge. But anyway, uh, the trailer did not excite me. I'm going to see this. I can't wait for this movie to come out. It's Ridley Scott. It's the second one of... You know, it's the follow-up to Prometheus. All the people who were like, why did this happen in Prometheus? Why did this happen in Prometheus? Didn't understand that maybe it was the first in a series of films and that, that it was going to be explained later on. I had so many people saying, why did this person do this? Why did they well. act this way? You know, and and I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing this, um, to seeing this film, because it seems like it actually gets into the starts getting into the actual alien that has uh, that we know you know, from, from, from alien aliens and, and so forth. That, so I agree with everything you said. And I'm also looking, uh, looking forward to this. And I liked Prometheus as well, but I was ticked off at Ridley Scott for the whole Prometheus thing, because there is a, we get a lot of mixed messaging about that film, about, um, is it an alien prequel? Is it not? No, it's not yeah, totally going to be. And that, but you know what, what I really liked about, I mean, I heard some people, the opening scene of the movie, the very opening scene of that movie, I heard a lot of people say, you know, when, when that guy is, um, uh, it's the very opening scene of the film, so it's not a spoiler. When he falls into the water, he sort of drops dead and falls into the water and launches this whole, um, I guess, evolution that became mankind on Earth. That's really what it's set up to be. That this alien creature landed on the planet and, and fell into the water and his his DNA spread out and, and so forth. And he became like um, starting life on Earth. Uh, a lot of people thought that that was planned. That that's what that guy was there to do. I saw it as a mistake. That this guy was there to start a different evolution on Earth and he died mis by mistake and fell into the water and that life on Earth did not progress as the aliens anticipated, so they decided to eliminate life on Earth. That's what I saw Prometheus as. And, and for, you know, I thought that was amazing, actually. I thought that was an amazing premise for the film, that there was this, these, these advanced beings, and then they ended up creating the perfect life, and it turned on them. And that's what Alien became. And that's why I'm really interested to see Alien Covenant to see where it takes the story to the next level. I agree. Now, there is a very wild, very crazy reading of Prometheus, which we won't we won't get into here because it's quite in depth. But it, where it has a, a Christianity, a very strong Christianity undercurrent to it that that's pretty convincing, actually. So, with respect to that, I think it would be super interesting to see how how this is going to play out. And, and Ridley Scott is such a great director. I mean, I did not like Hannibal the first time I saw it, but each successive viewing of Hannibal, I actually liked it more and more to the point now that I do res I do respect the movie and I do enjoy it and I like it. I like it as the next chapter in in the sort of Silence of the Lambs um, uh, story. Um, so I, 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 and Ridley Scott has just made so many, in my opinion, so many, uh, great movies. I mean, I love Blade Runner. I love Alien, mm -hmm. the first Alien. 
as much as I love aliens, and a lot of people, and I know you, Jay, are, are, are more of a fan of aliens than alien. Yes, sir. Correct. But I do love alien. Alien is always going to be my favorite, and that's not a slight on aliens. It's okay. awesome. As you know, James Cameron did a, did a great job with aliens. Alien is always going to be my favorite of the series. I'm with you. All right. Well, let's keep on trucking then. So, May I don't care at all about any of those movies. <laughs> are, are you messing with us right now, Josh? You don't? No, like- I really. I'm not a. I'm not a big sci-fi fan, and um, I. I enjoy them. Like I, I appreciate them. I. I own Alien and Aliens on Blu-ray. You know, I. I own probably most of the other stuff on VHS, and I watched all of them. I like Prometheus, but. You know, I've never, I don't think ever seen a trailer for an alien movie and been like, oh, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> like, I just, so, I get around to him. And, uh, wait well, I mean, second, Rid- Ridley Scott second. is, Ridley Scott is almost like a Howard Hawks and then he's worked in a lot of different genres. I mean, he's yes. done a lot of different things like Matchstick Men, I think is one of his oh, most uh, underrated It's films. incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's an awesome film. Um, and I, I like, I like that about him that he's worked in a lot of different genres. Yeah, um, no, I, I respect him a lot as a filmmaker, and I'll always see his movies. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't get particularly excited about the Alien franchise. <laughs> a film of Ridley Scott's that's not good for me, at least, was A Good Year <laughs> from two thousand six. Yeah, I think that's probably well, yeah. I th- I think Ridley Scott's not, <laughs> yeah, he's not made. He's not perfect. He's he's not made. You know. Classics right down the line. Didn't he do one recently that was almost like a biblical epic? I can't remember which one it was. But yes, he did. In fact, yeah, I believe know, uh, that was the uh, the wasn't that the Moses was it Noah? one? Noah. Mo- I don't know if it was Mo- no, Noah it was or Moses. Noah. Was, or... It was yeah, it was the the Moses one. With, uh, Gods of Men, Exodus. Oh, okay, yes, um, Exodus, Gods and Kings that's what it was. is what it was. Yes, and, was, and I, I haven't. I haven't. Jay liked that, but everyone else. I haven't it seen it. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I haven't heard many good things about it, other than you, Jay. It's not bad. My wife loves my wife loves it more than the Ten Commandments, which I think is um, oh wow heresy a little bit. But anyways, because that's the Ten Commandments, nineteen fifty six. It's a masterpiece. But anyway, let's keep moving. Yeah. May thirty first. So this here, this was actually listed as May thirty first, twenty eighteen. So this may not even be this year, but I I have it's hard for me to believe that they have 2018 dates out there. So I just wanted to think it was a typo. So maybe on May 31st, we're going to get a very Saul-like movie called Abruptio or Abruptio, which is about a guy who's down on his luck who wakes up to find an explosive device that was implanted in his neck, right? Very Saul-like. And he must carry out heinous crimes in order to stay alive. So, wow, I don't, I, I kind of interesting, you know, but we'll see any comments on that. So well, the, 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 the explosives planted in the neck are kind of a, a, a common, I mean, that was in the running man for God's sakes, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not nothing new, but I, eh, it could be interesting. <laughs> okay. That's right. All right. So moving on June 9th guys. The Mummy Universal Monsters cast. Yeah, there we go. Take take it away here, and and, and for the listeners who don't know, if you're brand new, turn, tuning into horror movie podcast, um, will you guys tell them real quick what you're going to be doing on our sister show, Universal Monsters cast for that? Yeah. Well, first of all, if this is your first time tuning in, listen to any other episode. 
Like you don't, you don't like this episode. Uh, yeah, Universal Monsters cast. We are covering the emerging Universal Monsters shared cinematic universe franchise. That's a mouthful, and uh, as well as you know all the classic films. So it started off as a bonus episode of this podcast, and. We had so much fun talking about Universal Monsters. We thought, let's cover the entire run of these as long as they go. Maybe The Mummy will be a flop. So if that's a flop, then maybe that will be the end of the Universal Monsters cast. But I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, talking about the films as long as they're coming out. And, and yeah. what we're, I'm most excited about is covering all the old films leading up to the release. So we're going to cover all of the old Universal Classic Mummy movies. We're going right. to cover Stephen Summers, you know, Brendan Fraser movies. We're going to cover all of the non-Universal Classic Horror Mummy movies uh, leading up to this Mummy with Tom Cruise. Well, so. uh, the, the Hammer film, and I guess yeah, all exactly. of the, Yeah, yep. mm, I'm excited for that. Now, as far as this Mummy movie goes, I mean, we've talked about the trailer quite a bit thus far in previous episodes. So I'll I'll just leave it at this. It looks awfully, awfully big budget Hollywood. It looks like it's all shot yeah. on a back lot studio set. Tons no, of it looks like stuff that's shot in, in uh, Egypt. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? I, I mm. You could say that about the Brendan Fraser 1999 mommy. And I know that there are a lot of people who do not appreciate that. But man, that's such a fun film. That first one, anyway. Mm-hmm. I think True. by the time you get to this to the sequel, it starts to fall apart a little bit. But that first movie is a lot of fun. I had a great time watching it. It was one of the first two DVDs I ever bought. That and The Matrix were the first two DVDs I ever bought, and it was because I wanted to see them. You know, I, I at the time. My idea was, okay, I'm only going to update into movies that I think that the DVD format's going to improve upon the VHS. Yeah, I've blown that out of the water. I've just bought DVDs <laughs> for every damn thing under the sun. But <laughs> The Mummy, I, I really do... It's a fun film. It's, it's a lot of fun. Is it perfect? No. Is it like the original Mummy films? Not at all. Uh, and, but it's still a lot of fun. It's a fun movie to watch. Um, so we just yeah, talked about I, this two hours on the most recent episode of Universal yes, Monsters Cast. Yes, so we, we want to hear our thoughts on it. Right. Tune in over there. But the long and short of it is very worried about this. Right. But Alex Kurtzman, right. in all of his interviews, has said all of the things I want to hear that he wants to adhere to the originals, that he wants these to actually be scary. And so I think, you know the fact that he himself is involved and because of some of the casting decisions, I think those are the things that scare me the most just because these are people known for big budget, flashy action movies, which I've said several times on this episode is not my favorite mixture. Uh, but I'm being cautiously optimistic and I'm really more than anything rooting for these films to succeed because I want to, uh, yeah. I want to get to the Wolfman. I want to get to Frankenstein. I want to get to creature. I want to get, to I want to get to the invisible. I want to get to the invisible man. Yeah. I sure, want to see man. what they do with that. Yeah, sure. I agree with all that. Now I'm just saying, I just want to say one thing though. If Jay of the dead, that's me. If I were given a genie in the lamp or of the lamp or whatever it is. And they say, you can have one wish pertaining to the new, mummy movie what would it be do you know what i would say my one wish would be and i'm being dead serious about this 
instead of going gigantic, big budget, summer popcorn action, whatever that it's going to be. I, I just wish they would have gone smaller and more intimate yeah. and more just okay. just simpler, just simpler, well, guys. Contained. Well, hey, hey, yes. Creepy. Creepy. Yeah. Scary. Gothic. Yeah. Not hard. If you were to get a genie in the lamp and that's the only wish he gave you, I'd throw that damn lamp back. I'm just but, saying. A mummy. Know, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. It looks as if it looks big budget. It looks, you know, it's got Tom Cruise in it. But what was it, Josh? We were looking at the budget was not as high as we would have originally thought, right? Yeah, they, I mean, they, what they do with these Tom Cruise movies is they carefully budget them so that his films are successes, whether or not they um, blow up the box office. So it's I, I think it was Dark Mark's wife who let us in on that insight. But basically, right. like, the films are structured in a way so that Tom Cruise is always successful at the box office, which is really ingenious. Um, right. My Yeah, I'm with you, Jay. I would much prefer the pyramid version of this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that movie, but, the pyramid. <laughs> but having said that, you know, you know, I'm not a fan of the Brendan Fraser film. Everyone I've talked to who is a fan of the Brendan Fraser film gets that these films can be epics, that they can have scope, that they can be swashbuckling adventures. And, and the mummy, I think lends itself to that because right. of the whole, you know, you look at the whole discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb and, and just, the whole the, the whole sort of Egyptian um, you know mythos. I think there's you you can mix adventure in with that, right. and I think it will work. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they say. So we'll see. I'm 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 hoping June 9th. We'll see about this. Okay. So I and I take it obviously you guys are going to be reviewing that on the Universal Monsters cast. Yes. And so um, we'll be looking forward to that big time. All right. World War Z two. All right, now, this is very sketchy information, so maybe you guys have more insights, but from what I found, the plot is unknown. Uh, David Fincher is rumored to be the director. I don't even know if that's true anymore. Um, There's not much information on this that I found. I just don't know what David Fincher would get out of directing a sequel to World War Z other than a lot of money. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Even more than Ridley Scott, I believe if he's going to do it, it's going to be good. So I, I'm int- I will watch anything he makes, and I and I'm not a hater yeah. of the first. I enjoyed the first film for what it is. It's not Same. my favorite type right. of movie, mm-hmm. but I right. like. I thought they did a good job with what they did. I understand that. Yeah, for if you're a fan of the book, they kind of threw that all out the window, and I can see why that would be frustrating. But for what the film presents, they did a good job, and. David Fincher doing that to me is the gold standard in terms of like exactly. a high quality filmmaker. I, I agree hundred percent with you. I don't think I've seen a David Fincher movie that wasn't at the very least very interesting. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, yeah, I, I am hit or miss in terms great, of the but, films of his I like, but he at least right. cares a lot and tries really hard all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I just think that that is um a wishful thinking type of rumor. And I bet it's not going to be David Fincher. <laughs> it sounds insane. I don't know why. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting because right now the only cast list on IMDb is Brad Pitt. Right. He's, he's the only one listed as a as a cast member. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. Who knows know. if this is even going to happen this year, but we'll see. Ex- so. Exactly. 
Exactly. Exactly. Okay. okay, June 30th then. Now here, this is an interesting one to me. Amityville, The Awakening. Now this is something, <laughs> I believe, if I recall correctly, I think I've heard this title, you know, coming out. The, I thought the, we the talked about this year. for twenty six for twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, this has been the past several years, in fact, but I think this time it may actually come to fruition. It's got Jennifer Jennifer Jason Lee in it. Um and supposedly, now I read this, I don't I just can't even imagine that this is true. I read somewhere that this is the the fourteenth installment of this franchise, and I don't think that's the case. I I can't believe there would be 14, 13 other films of this. But anyway. Maybe that is true. That is crazy if that is true, though. It's a Blumhouse, um, and it's a young girl who moves into a new home with her single mother and a comatose younger brother. And they make a miraculous recovery as strange phenomena occur. So. I'll tell you what, I like that it is a combo of Dimension and Blumhouse. I think that's an interesting combination of producers, and I think that could yield something good. Um, I really liked Bella Thorne. I've only seen her in the Scream TV show, which I know is like, she's mostly known for like teen or, teeny bopper Disney kind of stuff. You know so. She was, yeah, she was also in a, um, when she was younger, she was in a very good horror film. I gotta look that up now, because um, you know, as yeah, she was a very young actress at the time, but she was in a, a, yeah. a decent enough art film. Hold on, give me a minute. I'll look up the title sure. for that. Jennifer was- Jason Lee is always good, of course. But the interesting thing about this movie to me is Frank Calhoun is the director. And, you know, as we know, he directed Maniac, the remake and P2, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked a lot about on the show. You and know so- it. P2. Christmas. So, yeah, I, I really like him. Uh, and particularly from Maniac, and he certainly handled that well. I believe that he could handle Amityville well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find what else Bella Thorne was in that you liked, Dave? I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find it now, but I saw it and I did enjoy the movie. I don't think it was a Forget Me Not. Forget oh, yeah. Me Not is uh, she plays the uh, a young. Well, her, she's listed as young Angela, and that's what she is. She plays this character, and it's. Creepy enough. It's not a classic, but it's it's a creepy enough film. Um, I got I had it. I bought a, a Blu-ray of it, and there were three movies in the in the collection, and it's the only one I checked out. And I I, I did like it when my kids were younger. They used to watch the Disney Channel, and she was in a lot of stuff on the Disney Channel back then. Oh, she I was remember. in Big Love too. I don't remember her in Big Love, but I, I no, and, and she was uh, like in a lot of the the old Disney shows and. And whatnot, and I remember I remember recognizing her when I saw Forget Me Not. Um, but it's it's good enough, you know. It's sort of a uh, I don't uh, I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about it, so maybe it wasn't as great as I remember. But it was it it's it's not bad. It's it's not a, a terrible uh, sort of supernatural style film. Okay, all right. So that's Amityville: The Awakening, and then for for whatever reason, I didn't have anything. In July, did you guys have any releases in July? I mean, the, there's got to be at least no. one, I would assume. But sure, the next, uh, I didn't see anything. The next thing I come to though is August 11th, and that's Annabelle two, the nice. Annabelle sequel. And um, okay, I like I like the art. I think it's the poster art, or I see I saw a picture. You know, you got a little girl having a tea party with her dolls, which is kind of a classic scene. 
but of course the doll is Annabelle. <laughs> and that's that's creepy imagery, you know. I mean, that's pretty cool. I can the one get, reason sure. I'm interested in this movie is David F. Sandberg is directing it, which is the creator of Lights Out, and uh, this is his second feature film after oh, Lights Out. Nice. So that's cool. my number one reason that I want to check this one out. Well, here here's the premise of it, and I think the premise actually sounds kind of juicy a little bit. You got a a doll maker and his wife, who uh, 20 years after the tragic death of their little girl, they welcome a nun and several orphans into their home only to see them targeted by Annabelle. So, Wow, a, a creepy doll and a nun. I know, right? right? There, that, that's right now, right there, that is all the makings of a superior horror film. Yeah, so get, could that be the nun from The Conjuring 2 and they're bringing their franchise together? That would be incredible. I would well, love that. That, that, would be, that would be something. Although, from what I understand, the nun is getting its own movie. If I'm not mistaken. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that rumor as well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. And as, as someone who spent 12 years at a Catholic school, you can't get much creepier than a nun. Well, the thing is, what's weird about that what is. What about a priest? <laughs> well, oh, you know, yes. With the recent revelations, yes. But I mean, for <laughs> me, for me, the years I spent in the school, um, I was much more afraid of, of nuns than I was okay. of priests. I gotta be honest. You were one of the lucky ones. Right. I was, I was one of the lucky ones. I was, I was not, I was not the center of attention of a priest. I was just kind of beaten on by nuns. Well, no offense to our Catholic listeners, but of no, well, I happen to be, I'm a Catholic myself, but yes, okay. yeah. and anybody who knows they were beaten. Oh, I was beaten on by nuns. So, whatever. <laughs> so you said something interesting there though, when you guys said, you know, the nun is going to get. You know, its own movie. <laughs> well, it right. it already had its own movie. It was called The Conjuring Two. So that's weird, <laughs> you know, to me. Well, but. Right, but that but it's a spin off. They're doing a, a sort of spin off of you know like they did with Annabelle. <laughs> yeah, let's from the original Conjuring. They're doing You've heard of Annabelle. Movie. Yeah, let, <laughs> yes, let's yes. spin off every single aspect of the conjuring into another uh, well, movie it, there's such big movies there's such big hits i that, think they that should happen you know and, and i'm all that, in favor of this conjuring universe being created yeah I, think, I, I don't yeah. disagree okay well i'm actually looking forward i can't wait to see the conjuring three what they come up yeah. with from the files of the, of the uh the warrants whatever the war yeah. thank you i couldn't I remember the name thank you <laughs> the warrants yeah okay so this uh, particular nun in this film is played by a Mexican actress. So I'm guessing it's not the same nun that was in in England. No, but, no, I wouldn't think yeah, so. We'll see. Yes, we shall see. Okay, now this next weekend I have on the list here, August 25th. I'm very excited about this weekend for horror of August 25th. The first film is called Cadaver. And I knew from the title, when I first saw the title by itself, I knew that was going to be a horror movie and that I would probably like the premise it, it, it stars um, Shay Mitchell as a disgraced ex-cop and recovering addict who takes a job at the morgue of a hospital <laughs> where she's trying to get sober. And, um, and I'll just I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't want to I don't want to give too much of these premises away, but this the problem is, um, well, this isn't a problem necessarily, but this appears to be a supernatural type of horror movie as well. But I'm interested in it. It's called Cadaver. I mean, can't go wrong, right? Right. <laughs> so, sure. It, <laughs> and then the other one that I thought was interesting is Polaroid. 
which is kind of um yes this is an adaptation from a short <laughs> film um and it's about two women who discover a polaroid camera and the horrible past that it hides now that that premise reminds me a little bit of time lapse from 2015 it wasn't really a oh. horror film but do you i don't huh. did you see that film time lapse we um, i think that, I remember no. you talking about it. But. Yeah, on MPW 139, reviewed it on there, and it was an okay movie, but, um, yeah, where a camera would take pictures and show you, like, into the future. But anyways, Polaroid mm. sounds interesting. The other creepy... I remember, I remember the Polaroid cameras. Totally. Back in the day. In fact, yep. they're making yep. those again. Sorry. Are for, they really? For, well, kind of, for the old man and me there, um... Yeah, I just like they they make them where it prints out the the photo and everything. You can still get one oh, like that. Interesting. So I nice. still have Polaroid cameras and Polaroid film. They stopped printing the film, and so the cameras became useless because there was right. no film. You could have. I had exactly. a stockpile. I'd stockpiled all of this Polaroid film um, just for art projects. They use it for these Polaroid transfers that I that I do. But um, my daughter. It's, came home from school just today and said, Hey, my friend has, what, what's that camera you have? That weird old camera that the pictures come out of. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, my friend had one at school. We were playing with it all day. And I thought, Oh, her parents must have a ton of money and bought her a bunch of, <laughs> you know, Polaroid film. Cause it's, you know, it's worth a lot of money these days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, making, yeah. Yeah, yeah Polaroids are great because you, you it would print out the picture and you could write right at the bottom of it what it was. You know, back, and, baby. And, and, yeah, yeah. Write right on it and make creepy designs in the. That, that's <laughs> true. That's true. But uh, the other creepy uh, camera movie this reminded me of was what like one hour photo, which is pretty creepy oh, as well. God. I always like that, that. Is that is probably arguably my favorite Robin Williams performance. Mm, wow, he yeah. is so good in that movie. He is so he's very good. Yeah, and, yes. and he is. He's. I mean, it shows you what what he was capable of. You know, the the the, the sort of darkness that he could dig up. I know he in Insomnia, he did a, he did that as well. But one hour photo, I think, was just it's further. Wow, it it just blew me away. You know, his I his, love Mark Romanek too. Like, I would mm-hmm. really like to see him do a full blown horror movie. I mean, I, it's pretty horrific, but. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just the just the whole idea of of this guy just just living vicariously through people whose he only sees their photos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yes. It's, it's it. It was just. It's. It, it is honestly. I think I would probably say it is my favorite Robin Williams performance, and I know that's saying a lot because mm. he's been. You know. I mean, he was Popeye for God's sake. Well, Dave. Uh, here's the thing, though. Like what what you described there about living vicariously. I mean, we cinephiles are kind of, we resemble that a little bit. Like we, we love to watch films and in, in a way we experience different worlds through other people's photographic images. Sure. Just saying. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> anyway. I don't know that I'd go, I don't know that I'd go sit on their toilet like he did in that movie, <laughs> but, you know. Well, you know, he, before Joe Johnston came on The Wolfman, he was surprised supposed to be the director for the wolfman and i would that could have been very interesting to see what he would have done with that but. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree okay so uh, now's where we start getting like kind of later in the year we get into september and this is where the list gets very sketchy and questionable now i know that maybe people are yelling at their their ipods or whatever you're listening to this on <laughs> you're probably yelling like we do have a number of movies we're going to talk about after this that we didn't have the specific dates for okay so so we'll get to those in a minute but some of the things that i found in my research guys 
I really think there are people out there who who put things on the internet as if they're going to be a movie, and I just think they're they're fake, you know. So there <laughs> there are a few of these in here. I tried to fact check as much as possible, but when you only come up with a movie from one source, it's like, mm, you know. So anyway, here's one that sounds ridiculous. This has a uh, potential to be maybe the worst horror movie of 2017. It's called Sky Sharks. Okay. Com- com- <laughs> yes. Comedy horror. Is that, is that a Roger? Is that a Roger Corman? Film? <laughs> right. Exactly. This is a comedy horror flick, and it's about a team of Arctic geologists who stumble across an abandoned laboratory in which the Nazis developed an incredible and brutal secret weapon during the final months of World War II. And so wow, they, sharks and Nazis. Yeah, and this. So what this has? This has flying zombie, zombies, flying zombie <laughs> sharks in it, genetically flying mutated, uh, undead superhumans. One well, zombies on the flying sharks. Yes, zombies yes. riding flying sharks. Yes, on them. <laughs> and uh, that sounds ridiculous. So anyway, that's sky sharks. Maybe just a little sky sharks go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. Um, September eighth, <laughs> guys. September eighth. Here we have it. It that sounds like a sci-fi release, but yeah, probably. So oh, yeah, so it guys part one. Ooh, yes, yeah. I'm I'm wow. very highly anticipating this film. Not loving the the clown design that much from what we've seen. Um, now that we've seen a little bit more, but you know, I'm still remaining hopeful. I, I really like the filmmaker, and um, he he seemed like he the interviews I read from him early on really seemed like he was going in the right direction. So I am very hopeful for this movie, even though I don't know exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yep. Um, and do you think it's interesting? Uh, do you like the fact that they're breaking it into two parts? Yeah, I do too. Well, the, wasn't, wasn't the original like three, it was three hours. The original it was almost like a, a mini series type thing. Yes. It wasn't. Yeah. Originally it wasn't. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that it I, I guess it's it's somewhat warranted. Well, true, true. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering if we're gonna have, you know, I mean, especially when you're talking about a horror flick. I I just I just hope part, both parts, you know, can stand on their own. It, it depends. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I think with with like Kill Bill, I think it worked pretty well. Right. Because the two movies were distinct enough. Mm-hmm. Um. So it'd be interesting to see. Okay. And then we got September 29th. We got the remake of Flatliners. And I'm telling you guys, I don't love like some of the, the artwork and the various mm. publicity posters I'm seeing on this. It looked almost like a comedy. The, like, the one thing I really? saw, it looked almost as if it was. Right. I saw something that made it look like a comedy. Some of the some what? of the art renderings. Check this out, Josh. If you do a little research on it. Some of the art renderings, it seems to be a serious remake and legitimate. But then other ones are full-blown, like, silly, almost, like, scary movie-type <laughs> comedy. Uh, yeah, that was that was the vibe I was getting from it. I mean, when right. I first saw it, I saw Flatliners, and I thought, wait a second, are they turning this into a horror comedy? No I mean, way. It's, it's almost, like, goofy-looking, some of the, like, the, mm-hmm. the one, um, you know, bit of uh, artwork that i saw for it, it it looked really it looked almost it did look comedic yeah it, it's what? but but see on imdb it has it listed as drama horror and maybe 
<laughs> but here's what's confusing. I mean, confusing. if it's a straight up, if it's a straight remake of it, then that's what it would be—a drama horror. Right. That's what the first one was. But here's it's the problem: not a straight remake, though, because Kiefer Sutherland is playing the same character in the film that he played in the first movie. What? Oh, and here's an, here's another factor that that has me concerned. So it has Ellen Page, right? She's in the, on the cast list here now. When on one of the posters, one of the comedic posters, I saw her in that comedic poster. And I know she's cast in it, so I don't know what to make of this yet. I think what that right. what that stuff is, I'm I haven't researched it. I just Googled it when you said that. It looks to me like someone took a Instagram like on set photo of the actors and wrote flatliners on it, being that it's the cast. That could be it. That could be it, because that could that sounds along the lines of what I saw. Okay. But well, that's my belief. I don't think that that is <laughs> I'm really actually positive even if it was a comedy right. that that would not be the poster for the film. So Yeah, yeah. it it it, it, it fact, looked it looked completely it's a selfie out of and, line. Yeah. If you look at the wider version of that shot, it's a selfie and Ellen Page is taking the photo. Yes, okay, I see that now. Yes, okay. it, it had that feel to it. I mean, I, but I saw it as almost like it was connected to the movie. You know, it was it was almost as if that was what it was. Yeah. I mean, yes. What I saw. Some sites. To the film. Yeah. Some sites have actually used that artwork there, that that photo, <laughs> as as the the artwork. But no, it looks like it is going to be. I'm glad you got to the bottom of that mystery, Josh. I feel better about yeah. it. Although I don't love the fact that they're remaking this in, in the first place. But okay. You know I don't know, but I mean, it has it has a decent cast. Ellen Page. I like her, and I and Diego Luna, and I like Diego Luna. The original cast is better. Like way right. better. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a, an incredible cast. I think there are some cheesy elements of the first film that could stand to be updated, and especially if this is a case like The Thing, where it has the same title, but we're getting something connected to it that seems like it might be a sequel slash remake with right. being the same character. Right. I'm okay with that. Like, I I really like the first movie, but I think um, as kind of visionary as it is at times, and how incredible, you know. Uh, that cast is with Oliver Platt and Julie Roberts and everybody. Uh, yeah, it um, was just it was just like five big stars, I think. You yeah. know, just kind of uh, in that movie. I, Kevin I think Bacon. there's room for this to exist, and I, I would watch it. I, I mean, I love that first film. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah. probably I mean, I'm watch a fan it. But, too. Okay, we'll be hopeful then. So, how about Friday, October third? So here's where we, you know, again, more of this is kind of sketchy. This is one called Intrusion: Colon Disconnected. Okay. Yeah, the word colon isn't in there. It's intrusion disconnected, and it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, colon disconnected. <laughs> That's very that is horrific. <laughs> That's very horrifying. Okay, um, Holly Jensen, played by Katie Stewart, has survived the traumatic experience of seeing most of her friends murdered as the Rosebud serial killer had almost closed in on her too. Something like that. Anyway. Rosebud. <laughs> Rosebud. This is a Citizen Kane themed horror <laughs> movie, maybe. It was a sled the whole time, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, I don't know about that one, but it does have poster art already. So now this is fake. I am ninety-nine percent sure this is fake. Twenty seventeen remake of Maniac Cop directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Now you know that guy would not do, <laughs> would not do a maniac. That would cop. be a very strange 
fit. Yeah, that I, that would be very strange. Well, you should you should uh, Google image search the artwork. Somebody put that together and put Nicholas Winding Refn at the top, but I'm pretty certain that's not real because I looked at his filmography and he has no such plans, at least appearing on IMDb. So I, I don't know that I w- I wouldn't want to watch. A Nicholas Winding Refn <laughs> version of Maybe a Cop. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I don't, I don't know that that's... Yes. All right. So on, get this, on Friday, October 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th, we have a new Friday the My 13th birthday. film. <laughs> yeah, on Dave's birthday, I bet you're going to be going to the theater to see the new Jason Voorhees movie, right? Uh, that is, that will be how I choose to celebrate it. Absolutely. I'm with you. Excited about this, Josh? Yo, I am sorry. I got a little distracted because I was looking up what I was looking at the artwork that you mentioned. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I didn't find it, but what I did see is that Variety is reporting that uh, Maniac Cop has kind of like a universe or like a series that they're trying to launch, uh, a trilogy, I suppose, and they are offering it to Refn. So. So that, that might bad. actually That's, be real, yeah. Because look at this image be, in the Skype be, chat. I'd be surprised if it comes out in October, but that would be pretty cool. Click on that, that image in the Skype crazy. chat. Okay. Yeah, if you go to movieweb.com, you can see it, and <laughs> that's wild. Are you? Is, is my wow? <laughs> I can't believe that my birthday is going to be on a Friday the thirteenth. I can't remember the last time <laughs> that happened. That's pretty awesome. You're cracking me up, Dave. Anytime awesome. your birthday I, uh, ends up on a Friday, it happens to be a Friday the 13th, in fact. Well, right? yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, but if they're coming out with a Friday the 13th at the same time, that's incredible. And I will definitely I will definitely be there. That is how I will choose to celebrate my, my birthday, even though nobody I know is a horror fan. Oh. Personally, my family or friends or anybody are horror fans. I'm going to drag their asses to see that movie. Yeah, you do it. Tell them, say, hey, it's my birthday. All absolutely. Right. October 20th, guys, we have Insidious Chapter 4, fourth installment. Mm. Now, I'll tell you, the trilogy, all three Insidious films were impressive. I was pleased with all of them, even though I'm not really a, you know, supernatural, paranormal guy. Pretty good stuff. Mm. So, I I have, I believe in it, right? I mean, Lynn Shea's going to be in this. Sure. So I think you have to look at James Wan as the new franchise guy. I mean, his... All of his movies, I mean, he did the first Saw, he did Insidious, he did The Conjuring. I mean, that seems to be... He is Fast and the Furious, he's doing Aquaman. Right, I mean, he's the franchise guy. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I am all for it, and I'll go see it, because the first three have been great so far. So then, October 27th, we have... A lot of buzz about this one, but not much information, interestingly enough. It's the new Cloverfield movie. In some places, it's been called The God Particle, which is interesting. And and what worries me, though, I, th- I wonder if Josh likes this. Um, it, it pertains to a, a space station crew members who find themselves meeting new explorers after a scientific experiment causes Earth to disappear. What? Like, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if I like a Cloverfield in space, even though Cloverfield's typically about aliens, of course, but I don't know. What do you guys say about that so far? I, like I mentioned with the Conjuring universe, uh, I am interested to see an expanding Cloverfield universe. I haven't 
really been disappointed yet. I didn't like the first movie as much as you did, but uh, you know, I think what they're doing is at least interesting, and I trust J.J. Abrams to um, play in his sandbox and come up with something interesting. So I, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. All right. Whatever it is. Yeah, me too. All right, that sounds good. And then we have, you know, it's a good thing because there haven't been very many of these, but on October 27th, we're finally getting another Saw movie, Saw Legacy. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah, has been quite a yeah. while. Yeah, I know. It, 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 but... has been, it has been a while, but you always got the feeling they were laying in wait, that the series wasn't really done. Yeah. You know, that, that they were just waiting for some time to pass for them to release the next one. You know, I'm really excited. The directors are the Spirit Brothers, who did Daybreakers and Predestination with Ethan Hawke. And um, I think those were both interesting films. They also did that movie Undead, which I know was popular in some indie horror circles, but wasn't necessarily my favorite. Um, And then the writer, uh, at least one of the writers, is Josh Stolberg, who I've been talking about a lot recently on the show. I think he's a listener to the podcast, but he also... He did that Piranha 3D film. He did the sort uh, of Row remake, uh, you know. And so he's he 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 has his original film Crawl Space that he wrote and directed, which I thought was really good. And so I'm excited to see what he comes up with here. And Conception, yeah. I suppose he also uh, did, which I, I didn't see that one, but nice. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what he comes up with. Interesting. Now, um, you've got me. You've got me kind of like. <laughs> distracted with this crawl space because I've I've heard other people mention that one, and I knew it wasn't the the old school seventies one or eighty right. eighty six one from you know our guy Klaus Kinski. <laughs> Correct. It's but, not that uh, crawl Klaus. space. No, um, it's a different crawl space. I we should review it sometime. Actually, it's it's totally worth watching. It's not the twenty twelve sci fi film either. It's, right. It's one of those titles where it's just like. Uh, there's there's enough movies with this story. right it's like it's like the black cat there's like about 18 <laughs> right. black cats out there right so this is the 2013 version directed right. by josh stolberg okay yeah all right we'll check that out um Worth watching yeah i'm excited about that now actually thank you all right so uh that's saw legacy and we don't know a ton about it i do know that uh, also that um once again it'll be featuring a score by nine inch nails musician charlie Clauser. So, right. Yeah, which that's exciting as well, right? right? I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. something different. So far, you know, it's been Trent Reznor mostly that we've seen, but Nine Inch Nails has a great um, cinema history as of now. They've turned out some good cine- cinematic film, cinematic music, I should say, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Now, speaking of films that have a lot of different, like, <laughs> multiple titles and so forth uh, on... On October 31st, Halloween, supposedly we have a, a movie called Dead Rising. Of course, this is based huh. on... And there are other Dead Rising films. This is based on the popular survival horror game, I guess. This is Adventure Horror. And it's about um, a young woman becomes trapped after a car um, that she's traveling in hits someone and careens off the road, so she's stuck in her car. And she soon discovered that the uh, the area is overwhelmed with... Flesh-eating zombies. This was written and directed by Hassan Hussein. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm up uh, for it. Interesting. All right. And then December 1st, I, I love this title because I knew it was going to be a horror film just by looking at it. He's Out There is what it's called. 
And it's about a vacationing mother and her daughters as they fight for survival when they stumble upon a psychopath, bizarre nightmare. <laughs> so. I'll tell you what I noticed about this one mm-hmm. is that it's being produced by Screen Gems. And I swear, like, Screen Gems has just been everywhere over the last year and a half or so. I felt like they kind of went away for a few years, if I'm not mistaken, or at least I just did not see a lot of Screen Gems movies personally. But I've been their names were on like a quarter of the films we talked about tonight, and they had a bunch of movies come out, you know, that we were talking about in 2016 as well, or the end of 2016 into 2017. Man, they just kind of uh, came back out of the woodwork. Unless I'm totally crazy, but I don't remember seeing Screen Gems around for several years. Mm-hmm. I agree. I haven't seen. I I agree. I, I haven't heard heard much about them either. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, they're doing the new Patient Zero. They're doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's There's cool. Quite a few coming out. So the that's the list thus far that we have dates for, at least projected dates. But there are lots of other things as well that we could talk about for 2017, um, including two of my most anticipated films of the year, which we haven't talked about yet. Yes, yes. So so here's what I would call these. So I've broken these up into groups, Josh, and I bet you we'll we'll hit on yours coming up here. These are the ones that I call wishful thinkers, which some of them are definitely real. I know that they're real and they're going to be released. We just don't have any dates. And then other one, others of these, I think, are just people wishful thinking, hoping and praying. And you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you guys remember that yeah. song? Wishing, <laughs> kisses will stop. Yeah. Wishing and hoping <laughs> and praying. No, I'm just kidding. Into his heart. <laughs> See, we get a little bit slap happy later in the night. So, so this there, film. There's a reason we don't do a musical sound. <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> but if y'all thinking of how good. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. Okay, now, um, speaking of movies that have been like kicked over year after year, this has got to be going on like five years now. Jeepers Creepers Three Cathedral. It's almost yes, like an I ongoing joke. I, I saw that in 2017, and who the hell knows? It's like I mean, <laughs> honestly, honestly, I remember this. I believe. I think in 2010 ish, they were still talking about. Well, oh, it's coming up this year, you know. Anyway, right, yeah. Also saw uh, a Wrong Turn Seven um, at the end of the road planned. Oh. You know, Boys to Men will be on the soundtrack for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. And then I'm uh, just saying, you know, I, I'm not supporting a Victor Salva film. I'm just gonna say that. I just want to go on record. Yeah, I know it's 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 tough. You know what? I I do like those Jeepers Creepers movies, but yeah, that whole thing with Victor Salva, it's 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 a little rough. Well, I will review a Victor Salva film, and if it's terrible, I will say so. <laughs> Hard. <laughs> No, I know, I know. So yeah, he's the clown house director, and he has a very um, spotty past, very upsetting. Um, so okay, so that's Jeepers Creepers, Wrong Term Seven, Wrong Term Seven at the end of the road. Now this one I think has just been, like I said, hoping, wishing, and praying. This was on the list before. I don't know that this has been revived, but Suspiria. Anything lately on that one? No, no, I don't have anything. No, either. no, I don't have anything on that. Let me just tell you this, though. Actually, uh, so far, it's got supposedly this might be real. Dakota Johnson, Chloe Grace Moretz, Tilda Swinton. So it appears to be, yeah, in in production. It's a, it's filming. 
that's the status and it's got a cast so i think that is going to happen after all so there you go the new suspiria film everybody and then and then of course bride of frankenstein i don't know that that's coming in 2017 what do you universal monster cast people say i we know the screenplay has been written uh, by david kep who has a nice horror background um as a writer and director and a lot of big movies, of course, Jurassic Park, you know, for instance. Um, right. But also, you know, he directed Secret Window and he wrote the screenplay. It's finished. And Angelina Jolie was in talks to play the bride um, last we heard. So mm, that'd be interesting. Okay. Wow. Here's one that I'm very interested in hearing Dr. Shock's reaction to. Um, my, my namesake might be remade and it is day of the dead remake from the romero one oh, 85 inter- in- interesting well they, didn't they do a day of the dead a few years ago yeah that was um pretty terrible yeah that's what i'm thinking <laughs> i mean the zombies would climb on the they, it was from 2008 they would climb right. on the ceiling in a very dumb spider-man like way <laughs> and that was a, a Steve Miner film. I never, I never saw it, but that description is pretty hilarious. It's it's kind of awful, honestly. I reviewed that with Midnight Corey. Okay, we I did mean, both. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Dawn of the Dead remake. I I'm a big fan of. Yes, I really enjoyed the the Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, I'm looking at it now, and uh, yeah, Day of the Dead is is it a a group of survivalists seek shelter from a world overrun with zombies? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, yes, I guess it's along those the the same lines. I mean, it doesn't say much. Um, it, it does have has a cast. Kind of see the oh, it does have the cast here. Yeah, I'm looking at the writers filmed it in yeah, Bulgaria. Romero well, filmed in Bulgaria. I think it's pretty much everything is you know. Not everything, but a lot of movies are filmed in Bulgaria nowadays. Either that or Canada. Um, <laughs> Josh, right, yeah, that was that funny. Come on, Josh. Give me credit. I am <laughs> I am up for that. I mean, I I would go for it. Hector Hernandez Vincent, or Vikings is the director. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's and known, better known as the director of? The Corpse of Anna Fritz. Okay, I had no clue. I was throwing it out there for you. I, I didn't and, know if he did anything before. <laughs> yeah, he's done some other stuff actually. Um, so anyway, we're open to it. Let's let's watch it and see what happens. So sure, sure. I mean, if it's as long as it's uh, you know, I did. I heard nothing good about the 2008. I didn't even bother watching it. So okay, all right, Josh. Here you go. This is your you're up to bat on this here, buddy. We've been hearing about this for years too. Speaking of wishing and hoping and praying. Halloween yeah. 2017. What do you have to say, Josh? So we know that Mike Flanagan is not directing it. <laughs> Thanks to HMP listener uh, right. Jeff Hammer, who uh, asked Flanagan about it on Twitter, you know, repeatedly until Flanagan <laughs> finally said, okay, I'm not doing it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good job, Jeff Hammer. He, he does that to me too, actually. He texts me and, um, assaults my tastes and, <laughs> yeah, and, and, let me, and I'll tell you and let me tell you Jeff Hammer had sent me a text Jay just so you know thanking me for my take on the boy and saying he thought the movie was mediocre until the end at which point he was quote pissed off unquote Josh you gotta <clears> watch <throat> it you gotta watch it buddy alright so yeah so um, we know that 
Flanagan's not directing it. He's busy elsewhere. We know that Blumhouse is producing it. We know they brought John Carpenter on to help produce it and potentially do the music. So um, that's all we know. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm holding out hope and I'm, I'm excited about the possibility. So, yeah. Okay. What about a uh, Chucky 7, Cult of Chucky? Are we excited about another child's play movie? I mean, a lot of people are. A lot of people are. I know. I think. I, and this, I, I kind of, I like up to and including number three. Then it just kind of got a little silly. I mean, I, I, not that I disliked Pride of Chucky or Seed of Chucky. It's just very, I don't know, you know, very, very different sort of movies, in my opinion. Very, right. a little more comedic a little more you know goofy um so with cult of chucky though dave i mean it's got mm -hmm. i don't know if this is really the poster on it but it says cult of chucky and below that it says an all-new movie <laughs> that's not that can't be it. that's the that's the tagline an uh, all-new movie yeah <laughs> that can't be it honestly um in tagline that, is, is brad dorf back that's my question is brad dorf he's back in, as the voice of chucky well yeah he's in the cast list here for it so um, all right well the, I, brad dorf is an interesting actor i think whatever he does so not that i check out everything he does to be honest with you but um jeez <laughs> oh man but he's I, good I, when I've seen him. Is that that's that's the long and short of it? You yeah. know, there, there are certain franchises that it's just unfortunate that we don't have a little bit more diversity between the three of us. That all three of us are out on, and um, right. and I know that that really frustrates some of our listeners because they they're you know they're clamoring for us to talk about a Nightmare on Elm Street or Child's Play, and then when we do talk about them, they're like, oh, "Why don't you guys just shut up and stop talking about?" <laughs> no, well, I would. I would not. I would not mind doing a child's play. Um, Honestly, uh, retrospective. Yeah. I'll be honest with. You, I would not mind it because I think there are strong movies within there. Yes. Um, and I'm looking at. I'm looking at this one here, and it's got Brad Dorf, and also has Fiona Dorf, mm -hmm. who must be his. I'm assuming is his daughter. Um. Uh, Interesting. In the cast, so, and I didn't see the newest one. No. I have to admit, I, I didn't see the newest one. Um, <laughs> Of the Chucky films, I think I own it, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't mind doing a a um, franchise retrospective sort of 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 the of the Chucky films. I think it could be kind of interesting, and I would probably look forward to that a little more than maybe even the Hellraisers, even though I'd like <laughs> the first two Hellraisers quite a bit. Yeah, uh, but aren't there like nine of them or something like, or eight of them? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Of Hellraiser, and I, I like the first two. So we'll, that's we'll a get, lot of you know. We'll get to them, but this um. So the storyline we have here on IMDb for this cult of Chucky, because what Josh said spoke to my heart. I don't want the Chucky fans out there to feel neglected. Confined to an asylum for the criminally insane for the past four years, and Nika Pierce who's played by Fiona Dorof, is erroneously convicted or convinced that she, not Chucky, murdered her entire family. Okay, so that's kind of the, the, the setup for that one. And that's all I'll read about that so far. So anyway, all right. 
There's that one. And then we got a, another Children of the Corn movie. This one's called Runaway. For, for Just in case you haven't quite had enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in case you need some more Children of the Corn. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's legit. This is a, a real movie, I think. It's got a director and a writer, and I don't really recognize a lot of these people here. The plot of Children of the Corn Runaway follows a, a young pregnant Ruth who escapes a murderous child cult in small Midwestern town. Um, you know, I think, you know, we all got so sick of the reboots and remakes and reimaginings and just no original ideas in Hollywood. And, and every, you know, we just were complaining about them incessantly during the whole platinum, platinum dunes heyday. But I right. think we've actually gotten to a place because they do it so much People are getting really good at rebooting the old franchises, and I, I think they've yeah. actually been pretty decent for the last few years. And you know, we see all these new shared universes, like we've been talking about Universal Monsters cast, but even just revisiting these, like we're seeing with Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, there's a real effort to do it right, which you know we didn't see for the last you know five. True. Right in the thirteenth movies, right? That's so, that's very that's a good point. Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. uh, we're actually getting, you know, and same with Predator, right? We have the Predator versus Alien movies and all that stuff. Like the new Predator movie, Shane Black is directing it. Shane Black and Fred Decker wrote it. Like nice, you know, that's it's awesome. It's going to be a legitimate movie, and so I think, yeah, there are no original ideas being made right now, but at least they're starting to give them their due and bring in talented people yeah. like to help me. Right. Well, that's good. I like your optimistic perspective, Wolfman Josh. That's exciting. Here's here's one for you for your optimistic perspective. Check out this poster art. Tell me if you like it. It's called Island of the Dolls. 2017 film directed by Sebastian okay. Man- Mantilla. <laughs> After the mysterious 1950s murders, which happened upon the infamous Island of the Dolls, a modern-day British journalist named Emily, has been assigned to research and uncover the truth of the unspoken event. Okay, there we go. The unspoken event. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, yeah, I don't know. Which shall shall go unspoken. (laughs) Unspoken. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't, um... Google, as I often do when I look up movies, Island of the Dolls, IMDb. I just typed in Island of the Dolls, and I got much more disturbing images than the one on the poster. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Originally, because pl- apparently there's a place in Mexico called the Island of the Dolls. And there are some really spooky images from that place. True ghost stories, Island of the Dolls. So hopefully, yeah. this is a British film, but hopefully it uh, takes place in this Mexican island. Yes, I, I believe that is the case. So creepy, right? Yes. Okay, so that could sure. be could have potential. And then we got, speaking of Hellraiser, Hellraiser Judgment, the 10th installment of the Hellraiser saga. Um, wow. Are you, are, are you going to go for it? I mean, is this because this has a poster and everything? This is... I, I don't know. You know what? The first two Hellraisers are something special, in, in my opinion. I, the first one and, the, and Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Hellraiser 3, to be honest with you. And that's where I stopped. I haven't gone any further with the Hellraiser series than, than, than Hellraiser 3. Um, and maybe there are some hidden gems in there. 
Uh, I don't know, but I haven't taken any further than Hellraiser 3, to be honest with you. And um, just because Hellraiser 3 kind of turned me off of the series to a point. Good. Um, but there's obviously seven more stories out there that I, uh, I yes. need to check out. And this new one has Heather Langenkamp of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Josh is Josh's favorite actress. Yeah, I like her too. <laughs> I, like I mean, too. I've been I've been hard on her, but honestly, that makes me more interested in this movie. So <laughs> I I'm fond of her, actually. I really uh, dig her. It would be. <laughs> it would be yes. Well, she's you know, pretty this, pretty uh, adorable in New Nightmare. I'm just saying. This director uh, who did the film is a special effects makeup guy. So the mm-hmm. very least, we know that the makeup is going to be good. He's done. As I'm just scanning through his filmography, Gone Girl, Scream 4, X-Men, Pet. Uh, oh, nice. Drive Angry, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Uh, oh, My Bloody Valentine. It doesn't matter which bloody, My Bloody Valentine. That means he, he did good work because both of yeah. them are excellent. Halloween Resurrection. That's right. Fishmaster. Anyway, he's done a lot of great uh, bloody work. So at least maybe the... Special effects will be good here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I know, mean, Scott Derrickson did a Hellraiser movie, so yes, he I, did. I, I heard it yeah. sucked, but <laughs> <laughs> he he did he did one. That's true. Inferno. Yeah, and well, yeah, the, that's an interesting the other story. Thing that worries me about this is on IMDb. It's listed as straight to video. It even is even in the age when that doesn't really even exist. Like right? Like a, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just a video release. Okay. All right, now this one I don't know a ton about. I'm not sure about it. It says Godzilla, and it's the first ever animated feature-length movie based on the Japanese monster, Godzilla. First ever, really? Yeah, well, feature-length. Interesting. Because there are the short cartoon series about him, you know. But according to what my research... I see. Okay. It could, it could be interesting. I mean, I, I, would, I would actually really enjoy that if somebody took it seriously and um i don't know maybe i'm just crazy but if you look it up i'd rather just see another movie from the universe that uh gareth edwards created but well yeah but this has i know you don't necessarily agree with me there well just a better a better movie i I agree with (laughs) i agree with you i i i would like to see a uh i would like to see the the next in the godzilla they are making another one aren't they yeah i believe so well, at one point they had said that Skull Island was going to have Godzilla versus Kong, right? When they first announced Skull oh, okay. Island, like years ago. Right. But that's clearly not the case now. But it could be a surprise. I mean, maybe. But yeah, he already but, showed sure. the monsters, though. But if you look at this um, Godzilla poster, first of all, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know what it's showing us? We have no idea what it's depicting, but. What's interesting? It looks like it looks like a, 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 a some sort of like almost like the Jawas ship <laughs> from Star Wars. Um, That's right. Some people standing on a cliff, looking looking out in the distance. That's right. But the way this animation looks, I mean, it is that realistic looking animation. 
So it could be pretty cool. You mean like rotoscoping type of thing? Or? Well, along those lines. I mean, I, I'm not sure how they'll go about it. It'll probably just be CGI, All but right. just saying. Anyway, that could be interesting. Okay, guys, what about this? We've heard a lot of buzz. A lot of people are excited about Leatherface. What do we think? Steven Dorff. I, I did watch a trailer for this. And it looks interesting. I mean, you want to you want to talk about a franchise that's really all over the place. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my all time favorite horror film, you look at the remaining movies in the franchise. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, which I would actually like to revisit. It's it's never been a favorite of mine just because of the comedic. And I think Dennis Hopper was kind of off on his own. Um, you know, and I think they just brought him in. Obviously, for a little bit of star power, but there were things about it that I did like. Um, I didn't dislike Leatherface. Um, I think what is it? The Next Generation was one of the, if not the worst film I've ever seen. One of the worst. Um, and then you have the next movies that came out. Um, you know, in the early two thousands. Then you have the recent Leatherface that came out. It's just kind of all over the place. This franchise. Yet the trailer is kind of interesting. You know, it, it has me interested to see. I want to see the move. Yeah, it's a prequel about a teenage Leatherface who escapes right. from a mental right. hospital with three other inmates. Which is nothing in any of the other movies. Let's be honest. They don't talk about that in, you know, any of the really any of the other movies. But we kind of are used to that with this series. Just sort of creating things, new things as they go along. Yeah. Just um fyi just today on bloody disgusting there was an article entitled a movie titled leatherface was just released but don't be fooled and um they're talking about the version of leatherface that you guys are discussing and they're saying at the same time a new film was just released straight to dvd called leatherface and it's a knockoff uh, retitling of a another film that originally had the title playing with dolls bloodlust and that they're calling Leatherface as an attempt to steal your money. So just everyone be aware. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's the trailer, I, the, the trailer I saw had what looked like a traditional Leatherface in it. And of course that, <laughs> what we were just talking about, the Polaroid sound effect, the, you know, with the, with the mm-hmm. taking of a picture and the flash of the light, and whatever that we got at the very beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which has become a, a very common sound effect um, used in, in many horror trailers. Um, but I don't know. It, it was one of those things. As I was, it seemed, it's, it's almost like the characters were British in the trailer that I'd seen, mm-hmm. which doesn't really fit in with the Well, that would be the movie maybe that just came out. I don't know. That could be. Yeah, the fake and, and one. Could, that could be it. And that's, that's, that's depressing because I didn't, didn't think the trailer looked awful. So the um, one, the one though, Dave, that I think we're we're looking for here is the one that's directed by Alexandra Bastillo and Julian Mari. Okay, and okay. it's got Stephen Dorff in it, and Lily Taylor, Sam Strike, Nicole Andrews. So just yes, you know what? That's not the trailer I saw. So I must have seen the one for the fake Leatherface. Okay, Lily Taylor is a very um, I would recognize her right away. You know, so I, and she was not in this trailer that I saw. So. That's not the one. It's just, just adding to the mystique of the whole Texas Chainsaw. As as great as that first film is, I think it deserved a better franchise oh, than, totally. than it's gotten so far. There have been some good movies in it, but 
you know, it, it's just not every other franchise. You look at it. Every other groundbreaking horror film has had a good franchise. Halloween, Friday the 13th, um, even to a degree, Nightmare on Elm Street, although some of them were, you know, not all of them were great, but some of them were. All of these things had great franchises. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, deserved a better franchise than it ultimately got. Whether you like and the second film is, is, is divisive. Some people love it, and I understand the love for the second film. Um, and I don't hate the third film, but I think after that, it's just it's just been all over. It's been all over the place. Yes. Okay. So, real real quick, then, um, Josh, I think this might be the one you've been looking forward to so much. Maybe is okay. it Deathgasm Part Two, Gormageddon? Gormageddon. <laughs> no, but, you know, we have not had a chance to talk about <laughs> Deathgasm yet on the show because the one I'm waiting for is the devil's candy which for some reason will just never come out i'm just like please please release this movie with ethan embry and when it does finally come out we'll finally get around to reviewing deathgasm on the show which is an excellent film by the way just spoiler alert for my review so i'm open to the sequel if especially if it's made by the same people yeah i mean what's going on with the devil's candy why can't i mean i have no idea what's going on i have tried to get in touch with the producers multiple times and they just do not respond to my inquiries Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for everything. All right. <laughs> what about, I mean, try to support people's film. What about um this? So we already talked about Resident Evil, like 15 or whatever it was. And there's also a Resident Evil vendetta on the list for this year. Now, why do we have one in January and then one in May? I, yeah, think? I mean, is one is is one animated? I mean, sometimes there have been a couple of animated Resident Evil oh, films okay. that came out. You're right. It might be. I don't think it's animated, but this it is a Japanese a video game too, because those get listed on IMDb. That's yes, they do absolutely. Let's see. It says it's Japanese. It's in post production. So it's a Japanese film. I think it's a film animation. Um, just looking here for it. That would take me off if it were. It would is it would is it is animation because there have been well. Uh, that's what, <clears throat> this is what it is. Resident Evil Vendetta, known as also known as Biohazard Vendetta in Japan, is an upcoming 2017 Japanese 3D animated horror film. It's part of the Resident Evil franchise set in the same universe as the associated games. Uh, the film features yeah. different characters. Essentially, so yeah, these are animated. That's okay. what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. They're, they're, again, this is another one where it's just been. That's why I lost track of it. I lost after the third one. I've just kind of lost track of the of the Resident Evil movies because wh where do the animated ones fit into the franchise if they do it all? Um, okay, you know. All right, so let's let let's move it along here a little bit faster. I got a, a few to read about for you and just. You know, just comment, throw out your comments and stuff. These are just uh, to be announced. We don't have release dates on these, but I do have descriptions on most of these. So we got a movie called XX or Double X. It's only 77 minutes long, and it is an anthology, a horror anthology. It's all female hmm. directors. And supposedly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our listeners were talking about mm -hmm. this um, in the comments for the last episode. I think it looks really good. All of the directors are very talented women. So um, yes, I, I'm. I 
I don't know. I should say all the ones I've heard of. I know um, St. Vincent, I believe is the musician. This is her directorial debut is included in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But the directors who I'm familiar with their work previous to this are awesome. So yeah, yeah, I'm curious to check this out. Like Karen Kusama's in this. And she Mm -hmm. like, for example, she's one of the directors and she did our movie. We love the invitation. If I'm not mistaken. Nice. And, um, oh, you know what? I'm interested in this one as well. I didn't know Jennifer, anything. Uh, know anything about it? Jennifer Lynch, um, Mary Heron. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. And and basically, so, supposedly, what the word is is they have been given completely free creative reign within budget and time constraints, <laughs> but they can totally do what they want on it. So, and so I, according to IMDb, mm-hmm. this is coming in theaters February seventeenth. February 17th. Wow, that that as recent as that. Okay. All right, let me mark that down at February 17th. That's exciting. And um there February was, February looks like a strong a, a strong horror month in a way. Yeah, I mean, there's quite really a few does. coming out in February. And I believe that mm-hmm. XX refers to chromosomes in this case, right? Since it's all sure, female. Sure, like it. Four Deadly Tales by Four Killer Women. Yeah, I think that's what they're going yep. for is you know Punnett Square jokes right there. So um, I think we, it was Buffy Slayer that said that the artwork and the kind of the focus on the female stuff kind of annoyed her. But I gotta say, I think it looks pretty cool myself as just a dumb guy. I think it looks pretty awesome. So I, I <laughs> like the artwork. I like the the lipstick going into a skull. I think is really cool looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I also like how they did the XX, like you were saying for the chromosomes, but it makes kind of a cool skull and crossbones. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll take it. Um, and then we got something called Blood Runners. This is a um, African American like v- vampire movie starring Ice T, and it's set during the Prohibition, nineteen thirty three. It's like an old time uh, uh, gangster gangster vampire mix. Josh, you excited? It <laughs> sounds like it was made for me, except for that Ice T's in it. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong with Ice T? Haven't you seen his Geico commercial? That's freaking hilarious. That, um, that is pretty funny, and I thought he was good in um. Oh God, what was that? Uh, all right, surviving. I I, no, what was that? It was the. It was the. Uh, um. Uh, I have drawn a complete blank. I'm trying to think of the. I'm trying to think of the guy who made Sweet Sweetback's badass song, and then I'm trying to think of his son, Melvin, Mario Van Peebles' movie, New Jack City. Oh, New Jack City one. is what I'm thinking, which I, I thought Ice T was was pretty good in in that movie. But that's a great film, um, and I and I do really like the Lemonade commercial too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this actually, as I look at the director's other work and the posters, this looks terrible. So I don't know if I'm going to be seeing this actually. Yeah, called Blood Runners. <laughs> okay, and then uh, speaking of ones that are very suspect, this is Bloodsucker Jones versus the Creeping Death. Not sure about this, but Bloodsucker Jones and his gorgeous sidekick Vanessa help a couple of idiots fight an army of zombies. It's basically Dawn of the Dead meets Shaun of the Dead meets Better Off Dead with a dash of black dynamite. <laughs> I know if you had, if, the, if this had come out in the 1970s, it probably would have been awesome. Right. <laughs> when, when, these, when these movies were um, you know, at, at their height. Yep. I think that could have been uh, that would have been an awesome title, and I couldn't I couldn't wait to see it. Now I don't know. Right, and then you got one called Demon House. This sounds interesting to me. The supernatural occurrences in a woman's Gary Indiana home 
caused her and her three children to show signs of demonic possession. That sounds creepy. Mm. And then we got one called Mom and Dad. And I think, unfortunately, I think this stars Nicolas Cage, if I recognized him properly. Um, Mom and Dad. Yep. yep. I'm looking it's at Selma Blair. Going to IMDb. Yep. It has it has Nicolas Cage still, I guess, working off his debt to the government. Uh, and it's got it's about a teenage girl and her little brother. They must survive a wild 24 hours during which. Hey, by the way, thanks for telling us how long it lasts. That took away that element of suspense. <laughs> during which a mass hysteria of unknown origins causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. Don't put how long it lasts, oh. though, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there is that whole TV show called Twenty Four. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll do it hour by hour. Okay. Then I don't know, t- parents turning on kids. I don't know. There's something about kids turning on parents. I think that's a little bit creepier. No, I think I I actually love that concept. Parents turning oh, parents on- parents turning on their kids. Yeah, because because here's the thing: kids are totally dependent. Upon their parents for protection, they are their best advocates in the world. What's scarier than your best advocates coming after I'm not, you? I'm not saying it doesn't work. I think it's a good. I think it's a good concept. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. do, but this movie's like the children. I know you're not afraid of kids. No, I could beat. But, up, I could beat up kids. Uh, you could, yeah, but you could beat up. But we've talked about this, Jay. You could beat up kids, but if your child comes up and says, "You know, Daddy, give me a hug," and then as you're hugging him, they stab you in the back. I would beat him up. I mean, you, if you don't, say, oh, you'd beat him up. Okay, well, you, if you were still able to. So, so here's one for you, Dave. This is for you. It's got Malcolm McDowell. It's got Rutger Hauer, and Corey okay. Feldman of all people. It's called Cor- It's called Corbin Nash. It's an action horror thriller. And it's about a rogue police detective in search of his parents' killer. He's he's murdered and reborn as the ultimate killer. Okay, that's a lot of killers in that description. So. I I can't say that there's anything about that that really excites me. I mean, I've I've liked all those actors in certain roles. Um, you know, can I we get that Corey Feldman like he's past his prime or whatever, but he's legitimately good. In license, oh, yeah. in the burbs, in Goonies, arguably, and even and even even as a kid in Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Yeah, of course. You why know he, what happens to someone like him? I just don't get it. Like, why doesn't he still have? There, has, there's an excellent. He has, and I heard it as an audio book. His autobiography with yes. him narrating it. It's excellent, and it kind of goes into what happened to him. Um, you know, his father managed him for a while. And one of the more interesting things, one of the more interesting stories about about Corey Feldman, just real quick, and it's in his audio book, is he was hanging around with Michael Jackson one day. And he talked about how his father booked him on the Hollywood Squares, you know, that TV show from the 1980s. Yeah. Michael Jackson immediately said, Corey, no, you can't do that. That is for people whose careers are over. They are done. You can't go on that show. Michael Jackson tried to talk sense to Corey Feldman's father to take him off of that show. And his father said, no, we've made a commitment. He's got to do the show. He has just been his parents were a mess. You listen to the audio book and you get a lot of insight into Corey Feldman to see what happened to him. And it's amazing that he was able to do what he did based on what he went through. You know, as a child actor with with a lot of the things he went through, 
it's really a fascinating, you know, I have the audio book and it's a fascinating listen, um, just everything about it. And, and he had a lot against, he had a lot going against him. The fact that he did what he did is pretty impressive. I just don't get where the charisma goes because I, I try to like him. Like I, I just like, he's just one of those guys that every time he comes on the screen, I'm like, okay, here he is. I'm going to try. I want to like right. him so much. And, uh, and you can't do it. I haven't seen a lot of his newer stuff. I got to be honest. I haven't seen a lot of his newer stuff. So I, I can't really, I can't really say just those lost um, boys sequels. They waited so long to do them until it was yeah, too late. And then they it was, just, it was oh. way too late. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago. They came out. Wasn't yeah. It? I don't even count. I don't even count them. They're that bad. Right. Actually. Right. No. Okay. All right, guys. So ch- check this out. There's a movie called Crepitus. Crepitus. And it's about, it seems to be like a ghost cannibal children in peril movie. It's about a 17 year old girl and her younger brother. They're thrust into circumstances more terrifying than life. You got to help me, Jay. Is that crepitus spelled as it sounds? Yeah, it's uh, C-R-E-P-I-T-U-S. um, I-T-U-S. All right. And they're thrust into circumstances more terrifying than the life they have with their abusive drunken mother. And and they're forced to, to live in their deceased grandfather's house. So I guess the grandfather's house is scarier than living with their abusive drunken mother. Okay, so <clears throat> that's Crepitus. I'd be up for that. Bill 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 Mosley. You gotta you know. Yeah. That's kinda cool. Yeah, you gotta respect that. And it's got a poster and everything, right? So I mean it's it's gonna come out. Hey, a poster in Bill Mosley. I guess that's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, it, it's slated. It says October fifteenth on Crepitus. So right. there we go. All right. Here's one that I'm actually excited about, and I believe this is on one of our UK listeners' honorable mention list. It's a shark movie. It's called 47 Meters Down, also known as In the Deep. And it's about two sisters who are vacationing in Mexico. They're trapped inside a shark cage at the bottom of the ocean. I assume it's 47 meters down. With less than an hour of oxygen left with great white sharks circling nearby. Yes, this is a Jay of the Dead Boy, movie. Uh, imagine some of the dialogue in that, huh? Oh, yeah. It's like under the ocean. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, that's going to be riveting. Wow. Yes, it is. Dave, it is. No, well, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I like I do like shark movies. All right. And I don't want to. And I'm just. I'm joking to a degree. I, I don't know how they're going to. But do that's it, a right? good point. How will they have, um, like, if they're underwater the th- whole time through those regulators? What's going to are they are they, they going to like hand signal to each other? I don't know. Yeah, it it has Mandy Moore in it, which is weird. I mean, I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> anyways, I can't wait for that. I'm excited about it. And then there's a very similar movie called Cage Dive. I'm excited about this too. It's three friends. Filming an audition tape for an extreme reality show. They take part in this shark cage diving event. Only to be left in great white infested waters. Yes. Another one for Jay of the Dead. <laughs> Bring it on, man. Beastly Freaks. Love it. Wow. And then, okay, guys. Now I'm pumped. I was excited before, but now I'm completely pumped. This is not the... 2005 film starring in, starring Killian Murphy. This is Red Eye from 2017. It is a West Virginia-based horror flick. There need to be more of these. 
You got four friends. Mm. Four friends set out to document a local legend in West Virginia, but will their passion cross the line or will it bleed through? Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> but I can't wait. Wow. I'm that, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's continuing. That's the, uh, the West Virginia horror films continue with the great tradition of, of Jean Gal. That's right, brother. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it very much. And then uh, this this also is one of those that had a 2018 release date for some reason, like October 31st, Halloween. But it, it has a poster and everything, so I think it must be this year. It's called Assumption. It's classified as like hot sci-fi horror. It's supposed to be a like a throwback movie. And anyways... I love the premise. You got a man who wakes up from a concussion and finds himself trapped in a cargo elevator. And as his time in isolation grows, so, so does his paranoia. Yes. That's a Jay of the Dead movie right there. <laughs> I'll take it. <clears throat> Guys, what about Tokyo Ghoul horror action drama? And it's a, I give up. What about Tokyo Ghoul? <laughs> okay, it's a live action <laughs> adaptation of the the manga series by the same name i don't know how they pronounce that but i think that's manga right it is yeah i think so yes here's one that you guys will be excited about i can almost guarantee it ready i'm saying hell yes to redcon one redcon one it appears to be set in a very realistic world it's a squad of eight special forces soldiers they're assigned on this suicide mission to rescue a scientist from a city that's overrun by the undead. And from what I saw, the poster looked cool, like they were taking it dead serious. Redcon 1. I'm pumped. Okay, well, I, did you see it on IMDb? Because the poster I'm seeing is just a soldier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the one? Yeah, that looks serious to me. Doesn't that look serious to well, you? Well, the, the soldier himself looks very serious. Okay. I don't know. You know he, but he could just be on you know, patrol. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. I just look at his face and it says sober to me. It says serious. I don't see him. You can't see all of his face. His eyes are kind of hidden. But I, I know. I he's looking saying. down. That's how serious he is. He he's, is. He's, he's looking down. <laughs> yes. Whenever there's a zombie threat, uh, the idea is to look down. <laughs> Where is Josh? Where is Josh on this? Josh Beckett. Uh, I mean, you guys are doing great. I just am so bored because I'm... <laughs> I my my most anticipated films of the year just feel like they're so far away. Like you haven't gotten to any of the ones I want to talk about yet. And I just feel like when are we ever going to get to these movies? This is the longest list on the planet. Uh, well, like I said, best damn horror preview of 2017. Okay, is it this well, one? Most, most extensive. Horror is it this one? Wait a second. Is it this one, Josh? This is the one you're looking for. Heretics. Heretics. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is so during the 17th century, uh, a young woman is saved from execution and led to a, um, is that a priori priori to repent of her sins, but discovers a greater evil lies within. This may already be released in other places, but I haven't found it in the U.S. yet. Okay. Josh, is the one you're looking for see the heretics 2017? Is that a totally different movie? I think so. This is Heretics with a K. H-E-R-E-T-I-K-S. Here's one, Josh. Is this the one you're looking for? The, th the Third Wave. stars. No. Is that the Chloe Grace Moretz piece of crap? No, this stars, this stars <laughs> Ellen Page, 
and it's a disease that turned people into zombies has been cured. The once now that's a new concept. Yeah, the once infected zombies are discriminated against by society and their own families, which causes social issues to arrive. This leads to militant government interference. So this looks like this is kind of interesting. This is a Kyle Bishop get excited about a movie. I, I think that'll be exciting. Is is any of this leading us to believe twenty seventeen will match twenty sixteen? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but wait. There's, there's more, Josh. There's a lot more. <laughs> okay. Josh, is this the one you're looking for, buddy? I'm, I'm here I'm here for you. It's called Death House. And it, the original writer of this is the Gunner Hansen himself, Leatherface himself. During an exclusive tour, a power breakdown inside of a secret prison known as the Death House sends two agents fighting through a labyrinth of horrors while being pursued by a ruthless army. Are you into it? Didn't Gunnar Hansen die? Yes. So, yeah. uh, yes. It's very interesting that they decided to make his screenplay into a film. Right. That's what they've done in it. After it, he passed away. D. Wallace is in it. Does that help? I think. Yeah. Never heard. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, no, she's good. I really doubt this is the one you're looking for, Josh, but sometimes you surprise me. This is called Five Nights at Freddy's. It takes place. I've heard of this. Yeah. Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I worked with a guy who was big into video games, and this pain in the ass told me this this whole game for two hours. He described this freaking five finger Freddy, whatever the hell it is, to me for two hours. This guy explained this game to me, and he told me they were making a movie out of it, and I. I feel like I've seen the movie. Okay. After talking to this guy, I've, there's no mystery left in this story. For me. Here, here you go. Would you recommend that we uh, stream it or <laughs> see the theater? I, I would. I would. Well, you know what? This, I, I'm telling you, two hours. Oh, he was explaining it. the game to me. Every character, mm. what they do, running down the hall, the whole nine yards with this with this Five Nights of Freddy. I. It was it was it was at work. I was at work, and this Dave. guy was just talking to me about this thing. It was one of the the single most bizarre experiences of my life. Dave, and he yes. The title, if you please, is Five yes. Nights at Freddy's. And oh, Five Nights at well, <laughs> pardon me, all over. But still, it it just doesn't. I know it's based on a video uh, game, is it not? Yes. Yeah, well, okay. uh, presumably. Now, let me. Okay, tell me if this sounds and familiar. I, feel, I don't. I never even have to play the game. I feel like I beat it because I know everything about this game. <laughs> for two hours, this guy was talking to me about it. So, so for Josh and the listeners who may not have heard, then this is. Um, it takes place in Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Okay, it's a it's a darker version of Chuck it's E. Like Cheese. A, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese, right? Thing. Yeah. Okay, and you got an anima, animatronic animal band performing kitty songs by day. And then goes on murderous rampages by night, and so you got to survive when while you're no, locked when inside. There's, when there's no when there's nobody in the restaurant. Yeah, so you got these furry <laughs> death machines that might jump out of the dark and kill you at any moment. That's oh, they do the... jump out, and I know exactly how they do jump out. I know exactly when they jump out. Okay, all right. Here's one then, Josh. Maybe this is the one you've been waiting for. It's called Cute Little Buggers. <laughs> It's a, it's a B movie. That sounds, that sounds like a Josh Legary movie if I ever Brother. heard one. It's a, <laughs> killing me. He loves gremlins. Come on. It's a B movie. Oh, God. And um, 
It says, it's gremlins meets hot fuzz set in the English countryside when hostile aliens crash. Tell you what, I like I like that combo. Right. Yeah, I know, gremlins right? Gremlins and hot fuzz is pretty cool. That's what I'm saying. So you got hostile aliens. They crash land on a local farmland. And the villagers at the summer ball get suspicious when the young women start going missing. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that ha- gremlins mean hot fuzz when neither has aliens? <laughs> well... You know what? I don't know. I don't write the press materials for these things. So <laughs> here, here's the next one. This is a riff, an obvious ripoff of the Freddy Krueger concept. It's called, and I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't say that. That's very derogatory. This is for people who love Freddy Krueger. Um, Mara, or okay, and it's criminal psychologist Kate Fuller. She's assigned to the murder of a man who has seemingly been strangled in his sleep by his wife. And the only witness is their eight-year-old daughter. Dun dun dun. Hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. Can I? Can I just uh, real quick, mm-hmm. Josh? Can you? Can you please tell us the movies that you're waiting for? Yeah, let's, I don't uh, think jo- I don't think Jay is ever going to get uh, find them. To be honest I, I, with I you. love I love trying to look for them. And <laughs> well, I've noticed because you said this might be it every time since I said that. <laughs> Is that just to pique my interest and then dash my helps in something? Well, I just think it's fun to try to find what the All movie right, is. Let's go, let's go. I'm excited. Here we go. You're right. you, did you really think, Jay, that Five Nights at Freddy's would be what Josh is waiting to Do you want to go, Josh? You can go ahead. Plug him in. No, no, you finish up. Okay, okay. He's, this, he's, this... He's, enjoy, he's enjoying your trying to get. <laughs> so well. This, this really might be it, though, this one. It's called Giantess Attack. And... <laughs> no, don't wait this this might not be real but t- two bitter tv stars grow to giant proportions due to a scientific accident and then they carry on battling destroying hollywood naked maybe it says <laughs> and and um so it's kind of an homage to like ultraman and electra woman and <laughs> 70s schlock so there's that one there's that one for you josh and then this one i definitely i really doubt that this is real it's called i was a teenage wear skunk and it's a (laughs) you doubt are real why are we going to the ones you doubt are even real because what if it is what if it is it's a comedy homage to the drive-in monsters of the 50s come on and in this one, this I would watch. You know what? Of all the ones you mentioned, that's probably the one I would. <laughs> I do, that's true. I would like to see. See, I, if they're not making it, somebody please make. I was. It's not real, but that's the one I right. like. That's yeah. that's right. So now, okay. So let me just say two more titles, <laughs> and then now this one also may not be real, but I hope it is because I love I love how stupid this is. It's called Killer. Pinata, right? And it's a it's it's a possessed pinata seeking to avenge the savagery that humanity has inflicted on his kind. Now, see that? Can, that, I, I, can I, I just I, tell you one I thing really no quick? Um, I was a teenage wear skunk is actually a 2016 release, and it's currently available on Amazon Prime. Awesome! <laughs> there it is. You can watch it. Right now, pinatas. Oh, I'm looking. There's the nothing scarier than pinatas turning against men. That's right. Yeah. Well, at least you already have a stick. 
I'm I'm li- I mean I'm looking forward to it. Okay. And then and then there's one called um Dead Trigger, just action horror. I have no other info on that. Okay. Well, that must be the that must be one of the ones, Josh. <laughs> is, is that the one? <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't heard any other information either, but it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so, just dead trigger. That sold me. I can't wait. Josh said that he's been waiting to give like 10 movies, and we're going to get them right now. But I just want to say one thing. I bet you, Josh, the reason for that, the reason we haven't hit them yet, is I have, I have parsed these out where, you know, the rest of what I have, I have like weird things that I think are mostly going to be thrillers. So I bet maybe it's going to be like a thriller type movie or things that probably aren't horror at all, but might be of interest to the horror community. So that's what I've got. Yes. Not quite like the horror of killer pinata. Exactly. So so go for it, Josh. Let's hear you're up. Okay. Let me talk about my two most outside the box first, as long as we're on that kind of tangent here. Um, I mentioned Shane Black is directing Predator, The Predator. Uh, from a script that he co-wrote with Fred Decker. Uh, that's not coming out till 2018, but the little bit of news that is just a little bit of hope that's going to carry me through this entire year is that before they left to start production on that film, uh, Shane Black and Fred Decker together wrote a screenplay for Monster Squad 2. According Ooh, to nice. yeah, according to Andre Gower, who plays Sean in the original Monster Squad. So for years they've been talking about remaking Monster Squad. In that time, Shane Black has become a big name again. He's been able to claw his way back into uh, the A list, and so I'm I'm hoping he can get uh, Monster Squad Two made. And you know what, Monster Squad Two actually appeals a little more than a remake. I think I would love to see a continuation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything from Shane Black and Fred Decker, I'll take a look at. The other one that is not kind of the most anticipated, but when I saw the trailer, it looked ridiculous and stupid, but then just stupid enough that I thought, eh, I might be interested in this. It's called The Night Watchman, and it's just Mm -hmm. about uh, some a group of idiot security guards. It's a horror comedy. Three inept Night Watchmen and a young rookie are caught inside a... uh, kind of um, office building when they're attacked by a horde of kind of killer vampire zombie clown things. So uh, it's a comedy and it looks dumb, but I was, I was actually enjoying (laughs) myself watching uh, the trailer for that one. Okay. Got those out of the way. These are the ones I'm really, really excited about. This one, I don't know much about. It's a French film. It's called The Transfiguration. Oh. It's about a kid oh. who's constantly bullied at school. And then when he comes home, he immerses himself in the world of the vampire. Ooh. That's all the information I have about it. Okay. Um, it's been doing film festivals. Larry Fessenden's in it. Lloyd Kaufman's in it. Which I don't know what to make of that exactly. <laughs> right, that's always a little bit, a little. But bit it looks suspect. interesting in the in the poster for the film, which by the way played at Cannes, has a young African American boy walking, and he's casting a shadow, and the shadow is in the shape of the um, classic Max Schreck uh, Nosferatu. So nice, really excited about the Transfiguration. I'm with you. Um, Prevenge is one that I'm interested in. It's uh, directed by. And written by Alice Lowe, who um, people would recognize mostly as an actress from stuff like Sightseers and uh, Hot Fuzz and The World's End and that kind of stuff. Um, Sherlock. She wrote and directed this film. 
It's about a widowed seven month pregnant woman who believing herself to be guided by her unborn baby embarks on a homicidal rampage, dispatching anyone in her way. Now, so I love that premise, but then I look up on IMDb and I see that it's also classified as a comedy. That makes me nuts. That's a scary you never, concept. You know what, though? You never know. You know it, it, sometimes IMDb is not always the most reliable That's to, true. to go by. So who knows? I, it doesn't, nothing about that premise sounds like comedy to me. No. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, even if it is comedy, you know, she's kind of in the uh, Edgar Wright world. I at least trust that that mm-hmm. brand of comedy is smart and kind of can still work with the genre. So Very true. Um, I feel okay about that. Okay. This is a huge one that came out of Fantastic Fest in September that people have been talking about and some people had on their end of 2016 list. It's called The Void. The poster looks so deeply disturbing to me. Um, I was dying to see this to make my 2016 and then found out, no, it wouldn't be out until 2017. Um, It's just been playing film festivals, started at Fantastic Fest. The premise, according to IMDb, is... In the middle of a routine patrol, Officer Daniel Carter happens upon a blood-soaked figure limping down a deserted stretch of road. He rushes the young man to a nearby hospital, um, staffed by a skeleton crew, only to discover that patients and personnel are transforming into something inhuman. That's the void. And if you look at the poster, it looks Mm. awesome. I'm I'm trying to look at the poster. It's very very strange. Is it the purple and red one? Yes. Okay. Okay. You've got you've got almost like this this mutant in the background, and then in the foreground, uh-huh. it's 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 like the Pan's Labyrinth hand with the eye on it, and the guy in the yeah yeah interesting. Almost looks like a Stuart Gordon. Film, yes. You know. Yes. It oh yeah. Like it's a from Beyond Castle yes. Freak kind of a absolutely. Thing. Uh, here's one I've been waiting for for like two years. It's called Another Evil, and this is like mumblecore people involved in a, kind of an exorcist or um, like kind of a house cleansing exorcism type of film, basically. Uh, the poster's awesome. It's been playing at film festivals for like two years. It says, after encountering a ghost in his family's vacation home, Dan, a modern artist, and his wife Mary hire an industrial-grade exorcist. Now it looks like a comedy based on the trailer, but it looks and you know it looks very like lo-fi and kind of that mumble, mumblecore style. But it looked really good, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm excited to check that one out. Um, I've mentioned Devil's Candy. We're just waiting to find out when we get a chance to see that one. Colossal is one that I'm really looking forward to. It's Anne Hathaway is the star of, mm-hmm. and the director is Nacho Vigalondo who we know from Open Windows and Time Crimes and ABCs of Death, particularly Time Crimes is just such a great Time movie. Crimes is awesome. Amazing. It really is a great movie. Not horror per se, right? But people should yeah, see it. it. I, it's borderline for me. It's bo- but, it yeah. is borderline. It, has a, it does have elements um, that I think you know bring it very close to horror. And I would say with Open Windows and ABCs of Death, he works around the horror genre. So it's horror adjacent, right. and kind of just in the – I think they're typically disturbing enough for me to consider them horror, but they're not maybe necessarily straight-ahead horror. Anne Hathaway is the star of this one. According to IMDb, a woman discovers that severe catastrophic events are somehow connected to the mental breakdown from which she's suffering. 
Uh, everything I've seen about this one looks awesome. That's going to be in theater hmm. April 7th, according to IMDb. I Am a Hero is one I'm really excited about. This made a few people's 2016 list as well. It was released uh, in Japan all the way back in 2015, but has not come out here yet. It is based on a popular Japanese horror manga. And Shannon had this at number one on Shannon's 2016 list. Other people like Juan said they're not even going to watch this because they like the horror manga so much. They don't want to mess up that experience. But I'm really looking forward to seeing I Am a Hero and that should nice. be sometime. The, in... the images look so good from this. Looks amazing. Yeah. yeah looks really interesting. Um, Bed of the Dead, I could not figure out if that was a 2016 or 2017 film. It looks ridiculous, but it's like this killer bed. And I remember seeing just the things <laughs> <laughs> online about it. Just look gruesome and disgusting and ridiculous, but kind of fun. So Okay. Uh, I thought that one might be worth checking out. Another uh, uh, Korean animated zombie film called Soul Station looks really good. Typically, I'm not an animated movie type of guy, but the style looks very interesting here. And um, this has, again, been playing film festivals and had a really strong response. It's called Soul Station, a South Korean animated zombie film that covers basically different groups of people Maybe more like what World War Z should have been. Different groups of people trying to survive a zombie pandemic as it unleashes itself on downtown Seoul. There are a few others. The Black Coat's Daughter. This is one for our oh, yeah. hey listeners. This is I've out. heard about that. Yeah, that was that another one that made some people's list? Yes. It's because it's been out in other countries, but has not yet come out in the United States. In fact, the director of the 2016 film um, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. That is his second film. This black coat's daughter is his first film, but for some reason we haven't been able to get it here yet. But, wow. uh, a lot of people really are enjoying this. It's supposed to come out this year. It stars Emma Roberts. Um, according to letterbox that says in the dead of winter, cat and Rose, two very different girls find themselves spending winter break at their prestigious prep school. What they don't know is that cat is being stalked by an evil entity. And so um, heard a lot of great things about that movie. Uh, the Girl with All the Gifts is one also that showed up on some 2017 lists, but is, um, you know, by our typical standard, a 2017 film has a sci-fi element to it. According to Letterboxd, a scientist and teacher living in a dystopian future embark on a journey of survival with a special young girl named Melanie. Don't know much about it. But uh, our friend Juan gave it four and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd, and a lot of our um, a lot of people have been very excited about that film. Uh, nice, nice. All the gifts. Pitchfork is one that's just been destroying at the film festivals. Uh, according to Letterboxd, a group of friends return home with a friend to help him share a secret, only to learn that sometimes old secrets are even more deadly. And the Poster for Pitchfork is one of the most disturbing posters I've ever seen. It's really like <laughs> gross. It looks a little low budget and uh, and cheesy, but potentially, but it also just looks super. Every, it's just every generation has its monster. Yeah. Oh, I love that. There's so, a couple others here. Jay, let her out is one, but the one that I am by far most excited about in 2017 is a Christmas horror film that premiered. A Fantastic Fest in September. 
It is called Safe Neighborhood. Yes. And it's directed by Chris Peckover, who, as I understand, is an HMP listener. This has been getting rave reviews. Uh, people are calling it The Intruders meets Home Alone. Or, the sorry, The Strangers meets Home Alone. And uh, that sounds great <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Description on IMDb says on a quiet suburban street, a babysitter must defend a 12 year old boy from intruders. And uh, mm. yeah, I, there's a little bit more there, but I'm not even going to look myself because I don't want it to be ruined. But this Quan said that this was one of the nice. movies of 2016 because he saw it at Fantastic Fest. Um, been getting rave reviews. I love that it's HMP listener that made it. I'm hoping that uh, Chris listened to some of our. Uh, Christmas horror episodes cool. influenced him a little bit. I know that Jay watched his film Undocumented, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I really liked it too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see that movie. But that that's my number one anticipated film of the year. Okay, yeah, and we don't know exactly right when that's when those are coming. He out. said no. it's going to be Christmas. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because these are ones Jay. I guess you wouldn't have got because they're all listed as 2016. Pretty much all the ones Jay uh, Josh has mentioned are listed on IMDb as 2016. <clears throat> yeah, but we noticed that. But but look at all the great movies in 2016 that were 2015. <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Where there's Dave. a movie called Party Night that's scheduled to come out, and the poster looks very similar to the poster of lost after dark and the premise is almost the exact same premise. So that seems weird to me. <laughs> wow. Six friends become prey for a sadistic psychopath when they decide to ditch their high school after prom party for their own celebration at a secluded house. That is almost, yeah, you're right. That's lost after dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What year is lost after dark? Pretty similar. Lost After Dark, I believe, is technically 2015. Yeah, it's just a couple. It's just a few years ago. It's re- very recent. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some movies are similar, like uh, No Escape and Green Room, for example. So, like, I'm just Brother. kidding. <laughs> yeah, look, at the, so. look at the poster of Lost After Dark and Party Night. And in fact, they're both reminiscent of obviously even more films. Um, maybe Blood Rage, but there's man, one of those. Early 80s slasher movies we did. Oh, I can't remember what it is now. It looked almost exactly like that poster too. But. Neat. Yeah, I just I I wow. You can get into all kind of things looking at posters. That's I saw a horror movie looks like a slasher that's called Laser. <laughs> I don't know when that's from, but it's I got into that rabbit hole there. So, anyways, thanks. Any more, Josh? Keep them coming. Those are the ones I'm most excited about. I saw a few other titles floating around, but um, nothing that really caught my attention. So, Okay. Well, just so really fast, I'll just run down. I'm not going to give like descriptions for these or anything, but these are thrillers that I think could cross over into horror a little bit. Maybe. It's one called Crossbreed. It mainly sounds like sci-fi action thriller. Um, that's interesting. And then there's one called Kidnap. It's a Halle Berry one. I saw the trailer for that, and it was very upsetting. Her kid gets kidnapped, and she tries to get her kid back. And it's a thrill. It's a thriller and everything. But here's the thing: if you saw that movie, The Call, with Halle Berry, that was way more engaging and um, intense than I suspected it to be. So this looks like it's along the same lines. So I am very interested in Kidnap. I think it comes out in March. 
then there's one called Unforgettable. It it looks like it could go into the horror realm, but uh, the trailer's terrible. Um, there's one called Before I Fall that looks exactly like Groundhog Day type premise where the same day happens over and over, but it's like thriller slash horror looking. <clears throat> I like that premise. Yeah? Well, the trailer kind of... You'll see it, Josh. You go see something in the theaters. It plays in just front about everything that's playing right now. But one of my most anticipated of the year, which I think is really just going to be a sci-fi thriller, but it's... Oh, I'm so excited about it. It's Life. Have you guys seen that trailer for Life, the space movie where they find mm. life on Mars? Yeah, I don't think so. <clears throat> it's your typical thing where life starts attacking them, right? <laughs> and then there's one, it's a drama thriller called All I See Is You, and then you got one called The Coldest City. And then, um, I don't think these are horror at all, really. So why am I mentioning them? Here's why. Ghost in the Shell, this anime, very famous, but, I mean, that, that robot looks creepy. I think it will have some creepy elements. Are they doing a live-action version of Ghost in the Shell? Yes, with... Scarlett Johansson and the trailer looks good. It looks really good. You know, when they made the matrix, they talked about Ghost in the Shell being one of their primary influences. So I'll be curious to see if there are any similarities between Ghost in the Shell and the matrix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's looking good to me. Now here's one that's totally a comedy, but when I, I didn't realize that at first when I, I saw the title and then I saw one of the poster images and then I read the premise. I'm like, wow, that's going to be one of my favorite horror movies of the year. But not so. It's called Snatched. Okay. And um, it's comedy, like I said. But the premise is horror. Like these. Uh, have, have you guys seen anything on that so far? Nope. I mean, it, this is uh, the reason nope. I bring it up on the podcast. And I'm sorry, because it's like almost 3 a.m. for Dave. <laughs> I wish my um yes, it is. My internet's sucking, so I won't go into it right now. But just look up the premise on it. These people get kidnapped, get put in a cage in the jungle and underground. Amazing, but it's comedy. And then The Dark Tower is Stephen King, of course, but it's really an action, adventure, fantasy, western type thing. Um, I thought The Circle looked like it had potential to be creepy but probably won't be the lost city of z supposedly has some cannibals in it um josh i love the premise to the snowman and that looks like that could be a little bit creepy if you read what's that about um basically there's a murder and they find the dead girl's um scarf wrapped around a very creepy looking snowman Mm. yeah yeah so yeah yeah i I think so too now the one I was dying to ask you about, actually, Josh, is not horror, I'm sure, but um, the remake of Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, man. I, you know, that's wow. in my wheelhouse. I know it's not technically horror, but right. I, I'm totally uh, excited about that one. That's not, um, that's a Kenneth Branagh film, mm-hmm. so that's the one downside for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like him. He's very talented, but he's also a little bit of an egomaniac, and I hate that he has to star in his own films because i don't love him as an actor uh, he's playing hercule perot too which just kind of frustrates me but what i love is that daisy ridley's in this michael pena's in this johnny depp's in this penelope cruz is in this josh gad william defoe judy dench michelle pfeiffer um so many great actors uh, and you know 
we've we've had this discussion on the message boards at HMP before, but you know, yeah, it would be nice if they did a different Agatha Christie novel since this one has probably been adapted the most, but there is the Pole Pro series on Netflix in the US right now. You can watch like, you know, a hundred episodes of Poirot. And uh, I think for an American audience, you probably need the name recognition of the story to get them in the audience. I don't think many of them are going to get pulled in by just an unknown Miss Marple um, story. So, <laughs> right. Right. I would be, but not just not your general American audience. And I'm sure they spent a fortune doing this with Kenneth Braun on that cast. So anyway, I'm really excited about it. I think uh, the cast is right and it should be a lot of fun to see an updated version of the story. Excellent. And then finally, Josh, finally, um, I did see that they were talking about another Ghostbusters, but I honestly don't think that the one that we just got this past year made enough money so i don't know if that's going to be happening it's bull they should totally do it i do too i think so too but anyways um before we go because i know we got to wrap up it's almost three for and and i know we had many other things planned but josh could you at least address one thing real quick um i know you saw ty west's in the valley of violence and i was dying to hear about that at least yeah um it's not a horror movie by my standard um you know, maybe you'll have to be the decision maker on that one because, uh, <laughs> you know, I can never guess what you're going to call a horror movie or not. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, you know, this is kind of along the lines of a bone tomahawk to some degree. It's a bloody tale of revenge. And, you know, this is a situation uh, where Ethan Hawke is this, you know, man without a name on the on the open prairie and he comes across this little town uh, and he uh he has some bad luck and he doesn't want to stay there he doesn't want to get into a fight he doesn't want to you know start any problems but it 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 happens and he can't get away from kind of his destiny here and um it you know the blood hits the fan and um this is probably my favorite john travolta performance i've seen in 15 years or so maybe since Pulp Fiction. This is my favorite John Travolta role. Mm. I I could possibly even say I'd have to go back and, and go over some of them. I think uh, I'm just scanning them. Okay. I like get shorty. That was a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, The thin red line. He was good in that. Yes. A face off is fine for an action movie. I get it. (laughs) I get why people like it, but this, yeah, this is my favorite John Travolta role. Then, since Pulp Fiction, um, Ethan Hawke is excellent. Tasia Farmiga is excellent. James Ransom is excellent. Karen Gillan is really good. They're all really good. Larry Fessenden has a small role here, and um, it's just one of those bloody <laughs> situations that you know that's just pure tragedy that also happens to be pretty funny at times. Wow! Um, Where'd you watch it on Amazon? I got it at Redbox. Uh, I just I picked it up at Redbox. Um, it is on Amazon for four ninety nine. Cool. Okay. Uh, but this is very accessible right now, and I thought it was great. I th- it's it's legitimately a western, even though it's made by Ty West and released by Blumhouse. So, um, you know, don't be fooled by that. I suppose, but okay. great, great little film. I would say <clears throat> the easiest comparison to me is something like Rio Bravo. 
where it's kind of just like gotcha. really contained, you know, and it's just like things go bad and it's just a shootout till the end, basically. You know? huh. Wow. Okay. It's fun. What did you rate it? Just curious. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of slight. Like there's not a lot to it, mm-hmm. but in terms of what's there, I liked everything about it. I don't think there was anything I really disliked. Um, it is pretty violent. It, the acting and story and writing are, are, are really good. It's not like it doesn't have the weight to me of something like the hateful eight. You know, this is just a lot. There's a lot less there to kind of consume. Yeah. Everything. Awesome. Uh, I'll go ahead and give this one a nine. Wow. And um, I think it's a must see rental. If you like Westerns, not, you know, this is not for everybody. If you don't like Westerns, you're probably not going to like this. But if if you're a dollars trilogy kind of person, this is right in your wheelhouse yes and i like ty west so all right well thanks for letting us know about that and it's not a horror film apparently okay all right and at this point in horror movie podcast we have a little surprise you probably noticed the episode was a a tiny bit later than usual wolfman josh and it's because you and i have uh reconvened here at a different time which is after Mm -hmm. the release of uh m night Shyamalan's new film which came out in theaters on Friday, January 20th. So here we are on Monday night, January 23rd, trying to crank this in and squeeze it into the episode. Yes. So, so thanks to thanks to Josh's encouragement, by the way. So if everybody's happy about this, it was all Josh. If people are mad that it's late because we squeezed in split, it was my <laughs> fault. <little> Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I was going to fall on my sword on that. So. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I wanted to, I just figured, hey, people are seeing it the day that the episode was supposed to release, and mm-hmm. we might as well try to get it in there and rather than wait two weeks. So That's right. Yeah, so at this point then, let's move into our feature review of Split. I was sent to get you for a reason. Open the door! There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom. Like, we're important. The only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. We're here! Help us! We're in here! Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. Listens to me, Josh. So maybe the first thing we should say. I'm going to have you um, lead them into it because a lot of people yeah. may have heard me on Movie Podcast Weekly already. But I just want to yeah. say what we'll do for the listeners is we're going to give a spoiler-free review, and then at the very end of our review, we'll give you a big warning and then go into spoilers and talk a little bit about that. If that's okay with everybody, so does that sound all right, Josh? Absolutely. And just to start out with that, even just kind of the general premise of the film, we'll give some minor spoilers. Just just describing what the story is requires that we talk about some minor spoilers. Um, I went in completely clean on this, not knowing at all what I was getting, and I was really excited by that prospect. So. Mm-hmm. If anyone else would like to have that experience, I would encourage that. It's the less you know about this film, the better. We're going to do our best to not spoil it, though. Right. Spoiler discussion. And so you didn't um, see the trailers then, Josh, before this? Before- I saw like 
I think the teaser trailer that just had like a couple of shots and then I thought, okay, I'm not watching anything else about it. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Split is a 2017 film directed by M night Shyamalan and starring Anya Taylor joy as Casey and James McAvoy as Dennis Patricia Hedwig, Kevin Barry Orwell and Jade among others. Um, as you can probably tell from that title and that description, James McAvoy is playing someone with a split personality disorder, or as they call it now, a what? What do they call it? It's now? a dissociative identity disorder (DID). DID. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, actually, which, I actually know someone in in real life with this, and not not to this extreme, but but yeah, I actually know someone. Um, I've met someone with it before and had kind of a shocking experience with it, but I don't know them. Uh, that well mm. and it was i my experience first of all let me say that this is dealing with a real disorder yeah and i know that um you know we we talked about this actually when we discussed the visit and so i was worried when i heard what this one film was about or when i sensed what this film was about man m night Shyamalan's just kind of like gonna go through all of the <laughs> disorders that make horror movies out of them he goes through the dsm-5 and yeah picking on people yeah but the the truth of the matter is is that although, yeah, the character here who is suffering from this disorder, um, you know, is the antagonist in a horror film. He still, actually, in my opinion, it manages to deal with this in a very empathetic way, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and I think it comes through James McAvoy's experience or uh, performance, the empathy that. Uh, the performer and the director and you know writer have for uh, someone in this situation. I don't think that they are taking it lightly, yeah. despite playing on you know horror tropes and really going for you know a disturbing thrill ride. It still manages to, from my perspective, from my very limited perspective, um, treat it respectfully. If that's if that's possible, mm-hmm. I agree with that actually. Yeah, because I wondered. It's like, okay, are people with DID are they going to be offended by this film? And and maybe maybe there's already been some outcry that I'm not aware of because, yeah, I mean, anytime someone's vilified like this with a particular you know challenge in their life, people get offended. But but I, I agree with you, Josh. I think he he did deal with it somewhat respectfully, even though he is quote unquote, the monster of the film. Yeah. If I could just digress for a minute and talk about my, my personal experience. And I don't know if you talked about your personal experience on movie podcast weekly. Um, do, do you want to get into that at all or, or not? We can a little go ahead. I'll follow your lead. Okay. So we've talked about before that I served a mission for my church in the Netherlands in Amsterdam. And, uh, I had this experience where we were teaching, a woman who had multiple personalities and, and told us about it on my first meeting and the other missionaries that I was with at that time, you know, had known her for, for a while longer than they'd been teaching her, but I was new to the city. And so I was meeting her for the first time and they didn't tell me anything about it. We just walked in. Like I thought I was going into a typical lesson situation and, um, got into a very heavy discussion about the abuse that this woman had gone through and how that had resulted in, um, 
having conversations with, you know, these different personalities and it kind of freaked me out at first. I'm going to be honest. And I hope that isn't offensive to anyone, but I mean, I was, it just took me so much by surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just kind of was in shock through most of that meeting. And, you know, I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm with a crazy person and I, we could get killed. And I was really, you know, probably offensively. So like really scared uh, in that situation, speaking to some of the different personalities that come up during our conversation. And I thought, wow, that was intense. And we got in our car and we were driving away from the church and we were driving on the highway, uh, the equivalent of the interstate, I guess, in, in Holland. When I looked over and saw that she was driving in another car, a couple cars away and something (laughs) about that blew my mind like that scared me to my core for some reason yeah because you thought you had gotten away like kind of gotten some distance between this person that alarmed you but no the person was still with you (laughs) and they're also just out in the world and Mm -hmm. and then how many more other people who are you know suffering in this way are also out in the world and the world just suddenly seemed like a not very safe place to me (laughs) now i will say later you know i i spent more time with her and gained a lot of empathy myself for her condition and really realized how much we all do a, a version of this. You know, we have mm-hmm. different sides of ourselves that we present in different situations, oh. different strengths and weaknesses that we present to deal with different, you know, situations. And I really related to her the more I talked to her about yeah, I mean, the, you know, when I'm speaking with my grandma, that's a different way that I'm going to be talking as, than if I'm in conflict with someone or if I'm at work or, you know, or whatever the situation might be. <laughs> and I really started to relate to kind of where she was coming from the more time I was able to spend with her. And so, sorry, really, Josh, what you said right there, though, a minute ago, you were quoting Billy Joel. He has a song called The Stranger <laughs> that is about that very phenomenon, how we all have a face that we take out and show, you know, depending on the situation. And so that's Billy Joel's song, The Stranger. Look it up. As I want to do. Yes. You know, <laughs> well, Billy Joel quotes. He's my favorite. So, no, I know. I know. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I've never intentionally quoted Billy Joel before, but I, I I'm happy that I was able to unintentionally yes. do so. Um, <laughs> you did that anyway. That was that was my brief experience with it. I I really had kind of a real life horror moment the first time I met someone with this condition, and then and then I was I found that I was able to um, gain empathy, and I really had a very similar experience watching the movie. It's presented in the in the beginning in a very scary way, and although the movie gets scarier as it goes my empathy grew as the film went on mm-hmm. yeah i think that's accurate and a credit to the film as well but yeah i mean since we're having a little bit of story time uh this is this takes a a very weird turn josh okay so so it's also affiliated uh, somewhat with my uh missionary church service i served a mission for my <laughs> church as well and when i was on my mission in arizona back at, back at home in West Virginia where I'm from this this young lady befriended my mom or my mom became friends with her and and because my mom missed me as a missionary you know, because I was gone from the house or you know for two, two years uh, 
um, she kind of took this girl under her wing as her like new kid, <laughs> just befriended her. And she was a girl who had um, a lot of problems and sad life. And um, the girls, you know, had stories of abuse and so forth. And she had this condition where she would have these switches of, of personality and you could, um, you could be talking to her and, and I had not met her yet at this point, but, um, you, my mom, the way she described it is you would talk to her and then you could see something visibly happen right before your eyes. And then you're like talking to a totally different person, even though it's the same body. Mm-hmm. Well, it was weird because she started becoming a pen pal and was writing to me and to make a long story short. And I, you know, I got to know this girl through letters. And then when I returned home from my mission, this girl was still kind of a part of my mom's life. And weirdly, um, she knew this, this girl knew a ton of things about me. And, and what had happened is I, I used to, instead of writing letters, I would send my mom cassette tapes about my, you know, adventures and so forth. And this girl had gotten into all of my stuff she kind of became, I don't know, and she went through all of these tapes and knew all this information about me. And we actually came to find out, it's a long story, so I will spare everyone, that she um, did not have <laughs> dissociative identity disorder. She was actually a um, a compulsive liar. And so she would, mm. she would assume this, this like, I guess, sob story or the sad story to get people's compassion. And then she would also try to like, I guess, intrigue people with this performance that she was doing. And that was horrifying in and of itself. But, but setting that aside, that experience, I I do have, um, I do have a relative who actually, um, has a, a degree, I, I don't know what the, the forms are, if there's like a milder version, but it seems to be a milder version of this dissociative identity disorder, which is as a result of, you know, traumatic experience. And because of that, you can actually, this person has like at least three different alters. And in order to cope with different parts of the person's life, it, you can actually see a different characteristic and personality and then it's just it's very mm. intriguing and and as you said I, I think you nailed it josh when you said there's a lot of empathy there that comes from seeing a person just i guess wrestle with that and suffer from that so yeah i mean going into this film split you do i mean he is frightening uh, the james McAvoy character but at the same time uh, people don't i mean people don't get this way you know they get this way because they're shattered or something awful or traumatic happens to them. So they are victims themselves. Yeah. Well, the film actually would argue against that, right? The film actually says that they're more evolved and, uh, mm-hmm. that, and that's, what's interesting. And, and I, you know, just to kind of put this to bed, cause I think it is important to acknowledge there are people who actually suffer from DID most of them are not going to be like the character in this film. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, just as Googling what, you know, what DID was, multiple articles came up about split saying what it got wrong and how certain medical professionals are concerned that this will exacerbate symptoms mm-hmm. for people suffering from DID. So 
we have to acknowledge that, but I, I do want to talk about the movie on its own terms right? as well. And since neither of us are professionals no. who really have any reason to be talking about that aspect of it, we'll leave that to the professionals and just concentrate on the movie at this point. Um, and I'm sorry for, for the time we did spend on that, if that was boring to anyone, but I just, you know, those were our personal experiences on, on the topic. I, I thought it was interesting. I was glad to hear yours. Well, yeah. And you bring that to the table and it really affects the way you receive the film. Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in this film, James McAvoy in one of his many characters that he plays and and he embodies 23 or 24 different characters, um, within this one man, but he actually only plays eight or nine of them, I guess on screen is what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to actually see the physicalization of eight or nine of them. And James McAvoy's performance here is Oscar worthy. I'm just going to say that. Agreed. I mean, it's one of the best performances I've ever seen. It's a very showy performance. And I understand that, you know, a lot of some of the best acting is the stuff that's still unquiet, but he, he's not, over the top here. He's really, I mean, he is a, a couple in a couple of the personalities, a couple of the alters, but man, he does such an amazing job of transforming himself uh, right, throughout the course of the film. Right before your eyes, Josh. I mean, yeah. And actually like it's even during a close up where the camera will be up in his face and he will mm-hmm. transform like right before you where he has a whole different um, not just personality, but persona and like a nuance to his movements and mannerisms. Physicality, yeah. It, it's incredible. It really is. It really is. is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. And he does such a good job with it and um, is enough to see the film, in my opinion, just yes. his performance alone. Agreed. Having said that, M. Night does an incredible job of directing this film. It's beautifully shot in, and it feels like, you're going to be in kind of this dungeon movie atmosphere that as you know, when we talked about pet, um, you know, a few episodes ago, I was just, I was not enthusiastic about seeing that film just based on that general premise, even though, you know, I understand it evolves and goes other places as well. So when I got into this film, I thought, okay, so we've got this guy, he's a kidnapper. He's kidnapped some young ladies, including Casey, you know, who's kind of the main girl Mm -hmm. and he has them here in his dungeon area and who knows what he's going to do, but something terrible is coming. We're told he's coming for you. He's on the move. He's done terrible things to other people and he's going to do terrible things to you. And, um, that's very scary, (laughs) but the film kind of goes out of that almost instantly and i thought oh interesting we're not going to spend the whole time in that world and i thought well i wonder if that will relieve a lot of the tension and it did for a minute but this film maintained a lot of tension throughout i mean it was tense i was on the edge of my seat most of the time Mm -hmm. i saw this with my wife she's not a horror fan and so she's a lot more sensitive to some of this stuff. She was out of her mind. I mean, she this was like the scariest and most disturbing thing she'd ever seen, probably. <laughs> For me, it wasn't that big a deal. But it, in terms of, you know, the content wasn't as disturbing just because we're, you know, desensitized ourselves to all the horror movie watching. Well, and it's it, PG-13 as well. I mean, it's a little right. tamer. But, he, but the tension is there, mm-hmm. you know, and it is palpable. And um, he does so just beautiful things with the camera, very nuanced things to match the changes in the performances. 
and to um, the geography in this situation is interesting because sometimes you're completely disoriented and it works for that moment. Other times you really have a sense of place and where you are and how things are laid out and how that might um, affect the character. And we're kept in the dark a lot of times with the character, which I really like. There's um, a little thing that they did where they just kind of never say where he works. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you noticed that, but like yeah. through the dialogue, they're always kind of like your place of work or, you know, here at my place. Or how did you get our, you know, access to our building? Like you, the audience is kept in the dark just as much as the, as the characters as to where exactly they are and mm-hmm. how might they be able to get out of the situation that they're in. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to say Betty Buckley as the psychiatrists in the film, she's really good as well. Yes. And I mostly know her from the happening, which I would say that she's one of the best parts of the happening and just terrified <laughs> me in the happening right. here. She has so much pathos and sympathy and empathy for everything that's going on here. And she really, her concern for the James McAvoy character and love for him, despite all of his faults, uh, and worry about what he might be getting himself into, I think allows us to um, see him as a person in a way that we maybe wouldn't be able to uh, without her character. Wow. That's great insight. Wolfman. man, I totally agree. And yeah, I think that is how, um, how he, he is opened up into being this human. You see the humanity of him through her eyes. So excellent mm-hmm. observation. Yeah. And, and, man what eyes she has i mean she just has so much in them and her performance is just really touching and um and beautiful as are all three of the main performances they're all just so good and um i i really can't say enough about this film you know we talked about i as i was going to see this film like thursday and friday before i saw it you know i i would see these tweets or, or news blips from kind of mainstream media that said M night Shyamalan is back. And I thought that bugs me. That's so annoying. He was back at least with the visit, you know, oh, you, guys yeah. just don't, you guys just don't care about found footage, faux documentary stuff. You know, <laughs> I was just kind of a little horror chip on my shoulder there, mm-hmm. you know, going to see this, but man, you know, this is a step up from the visit as much as I like the visit in terms of the filmmaking craft, I, I love the visit, but I have to put this above it because um, this is the quality of cinema that I think wowed all of us about M. Night Shyamalan before there was the backlash and before he started sucking. You know, like when we when everyone kind of fell in love with him initially, this is what he was doing that really, I think, um, earned him all of that praise that he got. Yeah. Early on in his career. Yeah, I agree. I mean, technically, this film is extremely well executed. And um, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, just for to put it out there for people, I mentioned that it is rated PG-13. And like if I were to classify this as we do, I would call it a drama first, a thriller second, and a horror third. And I do think it definitely has horror elements in it. Um, but I do think really? that... Yeah, I, I certainly. Yeah. And in fact, I encouraged um, <laughs> I encourage my mom knows what a big fan I am of M. Night Shyamalan. So I, I encouraged my Necromomicon to go check this out. And she actually saw it today. And after she saw it, she's like, why would you call this horror? She because she considers it mainly a thriller. 
And then I was citing certain. (laughs) Yeah. You believe that? Isn't that funny? And, and, And so I cited some specifics, but I mean, yeah, we do, we do have, um, you know, violence in this film, but, um, most of that happens off screen and, and there's some aftermath, but I mean, I think that some of that imagery is strong enough, even though it's not like viscerally explicit, like right in your face for the most part. I think it's strong enough what's happening in the film that I do classify it as horror. But I think for a lot of horror yeah. fans, it'll be on the milder side. And honestly, that's why... Oh, that surprises me. In, in terms of scariness, Josh, for me, I actually prefer The Visit. I thought The Visit was scarier to me than this wow. film. Yeah, I disagree with everything you just said. Oh, really? Okay, let's hear yeah, it. I mean, I let's think I think this is far more disturbing, far scarier. I mean, yeah, there. I guess there's less on-screen violence, but I wouldn't have noticed that to be honest, because it, what's happening is so disturbing. It's kind of on the edge of the frame, I guess. A lot of it. Yeah, that's um, true. The PG-13 rating never bothered me. Um, and and any point that I can think of, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you had maybe had a couple of uh, clear shots of the gore maybe it would have been a step more disturbing yeah like what if it had been r though wouldn't you have loved i mean just as a horror fan wouldn't you have loved this a lot more if no. he had been able to go farther no because i didn't i didn't miss it one bit i was super freaked out and i didn't <laughs> there wasn't a there was not a moment where i thought oh i wish this had gone further like i never felt that once hmm Okay. I think the tension made up for that because I was so unease, ill at ease during uh, my viewing of the film. Now, I don't think Knight shoots for horror films, actually. And I think he does shoot for thrillers. He's he's at least um, in that group of directors that is kind of afraid to call himself a horror director. <laughs> you know, he calls himself a thriller director because I think it's safer as a career move for him. Yeah. Um, he gets more respect, but he's also a genre bender, which I really love the guys like Quentin Tarantino, where they are really working in the field of horror, but they're, they don't care, um, enough about that classification to, for it to stop them from bringing in, bits of a Western or bits of a comedy or bits of a drama. And they're going to just going to do what's best for their story. I will say for me, the last three scenes of the film undercut the horrific nature of it. And so <laughs> even, especially the last two scenes, I would say, okay, the movie for me kind of let me off the hook for the horror film. I would have much preferred a completely ambiguous ending. And I think if had it ended there, it would have been more horrific for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but those last three scenes, I think in particular, just kind of uh, let you kind of ease out of that, that tension in a way that I did. I didn't appreciate, but I imagine that is what makes the film so palpable for mainstream audiences. And there's a reason that this got number one at the box office last week and $49 and all that stuff. My theater was almost completely filled. I mean, it was really packed and it was, it seemed to be very well received. I mean, a lot of it, was teenagers you know like i don't know 14 yeah. to 18 or whatever i mean it was it's a lot of teenagers in that theater but um I, I do i see what you're saying i think that yeah the mainstream audience like for example my mom doesn't like horror films but she enjoyed this pretty well and it sounded like your wife was kind of scared by it i know my wife couldn't t- take this this is too much for her but I think that for the general hardcore horror fan, I think I agree with you. They'll find it suspenseful 
But um, at least for me, it was a little underwhelming in the horror department. I wish it had more, yeah. but but I knew, like you said, M. Night Shyamalan, he, he goes for more of the, the thriller angle, and yeah, I can appreciate that. I just think that. there are different types of horror, and I think um, this worked on me psychologically, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't viscerally in my face, I guess. Yeah. Well, it seems like, and, and this is a... This is an exec- a matter of execution, I think. But when you have tension built in a film that's carried, it's almost like a, if you think of a musical performance, like an orchestral performance, where yeah. there's tension in the music and the note is building, building. You're looking for a crescendo, and this does crescendo somewhat, but I, I just, I don't know, for me, yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, I mean, it crescendo, I'm, I'm speaking like the, the gore, the gore and violence payoffs. I mean, yeah. the, the violence payoffs aren't because here, here we have a a being who is who is absolutely terrifying. I agree with that, and there the tension is there because we get the sense as viewers we know how dangerous he is. We can tell that this this dude is super dangerous, and so I I looked for I guess the the answering of that or the demonstration of just how dangerous. And I think they do try to demonstrate it, but some of it is almost over the top for me, Josh. The last scene with that character I thought was as terrifying as anything I would have ever anticipated from that character. Like the last kind of scary scene, I should Mm -hmm. say with that character. Um, Yeah. I mean, I will say just as a horror viewer, I thought, Oh, are we getting going to get a beastly freak out of this film? <laughs> I, I I was expecting a where I was anticipating a werewolf film, and I don't know if it was one of our listeners had said this early on. I remember Red Cap Jack mentioned it um, when the first teaser dropped. He said, "I bet this is a an M Night werewolf movie," and uh, there are a couple of hints toward uh, something beastly, a uh, beastly freak throughout the early parts of the film, like a drawing in particular. When I saw that, I was like, "Ooh." Mm-hmm. Is, is M night doing a werewolf film? But, <laughs> and I, and so there is definitely a part of me that thought, I hope that's what this is. I hope that's where this is going. Um, but you know, I, I also realized even as I was hoping that, that he's probably not ever going to do anything like that. So, uh, I kind of had to be okay with that, you know? And then, and so, yeah, I guess as a horror fan in that sense, I was a little let down, but I, I think, um, the, the crescendo for me was perfect. Like, well, the okay. scene with like some, you know, bars involved and stuff like, I'm yes, blown away. Yeah. And I, I think, um, what he, what he's trying to illustrate there. I mean, that was cool on one hand, but also I think there are limits to how far you can push things, but we'll get to that in the spoilers because I think that maybe that's why, but okay. So let me kind of blow your mind for a second about my perspective on this, Josh. Cause I know that I, I sometimes, um, <laughs> what bewilder people with my opinions. So here's one example on <laughs> honestly, as tense as his character is, the scariest elements of this film came to me, not from him, but from other scenarios. I mean, we, we have, um, we have a backstory subplot that involves a, a little girl and a hunting trip oh. with her father and her uncle. And, and yeah. honestly that just that whole subplot, I mean, M night Shyamalan is just infamous and, and really good at this. He, he builds and, um, nurtures his story so that when when he takes you where he's going all the information he's giving you along the way 
adds up to something. And, and that's just, that's good filmmaking, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, many filmmakers do this. But in this this subplot story, it, it just, it affected me in a, <laughs> in a, I don't want to say traumatic. That sounds too dramatic. But um, it, it resonated with me and really bothered me. And, and It's to, quite disturbing. Yeah, to quote Dr. Shock, I mean, Dr. Shock always says, it got to me. And it really did get to me that. Yeah. I wish I just mm-hmm. while you're on that, I wish that had that was the thing I wish had paid off a little bit more. I felt like um, the setup for kind of some, I don't know, maybe this is a spoiler discussion talk, but this kind of the things that were set up for her character in terms of being a heroine or final girl, mm-hmm. I thought um, would pay off a little bit more and that I didn't feel like they did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We should talk about that more, but, but also the, the other aspect was it was just a, another human threat and mm-hmm. and that's that was more backstory and it had to do with like a bed or under the bed and um that's it, it was just mm-hmm. a really brief moment but it, it yeah. scared me out of my mind and I'm like because because <laughs> what what you're seeing there is like real stuff that yeah. um r- real people face in the real world and Josh that it destroyed me on some level I think M night is so good at finding our worst case scenarios mm-hmm. and just like the most scary thing you can think of happening in your, in a real world scenario. I mean, yes. I've, I always think about him talking about the inception for his idea for the sixth sense and that opening scene, particularly of the sixth sense with Bruce Willis and his wife coming home. Oh yeah. And how he, he was just a little boy and they went to, they were coming home in their family car and the front door to their house was open when they got home. Mm-hmm. And he just imagined a crazy man sitting on his bed, like in his house or something like that. Yes. And that, I, that stuck with him his entire life until he was able to put it into a movie. <laughs> and I think this movie has a couple of those things that are just those types of things that you think about in the dark. And you're like, what would be the scariest thing that could happen to a child or to me or to my daughter? Yeah. Or, and he nails those. Yeah. <laughs> Worst case scenario. And then, yeah. And that's what happens. I agree. So you like, uh, it sounds like we love the performances. And and by the way, can I just say, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I, I think, I mean, I was a fan of her in The Witch. And, and I think she's tremendous in there and she's a really young actress she's like 18 or something 18 or 19 ish mm-hmm. very young but i i think there is there is something about her her performances where she carries a lot of emotional weight and in this film i was so i mean she's one of my favorite characters even though there, there's not a, she's not a complex character there's not a whole lot to her but she's one of my favorite characters that I've seen in a film in a long time, Josh. I mean, I, I just, mm. I love, I loved her and, and I, I'm so with her as a character. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like really connected to her? Yeah. Again, that was kind of the thing I wish had paid off a little bit more, but I was along with her on the ride the entire time until kind of the end. I was more blown away by the therapist, I think, um, in this film, particular film. But I like her. She reminds me of kind of an Elle Fanning. I think they do a lot of similar kind of work in terms of just um, the presence that they have on screen. They can do a lot without saying much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and She kind of reminds me of Elle Fanning a bit. I, I like her 
look, I think, even better than Elle Fanning. So I, I can imagine um, enjoying her. I didn't see Morgan, but um, uh, The Witch and uh, Split, I thought she was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Morgan was pretty good, actually. I was I was pleasantly surprised with that one, too. But, um, yeah, with... <laughs> We were talking about performances still. So back, one more thing on the James McAvoy. I mean, and this is for people who saw the trailers. I think this is even in the teaser trailer. But, um, you know, a couple of the altars that he plays, like there's a, a, nine, a nine-year-old boy, and I have a nine-year-old son, and that performance is just dead on to me. I mean, it's pretty, comi- <laughs> it's actually comedic, but the way that he captures the randomness of children Oh yeah. And, and, and just like the flighty and like squirrel, you know, like the way they just (laughs) jump from one thing to another. I mean, he nails that. And I, I was saying on a movie podcast weekly, I just really think that he, he must have either, he must have like a a nephew that he hung out with a lot or studied some kids and just watched videos of kids and how they interact and how they talk. Cause that's right uh, on the money. I now, hmm, I don't remember the specifics. I saw an interview with him. I, cause after I, saw the movie. I, I thought, I thought I liked it when I walked out. I was like, yeah, it was good. It was all right. It was pretty good. And then I slept on it and I kind of dreamt about it all night. And I was thought about it like halfway through the day, the next day. And I was like, <laughs> man, that really affected me more than I thought. Yes. And then I started watching interviews all day the next day. And I, you know, watched a bunch of M night interviews and Anya Taylor joy and James McAvoy. Anyway, one of them, I don't remember if he said he's a seven-year-old son or he's around like a seven-year-old nephew, but he said he's around a seven-year-old a lot. And then all of that seven-year-old's friends, I can't remember if it was his son or someone else related to him, but he took bits and pieces from each of these kids. Yes. Like he, he talked about how one thing he was doing with his hands was just this kid that he knows that's like seven years old <laughs> does that all the time. Clearly, you know? I, I knew it. I knew that was in there because it is so authentic that it's like yeah. he is absolutely channeling you know somebody he's seen in real life. Um, yeah. the, the other thing that he nails 100%, and I'm... I know that I'm not qualified to say to say this as a male, but like <laughs> in, in altars, obviously in altars, there are male and female altars. And he, there's a performance he does as a woman that is um, I cannot believe how well he captures, I don't, I don't know, like a, a feminine disposition or like the way he holds his mouth or react. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I was astounded by that. I cannot believe it. What did you think? I mean, I think just again, like the transformation of his physicality was what was so impressive. And again, Mm -hmm. I saw him talk about that in some of his interviews about how he would, you know, drop his shoulders down to, to lessen kind of, you know, the male shoulder structure and then hold his mouth a certain way. And when he held his mouth a certain way that changed, you know, the muscles in his mouth, changed the muscles in his nose, changed the muscles in his eyes, his forehead. And he's like, they're just little things, but they... They build on top of one another, you know, for these characters. And Neat. I was really, yeah, I was really, really impressed. I can't really say enough about him. Um, and yeah, the altar thing, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. I, you know, I've been watching the TV show, the Americans lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but no, I haven't. Um, basically you've got in that show, these Russians who are undercover living as Americans, but they're spies. And so what you have a lot on the show is, actors you know playing civilians who are acting and so you have a performance within a performance nice. where someone who's a non-actor is giving a performance and i always find that interesting because how well 
does a good actor portray a poor actor? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. And so, uh, you know, that's one of the most interesting things to see about um, the way he does these altars is he just plays them all like real people. He mm-hmm. plays them like as though they're just different, completely different characters, not as though he's acting. And of course, uh, you know, we haven't talked about this, but in DID or multiple personality disorder, there is some debate and they talk about this in the film as to whether or not it actually even exists or if people are faking it. Yeah. You know? And so I like that he made the decision that he was just going to play them as separate people, except there's except. A, a, yes. a situation where one, one of the altars is playing another altar and you and I could feel a level of <laughs> acting within that, which was so interesting to to see. I mean, that's mind blowing, brilliant. Yeah. No, serious, mind blowing. Yeah, because yeah. in in case people didn't understand what you're saying, I mean, you have. <laughs> Sorry, that was not. Very no, well no, I just want to back you up here. You have you have him playing a character on the screen, like so, the actor James McAvoy is playing a character who is in turn behaving and acting like another character so his character is acting like one of the characters in and you do sense it you can you can see the layers as a viewer and i think he wanted you to see it and it's it's blew my mind he he needs an oscar for this i'm not joking like like when you watch waiting for guffman the actors are playing the the character and then they go on stage and perform and then they play those characters performing another character (laughs) and it's just it just gets so complex as a performance and it's so interesting to watch speaking of alters Mm -hmm. if i could just briefly yes brad william henke um who plays the creepy uncle i'm you know i know him most from eduardo sanchez's film altered and um of course he's been in a million things but i thought as the creepy uncle he did a really good job just for the small part he had he was truly disturbing yes yeah yeah and that's that's another thing I love about horror movies in general, which is another reason why I would argue this is definitely a horror film is because in horror films, a good horror film, the horror will come from different angles. It's not always just one shark jaws or you know one alien. Sometimes there are different facets of horror in the characters' lives, and this does that as well. Yeah. Okay, so... um anything else for people who have have not seen the movie josh and they want to just kind of get a sense because i think what we should do is we're kind of wrap this portion up and rate it for people who haven't seen it yet so we can give them our ratings and recommendations and then move into the spoiler discussion great the only thing i would say here is i think there are a lot of layers and so i think this is a film that will benefit from repeat viewings or from at least thinking about it a lot and letting it kind of kind of sit with it after you watch it. Cause for me, it resonated quite a bit. And I realized as I got away from it a bit, there's actually more to it than I had initially kind of perceived. And I haven't seen it again, but I just really sat with it. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I just think there's a lot there. And I think it's a very rich film and I look forward to seeing it again. And I, I, I believe that this will reward repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. So, so what do you rate split? So had I walked out of the theater and rated it right then, I may have given it an eight. That's kind of what I was thinking when I walked out of the theater. To be honest, <laughs> a couple days later, I'm giving this a 10. <laughs> and I'm going to say see it in the theater and buy it. Wow. A 10 yeah. out of 10. 
I, you know, I, 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 because there was a moment where I thought it's good, but it's kind of a, a gag. Like it kind of just depends on James McAvoy's performance. And if he didn't have that, would M not even have a movie here if it wasn't for that. And then I realized as I thought about it more, actually, yeah, he does an incredible job directing the film as well. Yeah. And he, he gets lucky that James McAvoy also turns in, you know, a career, defining performance on top of that. So you have a lot of things, you know, firing, I guess to, for that to be, I guess, I don't know. I don't know why we would count it as less if it's luck, (laughs) but for whatever the reason is, um, (laughs) they both brought their a games and you know, the combination of that is something extremely unique I, I do have problems with it, and I think I just had knocked it down a bit too much for those problems, and we'll talk about those problems in spoilers. Okay, that sounds good. Wow, so Wolfman Josh gives Split a 10 out of 10 to so see it in the theater and buy it. And you're going to be mad at me, Josh. I mean, I just, you know, talking with you about this film, you know, helped me be excited about it and everything. But but honestly, I, I do have some some issues with it as well. And, and no, I don't hate the cinema, everybody. I just, I'm not trying to nitpick it, but there are some, I don't want to call them failings, but things that I wish were different about it that would have made it a more powerful experience for me. I mean, for when I'm rating a horror film, it's about how far it pushes me to that edge of either just like being unsettled or scared or upset. And, and I think this movie I felt it pushing me there really far and really fast, and then it kind of stops, and it doesn't take me as far as I want. I I can't say enough about James McAvoy. The performances in this, I mean, he deserves an Oscar. His performance is a 10. I agree, Josh, with you about the the technical prowess of M. Night Shyamalan. That's like 9.5-ish, 10. He does does a lot of close-ups in the face, and I almost think that um, it's a tiny bit distracting. It's a little overkill, hmm. but I'd still give him like a 9.5 technically, but I'm saying the film overall for me is a get everybody's going to freak out and be mad is a 7.5. <laughs> I, I say, see it in the theater for sure. And for me, this is a buy because I'm an M night fan. I love his work, uh, but I'm predicting that for most horror fans, I, I think that it would be more of a rental for them. So I'm going to say 7.5, see it in the theater and rent it. However, wow. I, will, I will be buying this myself. So I don't get it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's just a little, you know, it's a little under. It, it, it just didn't go as far as I thought it would. And I have problems with the in which we'll talk about. Not, right, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, so right now, if you haven't seen Split, we're going to go into major plot spoilers. We're going to kind of spoil everything basically so I, I would recommend and it sounds like josh would too that you would definitely see the film first yes. <laughs> before you listen to this because this would take some some wind out of the sails as is common with m night Shyamalan's film so here we are in spoilers josh what do you want to talk about first i mean the thing that ruins this for me is that this is an unbreakable sequel and part of the unbreakable universe and I don't need that and or want that. And I don't like I, I don't like just having an extra scene where the bullets have bounced off of Dennis. I, I hated that scene uh, or Ke- Kevin, I suppose, uh, the beast, 
potentially mm. for me those scenes and then also just not having a strong scene with anya taylor joy's character casey um at the end i really wanted her i wanted to see the payoff for her hunting um lessons that she had and the trauma that she'd gone through and that felt really important while we were watching the movie mm-hmm. and then ultimately didn't really pay off for me. Like it didn't give her greater knowledge. Now, of course it saved her life, the trauma that she'd been through. Mm-hmm. So per- per- perhaps that's enough, but just the lesson that the father even gives about shooting. I thought, yeah, okay, this will, this will be important in the film. I agree. I thought that too. And especially the fact that he's emulating animals you know, wild animals that would have come in handy. However, I thought, you know what? M Knight was doing us a solid and he was just making a credible setup and payoff where the setup was that, Hey, this girl knows how to use a rifle. She can use a gun. Yep, yeah. She can use it. So that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I just, I, you know, he, he's a little bit on the nose with a lot of his setups and payoffs. They are right. Um, just, classic cinema 101 moves though so you know people praise pixar for doing the same thing which i don't get you know they it's in marvel or whoever they they just do the very by the numbers this is the setup this is the payoff yes and it's and, and edgar wright people praise edgar wright for the same thing and um and yeah in some senses it's perfection in storytelling in other ways you can kind of see the artifice of it. You see, okay, well that's a seed and then we'll bear the fruit of that <laughs> like later on in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't wait for that, by the way, uh, you know, yeah. it's coming because it's M night and you can see what he's doing. I couldn't wait to see that. I guess payoff. that's why, like I, I had accepted that that's the type of film universe that I'm in. And I, you know, and I appreciate all of those people I talked about. Um, but then when it didn't come, I was kind of like, what? Why, where, why not? Why not have that scene where she has to sh- track him and shoot him? That seems perfect, mm-hmm. you know, for what yeah. we need to happen. Anyway, that's a minor nitpick. The real thing for me is uh, connecting it to Unbreakable is fun. It, you know, as a fan of Unbreakable, I'm excited about seeing an Unbreakable two where we can see the Beast and Mister Glass face off. Well, in he would David Dunn. He would be the Horde. That is his oh, super yeah, villain horror. name. And I'm fine with that. But what I do say is that uncut, undercuts the horror. I think if they had ended right. on Anya Taylor joy and her taking kind of a stand against her uncle or even, even just, you know, being checked out in the ambulance and, you know, the EMT discovering her wounds and then the uncle showing up together. I think that would have been enough for an ending that could have been really powerful and then let the ambiguity of his characters not there. We don't know what's, you know, where he is. That would have been to me a better horror movie ending just to leave the kind of fear hanging in the air a little bit more with all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they handled her thing. Okay. It was fine. I don't think it respected her character and just a, enough. I just wanted a little bit more from her. Yes. It would have been more on the nose, Yes, I, I appreciate the ambiguity, but I would have just I would like to see her character change just a little bit more to kind of like do something about her situation. Like get to see her do that would have been a little bit of a payoff that I would have appreciated. Sure. It was fine how it is. But the I do think that the unbreakable stuff and the bulletproof stuff um 
just kind of sucked all of the scare out of the end of the film for me, which that would be the one thing I would say um, was a disappointment as a horror fan. Yes, I would have also liked to see the beast. I would have liked for him to go a little bit more beastly where he actually changed his body chemistry because they tease us and say they do he can change his body chemistry. And we see that. And again, I think that's just credit to James McAvoy that he is able to act in such a way that he looks like a different person. And clearly they did some things to him with either makeup or CGI with the veins and kind of like, right. You know, he, he did look like he was ripping out of his body a little bit, but just going a hair further with that. Yeah. That I would have appreciated. I was okay with the rest of the beast though. And I think that last scene in with the, in the bars where he pulls those bars open and he's talking to her about how the broken are the more evolved. And mm-hmm. that is terrifying. That is the scary. He is so scary in that scene. <laughs> and at the same time, like you see like there's empathy there and, and like the best of villains, you understand why he's doing what he's doing, even though he's completely insane and terrifying. Yes. Um, and just blood dripping out of his teeth. And the whole thing is just so brutal and scary. I, I loved, but, loved all of that. but Josh, there is a problem with that though, that, that whole, I mean, cause at first when you're learning about, okay, He's saying that she's the pure and she has suffered and that was kind of cool. But when you it's dangerous, it, that's but, that's even scarier to me. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say this really quick. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous idea. You know what I mean? To put out into the world. And that's why he makes him a villain. That's what makes him the Joker is that his right? philosophy, although you can see the logic in it, is a dangerous philosophy. It's a scary philosophy. But the problem is for me that it, it's Magneto. It's X-Men. And the, it's an unfortunate coincidence that it happens to be James McAvoy cast in this movie. <laughs> and so... And it's an unfortunate coincidence that you have a semi-realistic superhero universe here with the the unbreakable tie-in. And then this is this is another reason why I, I took off some points on this is just because it is um, kind of an X-Men <laughs> riff on this where we mutants are the, the better beings. We're superior. And... That's great, though, I think. I, 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 I like uh, that. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I, I liked it in X-Men. I mean, I, and I like it here, but it just seems redundant or something. But go ahead. I, what were you I, mean, I, I think it's a little bit different. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's the same thing. Like, because they're not a mutation. They're not the next evolution. They're people who who we see as broken. I mean, yeah, I get, I, I get that there's a parallel there. And it's also, by the way, an intentional parallel because he's making a superhero movie. So Yeah, um, yeah, clearly. Which I didn't know he was making, and I don't. I didn't believe he was making until those last three scenes. Um, I thought it was a horror movie, and I thought it worked as a horror movie because I think, although, although there's hope in his ideology and his beliefs, as they call it in the film, although there's hope in it and there's a beauty to it, it's also really dangerous for society that that be, uh, um, you know, something that we buy into. I guess. Well, I just want to make a prediction here. Like, for, first of all, let me speak to the Unbreakable tie-in. Um, yeah. When I heard the, the, the soundtrack, that drum beat, uh, mm-hmm. the Unbreakable drum beat, I, I recognized it immediately. And I wrote in my notes, um, this is the Unbreakable soundtrack. And, and it took me a second. <laughs> but then I realized what was happening, that he was tying it together before I even saw uh, Bruce Willis as David Dunn. 
And yeah. and then the more I thought about it, because I left the theater and I'm like, oh, okay, so are we going to see a movie where we see Bruce Willis's character take on the horde, you know, and yeah. this is this is M. Night's like cinematic universe of superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I think that ultimately, Josh, and I feel good about this, actually, if this is the case. I think that that tie-in is ultimately a little Easter egg, kind of like we get from Quentin Tarantino where he ties his films together. And I actually don't think that this will be, um, you know, sent into other movies. I don't think there will be a continuation Mm. of this. I just think he was putting in an Easter egg in there for the fans, and it's a little bit of a surprise. Everybody always expects him to do a twist, and he didn't do a twist this time, but he did a surprise and I, I just think that's what he was doing. I don't think there's a lot of twists. I think there's twists all throughout. I don't think, well, I think he's been falsely kind of paired with the one big twist. Right. Um, I, I know. And I, I think that's dumb because I think Agreed. his movies are more than that. You know, I, I agree. Uh, um, man. You no, know, I mean, they, I, yes, the sixth sense does rely on it to some degree. Um, the village does rely on it to some degree, but you know, I think this has a lot more layers, just like Unbreakable. This has a lot of other layers going on um, all throughout, and there are twists all throughout. And I, um, anyway, I really appreciate that. I, I think you're wrong. I think there is going to be an Unbreakable too. I think, I think it was enough for him to say, yeah, this is just a fun idea to connect these worlds and say, hey, maybe all my movies exist in this big universe. Which I love that idea. I like that when any filmmaker does that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his movies take place in Philadelphia. I love that. Yeah, the thought of all of his movies really taking place in the same Philadelphia is amazing to think about. <laughs> it is. Well, and um, you may be right because back in the day, Josh, they he did initially when Unbreakable came out, and it wasn't as successful as they had hoped. I did find out at that time that it it there was this Unbreakable t- trilogy. And so, yeah, yeah. So I had heard that and you jogged my memory of that. I've heard, I heard that years ago. And, and so perhaps he is doing that, but um, I've heard him talk about how he wants to do another movie. And I think because this has been such a success, he'll get an opportunity for that to be another movie. I've also heard that he owns the characters. So um, even though these movies were made by different studios, he owns the rights to those characters himself. So he can do it without, you know, studio interference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a good chance that this is going to happen actually, because the film was such a financial success. I think had split not been a big success, there's a chance it may maybe never happened. And then it's just a fun thing to include. But, uh, yeah. you know, now that it's been a hit, I think, I think we're going to see it and I, and I'm okay with that. And I think it's fun. I just, th- I think it's unfortunate for the horror element of this that I think it, um, it really softens it for me. I agree with that aspect. And one other thing I want to appreciate, at least on this, is um, if you remember in our uh, if, spoiler review of The Visit, and I'm not going to say any spoilers, but but I was pointing out how there was a, a very strong parallel to like a, a very famous fairy tale with the way yeah. that The Visit is structured. Well, there there is a, yet another um, parallel with a fairy tale here and it's like the Rumpelstiltskin story a little bit mm-hmm. like the fact that um, if you say his name yeah then you you you've got him like you've if you're able to say his name and, and it took you know because she didn't know his name 
he had many names like Hedwig and all these other names. And then the fact that she was able to finally learn his name and say it, it saved her at one point. So there's a little bit of Rumpelstiltskin tie in. Yeah, and he's stealing your children too. I mean, the, that's the other one little tidbit I heard about this is that this character or a version of this character was initially written into um, Unbreakable. And that there are full scenes from the original script of Unbreakable that just were moved into this film um, that he had to cut out of Unbreakable for time. And there's a character uh, that you'll be familiar with in Unbreakable, which I won't spoil that movie for people who haven't seen it, but there's a character that he follows Mm -hmm. and has some young girls locked up. And that, I believe that character was tied to this character and, you know, was a version of this character. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Initially, but the, basically he, ever since he pulled that character out of Unbreakable, he really has held on to the idea of wanting to do it. And he actually even said in another interview that I saw that he was initially going to just produce it like he did with Devil. Like this was going to be another in the series of M. Night Shyamalan Presents stories. Um, I think kind of before his career went downhill in that era, mm-hmm. I think this, I think we would have seen split be another like devil um, had his career not kind of tanked at that point. And so I'm actually very glad that it's come back around and he was able to do it himself because man, what a great job he did. Yes, he did. He's fantastic. And you know, the village is still, I'll say it proudly, is still my, my all time favorite film period ever of all films. So I, I love M night Shyamalan. Yes, they haven't all mm-hmm. been hits, but this one certainly is a great film and it sounds like you're pleased with it too. Right, Josh. I love this one. I'm a big fan of his. I've been rooting for him for a long time. And you know, there are a few painful years there for me as a, as a supporter mm-hmm. to, um, <laughs> me too. Have to go, go to the theater after, after earth and just, walk out going oh man it's like being Shoot. a Mets fan for a long time like <laughs> I was yes but uh, <laughs> still am by the way still am a Mets fan but I'm just saying there were years yeah they were hard anyway you know the visit I I said he was back and we all said he was back and the horror community knew he was back now everyone knows he's back which is great and um but we knew I'm, first yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that <laughs> I, I wish he would I wish he would embrace the horror fans because um you know, I think we've I think we've embraced him, and I think it's because of guys like Jason Blum and Blumhouse who really believed in the visit. And you know, M Night produced that film on his own, and Blumhouse acquired it and and, um, and distributed it. But they had been pursuing M Night before that to say, hey, you know, let us show you this new low budget business model. Like, well, let us make a film with you. And he ended up doing one on his own and then they distributed it, but they, you know, they made split happen and they, they've been supporting him when, you know, I don't know the details of his career, but from, I I guess the public's perception, the studios aren't behind him anymore. Certainly he had a break with Disney and, um, yes. And so I'm, I'm glad that there are people like Blumhouse who are supporting this kind of, artistic vision and giving him a chance to have a, a low budget film. That's still a big hit, you know? Yes. And I'm glad we don't have, um, we have a horror movie here. That's not a damn paranormal ghost movie. right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's refreshing, I think. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well done. M night Shyamalan. We'll look forward to the next film, whatever that may be. Thank you, Jason Blum. 
I did have just one little quick announcement I wanted to make. People probably remember a few weeks ago, we had a listener question via Twitter from James D. Creviston, and he was looking for a movie he had seen as a kid. And he sent us this message. He said, The movie I remember seeing as a kid has only one scene that I can remember. It's on a train in what appears to be hell. I only remember that most of it was a red hue. This was in the 80s and was on cable at the time. The man in it kind of looked like Christopher Walken, only younger. I had searched all of his movies, but not found it. I know this is vague, but this is the scene that scared me so much as a kid that I would like to see the whole film so I can understand why the scene freaked me out so much. And so we had several guesses, um, a couple from the hosts and a few from other HMP listeners over the next week or two. But overwhelmingly, the response was that this film that James was trying to find is, in fact, Dennis Quaid in Dreamscape. The reason that that didn't register for me is that Dreamscape was actually a film that deeply terrified me as a kid. It was one of the first scary movies that I remember just kind of being traumatized by. And I think I've talked about that on the show before. I was staying with my grandparents for the summer, and... Um, there's a scene where the aliens kind of rip off their human masks and reveal that they're aliens underneath. And I remember as a kid, uh, my grandma calling me up for dinner and just being scared and like slowly climbing up the stairs from her basement, peeking around the corner to see if my grandparents would in fact rip off their you know masks to reveal that they were aliens. And so I'd kind of blocked Dreamscape out of my mind. And so that's that's definitely uh, why it didn't come to me, but. James, I think Dreamscape is your best bet there, and that would be the one I would search out if I were you. That is a 1984 film, so check that out. It's directed by Joseph Rubin, and you can actually stream it right now for a $3.99 digital rental at Amazon.com. So thanks to our listeners for helping James out there. I also wanted to say, uh, due to the success of that one, we got a couple more requests in, and one that I wanted to read is from Paul at Schlock Horror. I heard on your podcast a few episodes ago where you read one of the listeners' movies where you wanted to know what the name of it was, and I'm curious if you could do the same for me. I can remember watching this movie late on TV one night when I was very young. I'd say it around the age of six to eight. That would put it in the very early 90s, so I assume it would have been an 80s movie. Two scenes that are distinct in my mind that I've never forgotten involve a woman or a man walking their dog through a park at night. Someone attacks the person and ends up putting a vacuum the person's throat. I can recall the end of the kill that the dog licks up the owner's blood. Yikes. The ending scene I recall involves a car crusher and the killer ends up being crushed in the car crusher. I also recall it being a woman. I think she may have not been human either. I've tried searching on Google for years using the keywords and nothing. If you may be able to put it to the people, I'd love to find out the name of the movie and rewatch it so I can review it. Look forward to hearing from you, Paul, from Schlock Horror. So... If that sounds familiar to any of you, uh, please let us know. We'll let Paul know. And thanks again for helping track down Dreamscape for James. Well, I know we have much more to discuss, but it's... um, Are you guys okay if we call it a night at this point? <laughs> I am okay if we call it a night. We were like th- <laughs> th- three and a half hours into this. I think I, I think I might have called it a night a half hour ago. Uh, okay. All right. Um, I hope the listeners... Some more. I, I still have probably 10 2016 reviews to get through. Uh, you know, I only saw half of the horror films released in 2016, mm-hmm. but I 
still there's probably 10 that I should review that are just worth checking out still so totally agree we'll eventually get all of those yes we will all right well that wraps up episode 109 horror movie podcast that was our 2017 horror movie preview we hope you enjoyed it we hope it gave you some insights to the things that are coming up and um it was a lot of fun if you liked this show check out movie podcast weekly's 2017 preview where we discuss all genres of everything that's coming out just about every single weekend and this year um so as far as plugs go dr shock where would you like the listeners to check you out on the internet in the meantime well as they've always been dvdinfatuation.com uh, again i'm approaching 2300 so i'm clo- getting close to the end on that um, at DVD Infatuation on Twitter, DVD Infatuation on uh, Facebook, and um, the uh, Land of the Creeps podcast, and now the Universal Monsters podcast mm-hmm. on, on the network. That's excellent. Thank you. All right. What about you, Wolfman Josh? Do short reviews of streaming content at moviestreamcast.com. Yes, as Dave said, we're covering the Universal Monsters, the emerging franchise, and the classic films at Universal Monsters Cast. .com. You can follow us on Twitter. Please do at MonstersCast. Episode one came out this week, and we are going to release. Um, it, it's kind of a three-parter. It's split into the first part is the hosts talking about all of the news related to the Monsters movies. Part two is we had some listeners come on as a panel and discuss what the fans want from these new Universal movies. And part three is we have some industry insiders giving us insight as to what we can actually expect to get out of these movies. Well, that's kind of our three-part episode one, and those are going to be coming out once a week for the next three weeks. Wow. And then we'll get back into some classic releases after that. That's all at UniversalMonstersCast.com. I can't wait for it. Also, sorry, I know we've been going on for like so long already. People don't want to hear anything else from us, but um, I just want to say, so in addition to checking out Movie Podcast Weekly for me as far as plugs, I also love if you check out the Lore Podcast. I've talked about Lore before. It's really quite good. But if you want to hear about a very creepy evil doll story, episode 15 is titled Unboxed. And it's allegedly a true story about an evil doll a la Chucky or Annabelle. (laughs) So that's uh, pretty cool stuff. Anyways, thanks for joining us tonight. We love your comments. We hope you get involved in the horror movie podcast community like all the people did before. There's 418 comments on our previous show. Please jump in the fray. It's very fun. Uh, Leave us a comment at horrormoviepodcast.com there in the show notes you can also email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com like our friend slashly g did and you can also call and leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789 you can find all of our past episodes like all 109 episodes at our website as well as the uh, weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis all of it is there you can subscribe free in iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. That'll be linked in the show notes. And you can also find more from our friend Kagan, who uh, spiffed up the introduction there to Horror Movie Podcast. He did some riffing on Fred Ingram's music, and it's really quite amazing check out Kagan as well. His will be linked in the show notes. Kagan Breitenbach. 
Com. And I think that's it for episode 109 here. So we do thank you for listening once again, sticking with us for like three and a half hours. And you can join us again Friday after next for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.